Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This, this is RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello and welcome. Exciting times are back with us. We've travelled through the pandemic. My name is Bruce Jones. I have Peter Snowden alongside us. We've got full metal racing starting here. The first of eight rounds of the magnificent, don't call it the VLN anymore, it's the NLS, the Nürburgring Landstrecken Series. The circuit looks fantastic. More than 100 cars coming out to play. This is what we live for, Peter. And it's back. And there's so much to talk about ahead of the race. That starts in... 44 minutes from now, four hours of racing, the first of eight rounds of this championship, and uh, we're in the starting box, ready to go. We are indeed. Real racing, you say, full metal racing, 141 cars, not a bad entry for the, the first uh, non-digital one, which of course you've been covering with uh, Mr. Hindoff, and a uh, bit of a new experience for you, I should imagine. Now it's back to the real world, what you used to do. A bit more difficult, you're saying. Well, let me explain why we don't have as many cars. We have 50 cars on, on the digital NLS, but uh, split between... Four it's classes. A, it's a doddle, then. It is a doddle, but I tell you what, you have cameras, imaginary cameras, at any point on the circuit. It had been amazing, whereas, of course, with a circuit that's 24 and a half kilometres long, it's uh, very, very difficult to, indeed. And if you had endless budget and endless operatives, you could have cameras on every corner. But uh, all the replays and everything, all super easy to call up. It's been really good. The real-world drivers mixing with the sim racers, and it's been an eye-opener for the, the real-world drivers because uh, when they got in... <laughs> They found they were lagging behind, but the rate of progress in which they learnt their craft um, was phenomenal. Not just the drivers, but race engineers as well. And I think a lot of drivers will now be racing pretty much every weekend of the year. If they haven't got a full metal race, they will be doing digital uh, racing. It's kept them sharp. It's actually developed their craft. But what we're seeing on the screens at the moment is something new, and this is forced by social distancing. The cars aren't operating out of the garages. They have their awnings, as you can see, in the paddock behind with a one-way system, an in and an out, and then they they peel back under the pit building into the pit lane. And there's a fast lane, there's a working lane in front of the the tents at the back. And so it does have a different feel. But I tell you what, you you had a a chance to have a look uh, during the week, just how much testing's been going on. It's like a coiled spring at the moment. (laughs) Well, as you say, coiled spring, that first lap... um, it's a long, obviously a very, very long lap here, but uh, let's just see. Um, pit lane being used only for refueling this weekend, so I understand. Uh, that's the only bit where the pit lane gets gets used in that sense. Correct. Um, uh, doesn't that point to any drive throughs penalties? How are they going to be um, officiated? Presumably pit lane. Well, there's something we might find out. Exactly. We exactly. might find I never, out. I never, never thought of that aspect. I'll have to readjust, of course. If you get your <laughs> car damaged in the digital world, you can serve a time penalty in the pit while it's put right. No, it's called press reset. Yes, it's something like that. <laughs> Alt, control, delete, reset, something of that order. And uh, yeah, so um, yeah, well, everyone's been keeping match fit, yourself included. As you say, now back to, to real racing and real cars. Uh, of course, digital doesn't damage the environment quite as much as these cars. So back to the real stuff now. And there, real fuel, real cars, real track. But, but what I absolutely love... It's loved, been a long wait. It has been a long wait. And uh, seeing the tweets from the drivers as they got back, mm. back out to go testing, yeah. even if they been doing a sort of full digital season just that element the physical element of driving 
is just so exciting. And that's one thing that still in the digital world, you can't get as much feedback from your rig as you would from the car. And because you have to concentrate on the screen to such an extent, I really think it's actually in some ways almost more physical. It's a different sort of physical because you realize as a racer, you get so much feedback, not just through your hands, but through oh, your yeah, backside, your, yeah. your, you know, the way your body's moving around. And I, I think that's taken a different part of, of, their, of their minds. And you mentioned also that now that, that digital racers can be racing all the time, every weekend, all the time. That's not so good for your home life. Uh, no, well, some it, of these... A, a set calendar, nice away, 10 events, 9 events, whatever it may be, whatever your series is. And uh, now it can be, say, all the time. So we've got a car stopped on track already. Um, as we said, straight real cars. I didn't get much of that in digital, did we? Uh, it's just highlights. Highlights in the past. This is, well, there's, and there's some practice this morning. <laughs> that final sequence of corners, you go yep. through her act and you blast around. It, but there's that kink, which doesn't look like a corner, but by God, you're committed. And, and then trying to go into what effectively is the tear garden mm. sequence of corners. So many people, slightly out of line, becomes very out of line. And then that barrier in front of you gets larger and larger. And uh, there's some big, hairy, scary moments there. Drivers at the moment clipping corners, kicking up the dust on that... Uh, corner of the circuit now novelty yeah the super Supra coming yes. out to play in gt4 trim that's from uh, novel racing good name for them i suppose by ring racing so novel or novel well there you go it's just not throwing, novel just to throw, us just throwing a curveball and we've got a few yeah. hours of this <laughs> but uh, that should go pretty well regardless yep. because andreas golden is is one of the the regular he's the chief driving instructor at the yep. academy so there's nothing he doesn't know about the circuit so um so no pressure then no pressure at all for him. Uh, one of the very few non-German uh, manufactured cars, along with the uh, the, the four five eight, four eight eight Ferraris now, haven't they? They've upgraded uh, this this season from the, the venerable four five eight. Yes, I uh, mean uh, when when you come and look at the NLS and its predecessor, the VLN. Oh dear, bits and bobs in the track there. So there's been a bit yep. of contact, but um, it really is a case of. Um, Old cars, new cars, and cars yeah. that are introduced coming for the future as well. We yes. always have to keep an eye on that. Um, but I must say, looking at the mix of cars, we've often been a little bit Ferrari light, but good to see the Octane 126 team. Uh, four drivers coming out to play in that one. And um, it's just variety. We as motor racing yep. people love variety. Um, but in terms of pace this morning, it was the number six car that uh, rose the top, Mauro Engel, who's just such a star. New team. Used to be Black Falcon Racing, or That's Black right. Falcon Racing ran a fabulous fleet of Mercedes, but uh, that's not been the only victim of and the I think COVID it's still, pandemic. It's, it's, it's the Hout Racing team, almost all the same yeah. people. Black Falcon is represented, represented, but in the sort of junior yeah. subclasses, if you will. But uh, the Hout Racing team has got a full program this year. Um, and in fact, when you look at the entry list for this today's race... All the top teams are here, and not just with single-car entries either, but it's great to have the Rover Racing team with its BMW top mix of drivers. What I am seeing in the distance, it's, it's, it's a fine day, but it's a grey day <laughs> in the Nordschleife. You know how we like to look out over the Eiffel Forests and uh, see what lies beyond. But uh, for the moment, no clouds over the Hout Racing team. Hubert Hout has raced for the Black Falcon team for a considerable number of years. Well, is and that one, one size fits all sort of description for the weather there? No, it's changeable. Changeable, yes. Changeable, I'd already written that bit of script before <laughs> I left home. In fact, I'll tell you what, it wasn't changeable in any of the DNLS rounds. It was bright sunshine well, every round. Extraordinary. Can you change that? Can, can some, somebody no. somewhere on a server suddenly say, rain now, and press a button? You know, my only... To make it a bit more interesting? only complaint, which isn't a complaint at all, in the first one of the, the DNLS rounds we did, which is the second round of the championship, was the scenery looked fantastic, but the leaves were in full tree. In, in, the trees were in full leaf. <laughs> the leaves were in full tree. But you know in the Eiffel Forest, the leaves come quite late because it's, it's relatively cold. But 
ever, ever the stunning. purest, Bruce. Ever the purest. Yes, I do love a Sylvan setting. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but the Pantone of the leaves wasn't quite right for that time of year. It wasn't seasonal. You can tell I was fishing around for, for something to say that wasn't just overall oh. praise and overarching praise. Devils in the detail, as they say. But um, so we just mentioned Maro Engel on pole. So that's yep. for the new team HRT. Uh, second on the grid, Phoenix Racing, Michele Beretta. He's sharing with Kim Lewis Schramm. He's in the Phoenix, one of the Phoenix Racing Audis. So great to have uh, different manufacturers sharing the front row of the grid. And uh, we will let you know the rest of the grids further down. But uh, it is a grey day. In fact, it looked a little bit brighter about 10 minutes ago when we uh, flicked on the screens. But uh, right now, it's, I think for a lot of these drivers, it's just so good to be back involved. And uh, building towards whatever seasons they're... They're building towards whether they're just going to be doing the NLS or if they're going to be doing, let's say, the GT World Challenge Europe. But for all these championships, everything has been compressed into this second half of the season. You know, just getting ready to go in the end of March and then lockdown. And I think every championship must be effectively on about plan D. Plan B, we'll do that. No, we won't. I think it was you and I or John discussing earlier in the weekend saying that, that there simply aren't enough weekends now in the year to get as much motor racing in as we want to because of the, the three month. Uh, lockdown is over, nothing happening. So uh, everything's compacted. We've seen it in Formula One with double headers and two Grand Prix at different circuits. I think that starts in a, is it next weekend. F1 starts again. So uh, very similar here, uh, trying to compact everything in as as much as possible in a, in a short time scale. And of course, they've got the uh, the Nurburgring permit. These drivers have to go through the process. I know one or two people have been doing that uh, in in the lockdown, using that process to do the the theory side of stuff and getting that done. Keeping match fit, as it were, like yourself doing the digital, uh, keeping yourself, keeping your eye in, or your voice in, in your case. Uh, but now it's uh, now it's real cars, um, and a lot to get in. But what a, what a way to start with this. Well, four hours straight out of the box. There you go. <laughs> luckily, not just for each driver. Obviously, yeah. that, that's, well, that's no. the element. We g- generally have three drivers, some and two, and some some four. But uh, again, we've got the, the full mix of cars. Whereas in the DNLS, we had uh, the top class, the SP9 class, and then. A Porsche Cup class, a yeah. Cayman Cup class, and the TCRs. But uh, the lo- most recent round uh, in that, we'd only had um, Audi RS3s, but then BMW M4 model was ready to go out and play. So some of the teams yep. tried that and put it back in the box, but um, just great to see the richness of this full grid. You say 141 cars, that's a lot of adding up, but uh, again, it's just lovely to see the full mix. It has always been such a feature of the VLN and now from now on the NLS and the races are going to come thick and fast rounds two and three the 11th and 12th July quite unusual we're so accustomed to having the Saturday race but it's a Saturday and Sunday to to make it all fit in there's a a lot of motor racing to get in be before in this for the end of the season Um, but uh, organizers doing an amazing job and uh, just looking at the camera there looking at the pit lane uh, fantastic measures put in place um, for this the social distancing which is a logistically not an easy thing to start to process when you've got 141 cars out there driver changes you say sometimes two three four drivers per car mechanics crew refuelers uh, crew chief etc and that's just just look at one team uh, and they've all done extremely well all their say measured little area in the paddock i think it's uh is it six foot six foot 20 meters they've got a little space uh, with the awnings um and v- very much um you know on trial here but a bit of motor racing on trial here for us actually just seeing how we can cope with them um, the new Social distancing rules, that's all going to change, I guess, uh, as things ch- evolve. We know it's a very fast-moving situation. Um, I don't just mean the cars on track, but the, <laughs> the, the, pan- the pandemic. It see, was I a, see what you yeah, did there. Yeah, yeah. 
but but the that thing, was unintentional though. But you picked up on it. Well done. <laughs> You're ahead of me again. Paying attention. <laughs> um, but the, I think I think one of the beauties of the NLS, not just because it's got this brilliant circuit to go pl- go racing on, but it's the fact that whatever they sort for this round is going to be good for the others for as long as it's exactly. needed. Exactly. But if you've got a championship that's going from circuit to circuit around Europe or Asia or wherever or around the states, you've got to manifest those changes at each and every one of the circuits. Very good point. Yeah. So th- th- there may be things they tweak and, and fiddle for for the next time around. But I've been really impressed by the plans. But not every circuit races go to no. series go to have a paddock as sizable as we have at the Nurburgring, and and so they're they're fortunate there, and um, also social distancing. They can spread the cars out around twenty five and a half, twenty four and a half kilometres. There you go. That's the plan, Stan. <laughs> so rather like your digital racing, it's a, it's a bit of a beta test, this, isn't it? See how it all works. But I think I think you can guarantee that races from all series are just watching all uh, this champ as this weekend. Championships are just kicking off around the world. And they're looking and learning uh, and just seeing because yeah. most of them will be racing again within the next few weeks. And um, around Europe, the championship's really starting to swing into action. So how different is it going to be in a month or two months time? That's the point. It could be it could be more. It could be less. Who knows? It's, uh, uh, it's watch with interest. And that's that's uh, that's off the track. Never mind on the track. No, entirely so. But I, but I also think because the seasons are necessarily now compressed, do not crash the car is a message that more than one team manager <laughs> will be will be uh, stressing with some vigour, one feels. And one thing we haven't really talked about, just rolling into the background of the scene is a Ford Mustang. Don't get many of those yeah. to the pound. And Fantastic uh, um, scheme on it as well. Um, livery. Just, you, you know, just I, I, think, I think quite a few people have um, really done... They've used the extra time mm-hmm. uh, to great avail. In fact, some of them have developed their liveries through what they've managed to put on their digital <laughs> car. And some of those are changing week in, week, week, in, week out. What looks good, what... What does not look good, but uh, well, what's the old phrase? Art imitates life, or life imitates art. Uh, which way round is it? It's they say, do it digitally because we can. Then almost says, hang on a minute, why don't we just print that in vinyl and put it on the car? And as you said two months ago, they probably wouldn't have thought of that. No, um, now has been a chance, and also of course, if you're on a digital world, you can spin the cameras around and see the cars from all angles at all times. So it does really give them a sort of rolling test bed. But one of the colour schemes that just remains so so strong mm. and so popular is the Grello, the bright yellow and bright yep. green. Uh, Porsche from Manti Racing, and that's uh, rolled through our shot, going towards the front end of the grid. And that's got single entry this time, isn't it? Manti, just the one car today. Yeah, yeah, yep. that, that is correct. But we've got a, a good field of SP9 runners and um, Manti Racing. Julian Andlauer, Matt, Matt Campbell, so Frenchman, Australian, and Lars Kern, German. Again, typical of the, the teams at the very front end of the grid. So cosmopolitan in entry, but uh, obviously. And Lauren Campbell, in particular, very well supported um, drivers on the sort of on the Porsche books. But let's just uh, fleetingly talk about what may be lying ahead. Of course, uh, some teams had plans that have gone up in smoke simply because uh, the, you know people's businesses have not have not done well through uh, the pandemic. Some have actually paid up front, so they're coming racing as yep. soon as they as they possibly can. But uh, it has led to quite a few people. Well, not as many as I'd expected. Actually, suddenly people having to drop out and other people. Um, Coming in, people being late to to call their. Uh, I, th- call I think their it's a, a very interesting aspect you've just raised there, because you say there's um, we, we live in we live in a sheltered bubble in motorsport, don't we? Let's face it, uh, and it's uh, it's a bit of a luxury t- to some people. It's it's big money, we know that. Um, but you say it's all funded by companies, businessmen, individual gentlemen, drivers, sponsors. It's all got to come from somewhere, uh, and that has changed. You know, it's such a global thing. This 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 COVID nineteen the pandemic. It's. Uh, has it affected business? And it's interesting to see again. So not not just from the point of view of the paddock and how it works. Um, it's a third dimension here. We've got the racing on track. Yeah, that's great. How the paddock works and all that side of it. 
and how strong is it economically behind to get all these cars out? So I think 141 cars out, first real race, or full, full metal racing as you call it, uh, to coin your phrase. Um, I know I've got to pay copyright on that. Um, I think I think it's quite yeah, exactly. It's I think it's quite impressive first time out. But the, again, how well will that evolve? What are people going? Uh, this is really, it's 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 quite a test event. This one for us, not just from the not just from the track point of view. It's a, there's a lot of lot of strings to this one. Yeah, but when you look at the NLS, the teams have so much experience of this series, this circuit, and yeah. it, there, that is one element about having a circuit where you come racing frequently. It means the cars are really well engineered for the challenge that's ahead. There aren't many surprises unless you change to a new model of car <laughs> uh, for this year. The theory is correct. It doesn't always follow. <laughs> and obviously, they're aware of um, how long their stint life might be because they've got so much experience of the, of the temperatures and how it affects the tyres and stuff. But there is still this element. They've, they've had a useful uh, session of testing and they've had the running this morning, practice and qualifying. But um, they at least have half a clue. If the temperature is X, tyre life is going to be Y and therefore our stint length will be Z or something. But... Um, so I think. Thank you, Professor Jones. Yes, I, I should retire <laughs> to the staff room and have some coffee and biscuits right now. But cars are looking great. And again, it just stresses to me when you start seeing a long, long grid shot, just how many cars are coming into the background. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we, we set off in batches as well. So there'll be the gap in between. So some of the cars we cannot see, they're out around the corner. But the SP9 cars uh, looking very, very cool indeed. The number 006, or in fact, it's number six, really, is on pole. That's the. The new team, headed by Hubert Hout, long-time Black Falcon uh, racer, but he's now at the helm of the team. Patrick Assenheimer and Mara Engel. Are they still working out of the Black Falcon workshops while they're building a new HQ, as thing I read? I think. I, think I that's believe that's the case, because yeah. it's only just been announced. Yeah. So it really is that new, I mean. There are still three Black Falcon cars uh, coming out in this race, including a very interesting-looking one down in SP Pro, which is yes, car number 350, yep. Black Falcon Team Identica, a very famous uh, you know, connection of names. Marek Bockman, Tobias Muller and Carlos Rivas, all huge experience on the North Rifle. It's a 911 GT3 Cup MR, Manti Racing. So that's how it's been developed. And let's see how that progresses. I'll let you know where that is when I've uh, looked down the grid order. But for the 51st at an hour, ADAC Rundstrecken Trophy, it's that uh, Team HRT Mercedes on pole position, the predominantly black car with orange and white flashes on it and it's the yellow phoenix racing audi with michele beretta on the outside of the front row now there's there's a there's a name associated with endurance racing the berettas indeed yeah indeed but there are many berettas none related no they're related to their family <laughs> but um but uh yeah a great cluster of cars and actually for the first time seeing some really ex- great new liveries i really like the uh Red and white number two Mercedes from uh, Team Getsby. That's one shared by Fabian Schiller, Maxi Buk, and Raffaele Marcello. That's not going to be weak, is it? Good grief. No. What a lineup in that one. So that's not on the front row, but it's not far behind. Still wheeling itself around to uh, try and get into grid formation. And where did that car qualify, Bruce? It was just, just waiting to let you know. Yeah. Just waiting for okay. those uh, you say things. So a, a strong contender there, but you, you don't need to be... I think there's always bragging rights and principle of being up on pole and front row, and whatever. But it's a four-hour race. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. you've covered enough of it uh, uh, more than most people, and we know it uh, doesn't all matter at the beginning. But it, there, there is that certainly that psychological thing. I think it's probably more more prevalent amongst the drivers. Uh, you do want that bragging rights of being up there, the farter, that even if it's just yeah. a, a thousandth or something. It's that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter how much quicker you are. The word is quicker. 
Yeah, but it's I, part I, of a driver's makeup. Okay, but part of a racing driver's brain. <laughs> Isn't that an oxymoron? <laughs> I did stumble for a <laughs> yeah, second exactly. there. But how did your psyche change when you were all set through the close season to go racing in March, maybe April, True. and you've been held back to the end of June? How many drivers do you think will get that little rush of blood to the head when they go down to yep. Tottenham? Thank goodness it's a wide corner with a considerable amount of runoff. So well, It does tighten up, though. If you're, coming, if, if you're on the left-hand side, that's one thing. Going down the inside, you can suddenly, it's that as pince as like a venturi, isn't it? You suddenly get to the point, in, oh, 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 and then, then you're into a lock-up. And uh, hopefully we're not going to see that. No. But uh, no, it's, I, I've, I've always, this is, I think this is probably why you and I like endurance racing. I've always liked the fact that it's such a team event. It's not so singular. You've got that thing, two, three... Uh, maybe even sometimes four drivers, uh, and the fact that you've got such a var- you can have such a variety of drivers. You literally your pro am lineup. So a little bit further down the class is some of the BMWs. Um, not so much gentleman driver as I, I don't mean to be denigrating that, but people that are paying to do this and have the fun, but are against the black Falcon cars, etc. But you can have such a range of ability and talent and experience in a team. But you've all got to work together because it's the same car. It's the same chassis. It's going around all the time. So you've got to engineer it the same way. Your strategy's got to be right. Uh, and I've always found that absolutely fascinating to watch how that plays out. And the longer the race, the better. Uh, you know, this, this to me is a sprint race. You know, four hours. We, we like 24 hours. Um, in, in, entirely. But, but one thing my rugby coach always just used to talk <laughs> about was... Well, they weren't four hours long, but hopefully... <laughs> In the bar afterwards, yes. <laughs> ah, yes, okay. But it, it was about not being the weakest link in the chain. You're only as exactly. strong as the weakest link yep. in the chain. So whatever your capacity as a driver when you're in a big formation, you know, in a four-car yeah. driver lineup in this, just don't drop the ball Yeah, is the message. Because we all know that uh, shaving a few seconds off here or there around a long lap is a fabulous yeah. thing, but uh, putting it in the barriers is, is not considered in quite the same light. Well, there's, a, there's an old military principle uh, from the army days of um, you, the, the unit marches at the pace of the slowest man. You don't go at the pace of the quickest. You go at the slowest man to work as a team. And that, that's absolutely prevalent in this. You have to do it. So, the grid is forming. see many people out there. Of course, what we've never seen before is uh, people walking around with uh, the face masks <laughs> on. And, uh, but I've got to say, just seeing that, it doesn't look as packed as normal. No, does it? no, no. It, nor- re- it no, really is The obvious. numbers have been limited. Normally, yep. we actually struggle to see the cars, because there are yep. sim- particularly the long shot taken back down from turn one, high above turn one back to the grid you eventually see a door and you work out there's a car <laughs> attached and um but today yes we can see the cars we can see the two on the front row there's a bright yellow number two i think it is in still quite a lot of shuffling going around there is a lot of shuffling yeah, you know cars. that's the bit one of the mercedes wrong. i think is number 23 here the, yeah that's uh, janine hill's the car J- jp is that j2 racing car the, the, yeah J2. the rooster yeah. rooster rojo j2 racing car run by get speed performance and that's, i think uh, they've got slightly out of, out of slot out of position uh, getting in that's been well it's a big long car being <laughs> exactly. one of the amg mercedes yeah. i don't think the parking centers were working certainly not so the grid, very nearly set. We're going racing at the top of the hour. So we've still got time. But, of course, they have to go off on uh, what is not a short formation lap and uh, get this <laughs> no. pack of cars. But here we are. I think let's see this as a triumph as uh, we get back to full metal racing. It's the fact that everyone's been held up. The excitement has been absolutely palpable. And uh, now, after a fantastic uh, run of testing, we're ready to go racing all over again. Now, as you say... So... Peter, all set to go and play, and uh, 141 cars. It's, I think we have to just think about that. Mm. The, we sometimes get up to 160 runners in this race. The fact we've got just not far short of that 
just shows how people have probably had to move more pillars and posts to get there than they would normally. But the determination to go racing is clear. And also, where better to start your season than blasting around the Nordschleife? You want a challenge? For Why not hours. go for the biggest one? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, four hours around the Nürburgring, it's, uh, it's fabulous. I've, I've only ever actually raced on the full Nürburgring once. Uh, and that was a 24-hour. So it was a bit, a bit of a baptism of fire. I won't tell you how long ago it was. Uh, the photographs are in colour, but uh, only just. <laughs> <laughs> it was a while ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd probably have to qualify for the permit now, wouldn't I? I'd have to do all that. Yes. Bizarrely. Yes, exactly. Uh, but I think what you see is when you, when you look down the driver careers of some of the drivers, not necessarily the ones right at the sharp end, but some of the people in the junior classes have been doing this series for... Oh. Yeah. You know, best part of a decade and a half, and some, you know, made their debut in the 1980s in the Nurburgring 24 Hours. But again, that's a race that's changed its uh, feathers over the years, yeah. and um, you know, is is in rich, rich health. But an awful lot of motor racing is going to have to reinvent itself over the next couple of years because muddy is going to be harder to find. But the very best organisers find a way of tailoring their championship to the needs of, particularly in sports car racing, of the privateer. Because Absolutely, the, the manufacturer money is going to dwindle yeah, because yeah. Uh, they're all. You think about car sales, you think about many, many things, and the way they have to reinvent. But racing folk will always find a way to well, go. We're racing. seeing it in some of the big series, aren't we? Some of the teams pulling out of Le Mans and Elms and all that kind of stuff, and pulling out is it's quite extraordinary. There's been quite a raft of them over the last few uh, few months because of the the pandemic. Uh, as you say, they're, they're they're pulling out, and it's. Um, uh, I mean, sports car racing has always been. Uh, the clave of the gentleman driver. It's it's a massive part of it. I know the pros probably don't like that bit of it, and to, but they pay. And you know, you you. I remember Ian Titchmarsh said to me many many years ago, he said, "What you need to do, Peter, is find yourself a patron." And I was like, "He's absolutely right." And it was a very very sound bit of advice because you need somebody to to pay, and that's it. Doesn't matter how much. That unless you, you know, there's only a few people got the super uber talent uh, to get there and get paid, and that, that's a, that's only a very very few cream at the top. The the rest rest of people have got to got to have it funded. Somebody invested a team. Yeah, it's it's a moving target, and the very very best make sure they've got it right. But with the NLS, they've always got a racing series that's attractive because it's multi multi class, and I think that's one of the main reasons it survives. We are just about ready to go. Every time I think all the cars are in position, another one is fed slowly <laughs> up the order. Hyundai uh, making its way through the second grid of cars. 141 cars all set to go out racing. Track condition dry, bit breezy. It's a grey day and there are dark clouds to the west of the circuit. But I think for now they seem high enough. How warm is it? Well, people down on the grid are not wearing their racing jackets to show allegiance to their teams. It's wearing them because I think they need them because of the wind. But uh, it's not hot. It's not cold. It's the end of June. But the most important thing here on RS1 is we're going racing again with cars made of metal. It's been <laughs> fabulous. It's been a revelation to me to commentate on the digital NLS and sundry other virtual races. I'm, I've become a real convert to it. And in fact, to be honest, Peter... After five, five minutes into my first digital broadcast, I actually forgot to a large extent. I just became so engrossed in the timing screen and the, and the race monitors that what was happening there. And, of course, you get little glitches, but mm -hmm. the drivers being who they are, they then make sure they've got the very best yeah. kit. With I learned t terms like ping and latency. If those numbers are low, they, they can place their car accurately. And, obviously, if you're going two or three abreast into a corner and you're on slight delay, you're going for a gap that may not still be there when you get there. But, of course... 
as the cars set off on their parade lap. Porsche leading the round, the white lights on the roof. It's a sight that makes me very, very happy indeed as the SP9 cars go off in that fabulous mix of cars down down the order behind but it's Mercedes and Audi on the front row Mercedes on the second row good one of the BMWs right up at the sharp end as well and the Ferrari's in the mix too I'm trying to see how the best Ferrari looks as though it's in about eighth position it's the Octane 126 car shared by Bjorn Grossman Simon Trummer Jonathan Hershey and Luca Ludwig and Luca knows those cars very well indeed has been racing for the HB racing team for years in the ADAC GT series but what's encouraging is just simply we have so many teams in fact wanting to come and play there's some dip in yep. and some dip out but i think increasingly as more and more privateers will dictate where the car goes they want to come and do this i think the numbers in this at the top end are going to grow that's just my hunch my little uh, look into the future because what is not to like about the uh, langstrecken series absolutely and so you heard it here first so we'll, we'll keep a we'll keep an eye on that bruce but i think i think it's a very very valid point it was interesting you saying about the um your views and perceptions on digital racing, just while we've got this longer uh, formation lap, uh, and how, how quickly you became, uh, not just immersed in it, but how quickly you adapted to thinking it was just like real racing. And because we saw it in bits of NASCAR, didn't we? Some of the e-racing there where drivers getting fined and penalised in the real world for the way they behaved on track digitally, not realising that it was, you know, they think it was only a game and sort of huffing and puffing and having a tantrum and, right, points on your licence. And it's just, it, I remember reading that and thinking, this is this is serious. People aren't getting that there's it's a small transition from, as you say, full metal racing to digital. But everything else, the infrastructure and the platform's the same, and the the governing bodies and organisers are saying, no, we're not having that behaviour. It's the same. You're representing us, well, well, a body, a sponsor, etc. Why shouldn't you be penalised? Well, what's the big penalty? The biggest penalty, of course, is for Daniel Abt, who's lost his Audi Formula uh, Formula E drive because exactly. he, he had a friend who was a professional sim, sim racer, racer yeah. slotting in for him. So, yes, it was underhand, but he wasn't taking it sufficiently seriously. Yeah. He thought it was a laugh. Yeah. And, um, but also, <laughs> there has been some pretty scurrilous behaviour in the IndyCar that? series yeah. against Lando yeah. Norris. And, and people are quite surprising. But when you see how seriously some of them are taking it, saw yeah. Simon Pagano in the uh, Le Mans, virtual Le Mans, who had a spare rig. That's his level of preparation. His steering wheel stopped working. He climbed across the other one, which was sort of alongside him. Uh, a T-car. You know, Fantastic. Racing drivers sh- should yes. never be ever underprepared. And <laughs> Absolutely not, no. Budget permitting, of course. Yes. Of course, if you have yeah. a budget. But again, that was quite typical because yeah. if anyone knows Simon, he's someone who doesn't ever do things by halves. Yeah. So, uh, yes, that was good, because otherwise you can imagine the frustration yeah. when uh, simply you cannot come out and play, or just for a small glitch. You, you say that, that funnily enough, many, many years ago, just a very quick aside, whilst on the formation up in club racing, uh, it was, uh, there was a, a guy that had turned up one of the first rigs at club racing, which everybody was surprised at, because it, it was usually a van. If you were a bit posher, you had an estate car, or maybe a Range Rover. That was a level of it. But he turned up with a rig, and nobody could ever work out why, because the rig was always kept closed, the car came out, whatever. Turns out, at one meeting when something catastrophic happened, he had built a complete spare car in there, then just transferred, just moved the transponder across, and out it came. And I'm, I remember thinking, every at the time, I was like, well, that's not cricket, that's not the spirit of it, but that was a level of it. And that was 25 years ago, Bruce. So, you know, uh, a, spare, a spare setup in sim racing, oh, it's fantastic. As you say, it's just, you can take the driver out of the car, literally, but quite extraordinary. But then again, there are, there are periods in motor racing, well, perpetual periods, where someone will just arrive and they've got the money to do something on a higher yep. level than anyone else. And 
unfortunately, the nature of the beast is mm. that becomes that raises the ante, and people yeah. feel they have to follow it, which is why mm. so many junior single seater series have become priced out of the, the market for many many potential racers. And you know, it is a massive concern the, the the cost that you think of so many drivers who were able to do it back when. Yeah. In the 80s, when Formula yeah, yeah. Ford was, uh, you know, attainable, very attainable, and how many of those drivers would have gone no further? Naming no names, no, no, na- no, no shame, but they got in and they wouldn't have been there. But I've been involved in some driver coaching with somebody in, in junior saloon cars uh, the last couple of years. He's only just 16 now, moved into Ginetta's now. And to look at the budget, and it, it was dad, works as a builder, got a camper van, all the classic thing, mum, sister, whatever, all help, catering, ever, all fine with the Saxo. And even that, the budget for that, I think was 15 grand the first year. And that 15 grand still, you know, I know it's not nothing what we're watching here, but 15 grand to send your 14-year-old racing while still at school. Um, and you know, sort of year nine kid, and you sort of, oh, hang on a minute. And that 15 grand in three seasons, add a naught on it now. Yeah. <laughs> you just, oh, hang on a minute. And this, this is, you know, still lower level stuff, but there's a career path that looks like the possibilities there. Uh, and you just like getting to invest and you think, crikey. Well, big I, money, and, as, and to get to Formula Ford, and that comes four, it's just insane. Yeah. They're mind touring cars. Then we've yeah. got these cars. Next batch going away. Bunch of BMW setting off there. Well, BMW such such uh, <laughs> strong supporters of the NLS. They really really use it, and, and some of the very best racing we've seen over the years have been between their their sort of one class series within. And we've got a new model now, haven't we? This this season replacing the two three five two forty shape. So we've got a new 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 model out. Yeah, and, and the M, M240i Racing Cup car is, is great. But again, a lot of these drivers have already done the digital series yeah. with it as well. So they, yeah. they've found some of the vagaries and uh, sorting it out. But what I love when you get back to the third starting group, you have more shapes of cars and, and you have much smaller cars at the back. But, of course, their role isn't in that. The mighty open mantle, Opel Manta, Volker Strychek still at the wheel. That's such a crowd yeah. favourite. Yeah. But it's the fact they have a really big role to play. They've got their own race. And they've got yeah. to not interrupt the 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 pace, uh, the, the the speed of the uh, front runners as they come through. Because there, uh, was, there was even a comment on uh, the, the radio show um, Facebook feed this week of somebody commented that they they misread. They thought the Manta wasn't out this weekend and just said, basically, I won't be watching VLN stroke NLS is not the series without the Manta. It's that much of a crowd favorite. That's just one car, as you say, down the order. It's not even a front running car out there, but it's as you say, it's such a favorite. Well, it, I think it, it could go around the circuit blindfold, actually, because it's been doing it for so many years. In fact, I think my early visits to the Nordschleifer and the Nürburgring were, were pretty much when that car was uh, competitive. And I think that was the one time I was invited to do the, the 24 hours. And very wise not to have done it because I wouldn't have been good enough. But uh, also, at that point, I would have been in a Ford Fiesta XR2, or was it, X, or was it a Turbo? But anyhow, I just didn't fancy, on, I'd never been around the circuit, and I didn't fancy you sure it wasn't an Anglia or a Prefect? It wasn't. It wasn't yes, it was a popular, Ford popular. <laughs> but um, I just didn't fancy that in the dark with, no. you no. know, the top Porsches coming past me. I thought I would, I would have caused someone else's accident or just had several of my own. So I said, another year, let me prepare. Oh. And I was quite right because uh, the, during the night, the race went on behind a safety car for, I think, three hours. Yes. It had rain and fog. Yep. So I thought yep. my, what little I might have learnt through practice would have been lost in the mists of at least, time. At least you've got to learn the circuit under the safety car. There is that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, providing I was paying you know you could see enough with the, the, the marker points but uh right we're always treated of course to onboard camera cars in the nls and i'm really hoping the very first one of these i think we had six the first one that i did mm-hmm. one didn't start and three were out on the opening lap so let's hope 
we're more we're not star-crossed this time around because they really really add something and in the heat of a battle particularly in the sp9 class the senior class uh for gt3 cars it it just it still takes my breath away as we, we see them so close together and then when you come up on lapping the slowest of the cars in batch three and that happens really quite quickly in this race um then it's a case of uh everyone having to behave together because we had that in the last last real race we had as in vln 9 october last year that you and i covered the last round of the mm. championship last year we had that extraordinary battle was it the cup five class or the two the two bmws that were nose to tell we had the in-car footage in that and do you remember it was just sometimes you couldn't see the rear lights of the car in front and it went on for how long i think i think they i think they changed their strategy so they could pit together to keep it going it was they were obviously enjoying it that much and that was one of the absolute highlights of that race and that was say I think it was Cup 5, wasn't it, down that, that, order, that order? Yeah, that, that, that's always a competitive class. I mean, I always feel that the director has a really diff difficult job to do, not just because the circuit's so long, but there are so many classes that are having inter-class battles. Yeah. And, it can, you know, the easy one was always go to the BMW class cars because yeah. they're so evenly matched, there'll be six of them fighting over the lead. Now, Bruce, in my headset, I can hear real engines. I can hear. Is that doing something for your soul, Peter? Uh, it hasn't got as far as my soul yet, but it's certainly doing something. Real engines. First time in eight months around the Nürburgring. It's visceral. Absolutely. Add the images. Note the windscreen wipers going a little bit at the moment, but that might be just checking the systems as we ride on board the number 25, which is... Uh, How race cars are developed and they have an intermittent wipe on windscreens. Unbelievable. Look, at have a wiper. Uh, just, uh, it was Huber Motorsport, number 25. Sorry, I just uh, looked a lot across the wrong line. That's good to have them on board because, of course, they largely race in series like the Carrera Cup Deutschland. They're up in the GT3 class now, SP9. Marco Holzer, Patrick Kolb, and this is one for you to say, Lorenzo Rocco di Toro Padula. So I didn't quite catch that, Bruce. Sorry. Yes, you did. <laughs> Hopefully he'll go very well. Driver from Switzerland. But to me, that's the fastest name in the field. We always always feel the fastest names. Are, for some reason, they're Italian racing drivers. It just sounds names. fast, doesn't it? Yes. I, think, I think it's just growing up. Just, look at, just as you gradually learn people in international motorsport and that image of Ferrari and all that's around. A bit of blue sky in the distance now. So weather appears to be improving as the cars go around on the formation lap for this. The, the first round of 2020, much delayed. And definitely social distancing on the top of the castle turret there, viewing the race from there. That's definitely keeping a bit of social distancing out of the paddock. Yep. And they counted how many were up there. If there were too yeah, many, exactly. off they go. <laughs> yeah, throw them off, yes. But what a great Very medieval. What a great backdrop. Brilliant circuit, but it's such a beautiful part of the world as well in the Eiffel Forest. And um, anybody who hasn't been there, you know what you've got to plan is now the travel bans are lifting. You have to go take your road car and do drive the circuit if you can. But even if you don't feel like it, go and look at the various vantage points around the outside of the circuit. There's so many brilliant places to watch around the Nordschleife. Places like Brunchen are just fantastic to watch. And um, you pick your favourites. But uh, so much to see. Pits look unusually empty because, just to reiterate, uh, there is a special system for the cars. They don't go straight into the pits. They go around the back where they stop in front of their awnings. So we've got one car already without a yes. door. Car number 303 which is the Alexander Schmidt, Thomas Menneke and Jens Wolf VW Golf. But alas, that's, that's running in the SP3T class, but it's not running anywhere at the moment. So I don't know why the door is off, but uh, don't expect that to be starting because we're going to start in seven minutes, six minutes from now. And there's not exactly a hive of activity around that car unless there's somebody working down inside. You say doors are off it, so, that's, so it looks like 303 is a, uh, a non-starter. 
Yeah, but that doesn't mean it won't be a finisher. No, well, this is true. Non-start non at the starter. Yes. Start. So a grey day, but to me, the sun is shining over the Nordschleife in my mind. We've done the digital season, but this is what we go racing for. Cars made of metal going around racing circuits. Not just any racing circuit, but uh, really very much the, one of the greatest circuits in the world, according to Choice. Another car that's going to be uh, carrying camera around for us is the race taxi team. Manuel Collard, Emmanuel Perodo, and Mathieu Vassivier. Their Mercedes run by GetSpeed, this team. It's a pair. They've run Porsches in the past. They've run Ferraris most recently. And uh, just getting so much racing is what it's all about. Francois Perodo, sorry, I called him Emmanuel there for a second, um, is the man who writes the checks man who's competed in the World Endurance Championship for many, many years, but uh, fortunately for him, his oil business is going supremely well, so uh, to have hot shoe Mathieu Vassivier and the super, super professional Manu Collard alongside, uh, absolutely, what, what yes. a lineup! and uh, great to see them with Get Speed and performance. And such a long career as well for mm. Manu Collard as well, I mean, it's, uh, I dread to think how many years he's been racing, I think we're sort of... Uh, two-thirds of the way around now, Bruce. We're not far... We are, and I can tell you when he started racing, he was a French Formula Ford champion 30 years ago. Sorry, Formula Renault champion. I was going to say, Collard. I bet it's 25 years, but yeah, okay, 30 years, there you go. So he's always been around. I remember remember racing against... Well, I remember being in the same races as him. I wouldn't say racing against him would be a... Oh, you can say it if you want. No, no, Someone so will pick you up, quite rightly. Exactly. Oh, we're definitely overstating it, but we're in the same races. Fully look at that. Now, another car that's carrying our cameras. We talked to Black Falcon not entering the SP9 class. Those cars effectively been taken o taken over by uh Hout racing team windy day just having a little look over the pits and um people are in shirt sleeves are in jackets as well but the flags the rover motor oil flags really having a blow so maybe those ground black clouds can work for or against drivers who fancies the wet now there are raindrops on the screen as we yep. ride ride around with number 350 from team identica and that is another Black Falcon car. I just started that point. Black Falcon, the top cars now run as Team HRT, the Hout Racing Team. But uh, they're running three cars in other classes. The SP Pro Car 350 is one of our camera cars. That's the one we talked of earlier, the 911 GT3 Cup MR model. And halfway around the lap, just riding with that car as they approach the, the rise up the hill towards the carousel. And it's that sort of rain level of rain at the moment do you want to put the wiper across it or not no because once you've no, committed no. to it <laughs> leave it as long as possible exactly so so these drivers having to not just they've done a bit of testing last few days done practice done qualifying but now when it gets really serious do you want a greasy surface i don't think it'll be anywhere near greasy yet but uh, if this carries on it could be a factor it could be something that offers an excuse to some of the drivers but uh, as they as they report back with slightly shorter car but we've got uh, the front runners at the front of the field just to reiterate pole position uh, going to Mauro Engel he his teammate uh, Patrick Assenheimer was the winner of this event last year the fifth when it was the 50th yes. an hour thing with uh, Manuel Metzger that was with the Black Falcon Mercedes team this time it's team HRT Mauro Engel and Patrick Assenheimer out of the corner Galgen Kopf towards Dottinger and uh, cars weaving around inevitably trying to get the heat in their tyres it's Mercedes, Audi, Mercedes Mercedes, they're the top four, one of the best of the BMWs, I think we've got four BMWs one of the walking horse cars in fifth place in that line of cars, Falcon Racing, all the big players in the mix as well, Phoenix Racing, Falcon Racing 
Frickadelli Racing Team. They're getting very, very serious in the Porsche world. They're up there too. And how about uh, the Audi Sport Team pairing, uh, pairing, three of them, Robin Freens, Christopher Haaser and Nika Muller. That is a really, really well-stacked car. Car number 32. Look for that working its way up towards the very sharp end of the field. But we know it's all a question of not getting it wrong, taking the odd risk on the opening lap, but just not too many because these drivers are super, super competitive. Don't just think they've been sitting around all winter. Most of these drivers will be doing top-level sim racing as well to keep them sharp. But let's see if it works. Feels just the same going the other way. They had to re-educate their brains Absolutely. to perform on a sim. Now they, they've got a car that will give them messages back through every part of their body. So... We've already had full metal racing sat in the Southern Hemisphere. The Australian Supercar Series swung back into action yeah. earlier today. And now it's the turn of the Norman's Northern Hemisphere. And I must say, it's uh, a sight that really, really cheers me. As the cars line up to come through the final sweep of corners, the Brems Curva through the Tiergarten Complex and then onto the start-finish straight. Then they'll have to look at the lights. Some of the runners in the SP9 class have really lagged back quite a long way. Really, their job is to be nose to tail. Maybe yeah, that speed, part of it up now. Yeah, got, yeah well, they, they were coming to the kink before the final sequence and there were many, many car lengths between them. But now they're bunching up very well indeed. A handful of them getting the windscreen wiper going. The, the Manti Racing Porsche, most of the others staying off it. But as the cars keep on streaming through, it emphasizes how many cars. Side. We've got three batches of cars, 141 cars coming out to play. And is Maro Engel, a driver who, who really seems to almost do no wrong in a GT3 car, get a lead down to the first <laughs> corner? Or will Michele Beretta from the outside of the front row uh, take it to the front? Of course, the right-hand side of the grid is the side you want to be. That's the pole starting car. And he's already made a jump before they get past pit entry. Lights a brilliant it. start. It's going to be two Mercedes. The car, Mercedes from third place of the grid. And Beretta is now being monstered by another yellow Mercedes trying to go past him. But a brilliant super start from the pole sitter. In behind there. Oh, of course, why not? Four abreast on the run pole. Absolutely, of course, as, as predicted, P2 car down to three already and possibly going to lose down to fourth, I think, at the first turn, running wide. But yes, he's, no, no, he has just managed to get back to P3 again there. Oh, Kayleigh Beretta nearly had a Ferrari rubbing his uh, tail end, the Octane 126 car going wide. But the person making the move is the, the car making the move is the Rover BMW going, trying to go up into fourth place, being resisted for now. The Octane 126 Ferrari gets onto his tail as they go through those twisty corners that go around the Mercedes arena and then they're going to turn sharp right very soon indeed. And it's very, very busy indeed. The BMW rubbing the tail of Beretta's Audi, that has been the car that's had the busiest action. And on the outside, the Octane 126 Ferrari, has it made the move stick? Yes, he has. De demoted the uh, Rover Motorsport BMW, which, of course, dives straight up the inside yep. of the next corner. I was going to say, very punchy opening uh, few, few corners there from the uh, Phoenix Racing uh, Audi, driven by Beretta there. He's a very, very, uh, as you said, not too many risks on the first lap. Well, uh, that seemed to go, of course, seemed to go right out of the window. And uh, racing is racing. I'm back in a real car. Here we go. Those weren't risks. They were... Oh, oh no, the, uh, the Ferrari has gone for a spin. He got past the Rover car, got very close to the tail of Beretta or, or the Phoenix, yellow Phoenix Audi, and that's allowed the Manti Racing Porsche to gain several positions. The Audi is in the gravel trap, just coming out of the chicane. Of course, that's just before they turn left. Ferrari's rear wheels are in the gravel, though, Bruce. That's a problem. That's probably going to be stuck there. Looks like the Ferrari's rear right. wheels can are he? in the gravel. They are. He's got the front wheels yeah, on the grass. But stop doing that now, because can no. they get that clear before the second batch of cars come, comes around? They're not in the background of the shot yet. The driver has now stopped spinning those rear wheels because it was causing it to sink. The first two cars making a break. Two Mercedes owner, the Ferrari driver, is going for it a bit more. No marshals can yet get close. It's a very long run through the gravel trap. 
uh, for them to get to that car. But uh, then, of course, it's going to be compromised if you have the second batch of cars coming around. So very, very feisty first few corners and making progress the Octane 126 Ferrari, but I'm afraid tiny bit of contact and uh, just got very close to the yellow Audi from mm. Phoenix. The BMW from Rover Motorsport had to drive through the gravel trap before rejoining oh. and now it's been demoted by the better placed of the two Walkenhorst uh, Motorsport BMWs. So been a lot of shaking of the order up there. Ferrari, unfortunately, came unstuck at the chicane and we've got a safety car out on the track. Yep. With a klaxon going. So... Real-world racing has, has <laughs> shown that it's a real-world thing. And right now, the second starting group just powering away. The pole sitter got about a three, four-car length lead as he blasts down towards the first corner of the circuit. And the car that was in front of them, the, 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 it wasn't a safety car, so it was a, a car leading them on the formation lap, has pulled away. But that's the best start I've seen for a long time in the LLS. I've never seen a driver gain about 10 car lengths. And down into the first corner, very, very tidy indeed. But, of course, we have a yellow, yellow zone uh, at the Bogan Vidal, the, the chicane. That's uh, flag MP Marshall's post 41 and 42. So the, the Ferrari still there. No, the track is now uh, – sorry, no, it's not now clear. I'm reading backwards up the timing sheet. But uh, well, It was very unlucky there, that 26, the Octane uh, 126 car. That's, with it. that's got five drivers in it, that car as well, hasn't it? Uh, on, the, on the entry list here, uh, just very unlucky. I'm not sure he was tagged. He appeared to go around on his own. He could have done. I, th I think. I think he went on his own. Perhaps cold tyres slightly damp, but it's gone one way and then swapped onto the grass and just unluckily rolled backwards and just dropped the driven wheels into the gravel. If it hadn't been for that, it'd have been rejoined. Obviously, loss of pride in ten places, but now it's a it's a major problem for him. I'm just hearing. Thank you very much. Time certain clock code one twenty on the GP track for that, so they can get that Ferrari clear of the gravel. Thank you very much. Time certain clock. But uh, very, very tidy indeed from the second batch of cars. Still, we're getting spots of rain on the camera lenses, but they've got coming down on the Grand Prix loop towards that point of the circuit, and we'll get a chance as we look at the chicane. Yeah, the Ferrari has been cleared, so that was very, very good work indeed. And again, it shows the advantage, one you should say, if all the cars started nose to tail uh, in one big group of 141 cars, that would have had to wait for the entire field to come through before it could have been rescued. And unfortunately, we've already got some, some cars in that second batch uh, yeah. driving into the pits we've through also, the back door. We've also got in that VT3 class, we've only got two entries there, 473 and 474. 473 is the uh, Porsche 718 Cayman, as opposed to the S. Uh, I'm not quite sure who's starting in that. Uh, that appears to be stopped. Out. It hasn't started. It should be. I've uh, just, just got notification well, that that's not made it round. Okay. Exactly. It started, but it hasn't, hasn't made it round. Schwalbenschwanz. Correct, so that's, that's where, where that car seems to be stopped at the moment. So uh, perhaps we'll see that. Uh, in car once again with 350 now. And uh, see, quite a bit of water on the screen there, Bruce. It's, um, yeah, really so. And batch three about to come out to play. <laughs> this is what you love. <laughs> you know, you're then, you've, we've got our lead cars herring around the back half. Of the, they're pretty much just over halfway around the circuit, getting, getting around through Exmoor and yeah. Bergwerk. And they've worked their way past there. And, um, and yet still... The tail enders, batch three, and some of them really have fallen way behind the pack, about to make their start. Regular front runners in the group at the head of that field. You do get the sort of, sort of pattern you expect from them. But uh, again, not as good a start as we saw for the pole starter in uh, the second that batch of cars. That was just textbook, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he'd, he'd started on the Friday. And... Um, <laughs> 
Plastic here again, nice and tidy. You always get cars far more side by side in this in this third of the three batches of cars. And to prove the point, they were again four abreast in batches. Some a mere three cars abreast. Good to see the uh, Opel Manta, the crowd favourite, halfway up that pack and picking people off on the run down to turns one. I don't know if it's uh, Volker Strychek at the wheel this time around, but uh, you sort of feel, by law of averages, it will be. Because uh, you see that car, associates him with it, and he's either about to get out of it or about to get into it. But uh, great to have him still involved. So, a little pause there as we're just listening to the sounds of real engines. Not digital, but real engines there, Bruce. As our third batcher get round the... GP circuit, I can still call it. Of course, you've got the old GP circuit, but the, uh, the actual current Grand Prix circuit. Um, only three hours and 53 minutes of this race to go, and uh, we're seven odd minutes in, and the third batch have only just started the race. <laughs> As you said, the first group SP9s are all halfway, two thirds way around the circuit towards Henwick, towards Carousel, and the, the third batch are only just starting. And again, again that emphasises why it seems incredibly quick that we've got. Um we get the, the leading cars coming up to lapping because, of course, if they've started so far ahead, but uh, they have. If you're in the lead of the race, this is the, the, the chance to. Well, no, if you're in the lead of the race, you can dictate, you know, where exactly. you're placed, but only for, for effectively two laps or so. And then you've got to start working your way past others. We've got a car stopped on the track, so slow out around. I think that was at the four seven six seven three. Yes, that's still the same. That's uh, yeah, Schultz, that's So now the lead cars have been able to be released. So in fact, it means they, they won't reach the other batch uh, maybe quite as soon as they'd expected but of course in turn unless that car is cleared before batch three comes out yeah. of the way um, then the day two will be delayed but actually what it's done on the not the restart but being released back to full racing speed it's allowed those first three cars to really really string out and it's uh, looking very good for mercedes because they're filling the first three positions but the pole starting car uh, stretching its legs now down her act and uh Looking very, very tidy indeed at the front of the field. In fact, one, two, three, four, five, six cars have made a break, and it looks like there's a gap back to the car collection motorsport uh, Audi in the bright red of about two seconds. I don't really understand how it fell so far back because they would have been bunched up a little bit uh, round past that slower car. But it's three Mercedes and then the blue walking horse motorsport uh, BMW in fourth place, the Phoenix Audi in fifth, and the second of the Phoenix Audis tucked in behind in sixth place. Another car stopped at Plant Garden. We'll have a quick look as to why that is. But that the leading batch are uh, through that. Obviously down the main straight now. That's all clear. But obviously second batch will be approaching that uh, yeah, shortly. Is that just up at the carousel now as we speak? Whisker under a second to the good. Patrick Assenheimer started the lead car. Of course, it's Mario Engel who took pole. Mathieu Vassivier in second place gets to be performance Mercedes. That's car number eight. And the Raffaele Marcello in third. He's in the bright yellow car. Uh, closing in, then David Pittard, such an expert for BMW, for Vulcan Horse Motorsport, had that really good start. He made the most of what was happening on the Grand Prix loop as the Ferrari went around. He'd already picked off the uh, Rover Racing BMW as well. So, a very good start from David Pittard in fourth place. Kim Lewis Schramm in the better placed of those two Audis from Phoenix Racing, fifth and sixth. And Frank Stippler, he's done the Nurburgring Nordschleife for a few times. Just, yeah. Uh, down in seventh, Patrick Niederhauser for Car Collection Motorsport. And then Manti Racing, Matt Campbell, eighth to complete the top ten. Philip Ng for Rover Racing. He went rather backwards at the start. Don't forget he got into fourth place in the first few corners. And then uh, car number two, and uh, sorry, I beg your pardon, car number 30 
in 10th place overall, which is Frickadelli Racing and Alex Muller. But what you need to know is those three Mercedes braking clear, looking to the other cars, getting a move on. And also, I'll try and keep an eye out to how far down the Octane 126 Ferrari will be when it comes comes past. Of course, that was the one that stuck its back wheels in the gravel. Again, just fabulous looking at the cars, doing what they're supposed to do, going racing. And uh, very, very, it's also good to see some of the people commenting on Twitter. Just John McCarthy, he understands the psyche of the NLS. You know, you watch this series through. We normally have every weather for uh, type through the course of the championship. Yep. And of course, being round one, he's sort of thinking it should have snow. But it is the end of June, so hopefully, <laughs> uh, rather than the spring date we won't have any of that yeah round one in june or end of june is a bit odd isn't it yes um again just great to see the cars doing their craft but at the moment uh, kim lewis schramm riding on board with him looking at david pittard who's starting to make a break in fourth pittard now all over the tail of Mathieu Vassivier, no it's Raffaele Marcello he's trying to go around the outside of Marcello unless I've got numbers back to front but what's interesting is Assenheimer is out of shot I know it's yeah. uh, one's a long view but Pittard trying to go around Ooh. the outside that could be, I remember diminishing returns from Mass got it. and got my it. bank account <laughs> that is very that very positive around the outside on a greasy track on a greasy track with the track going away from you Adverse camera, as you say. That was, I, I wasn't sure he was going to pull that off. I didn't think it was going to be a moment. I just think he was actually going to pull the manoeuvre off. But he set it up perfectly to get down the inside. So it's a place again there. So the uh, fourth place BMW Falcon Motorsport with Pittard is now uh, twitching as well there. That shows how greasy the track is. He's on the absolute limit of adhesion there in that uh, BMW M6. But that's now up to P3. So the 123 Mercedes is now, Stranglehold is now broken with the BMW of Pittard, that amazing manoeuvre on the outside of Marcello uh, to grab third place. And uh, Marcello actually dropping back a bit now into the clutches of Schramm, if I'm not mistaken, in the Phoenix racing car, Bruce. Yes, it's a surprise because normally you put the Marcello in a car and he only goes one direction. That's forwards up a field, but... Uh it's a long oh, game. It is a long game. And uh, uh, maybe, you know, I did say this before the start of the race, maybe some people get a little too excited. <laughs> now they're back to racing and uh, not sitting in their dungeon at home or on the rig. Or well, some, somebody clearly hasn't told David Pittard that it's a, it's a damn track. Uh, no. That manoeuvre on the outside, was, uh, that was quite extraordinary. Well, it's also quite good for the person editing the highlights. They know they've got a clip already <laughs> to put down. Uh, yeah. Mulner Motorsport. One in the bank already. Leading the second batch. And uh, that was the car that really broke clear. Brilliant, brilliant start. But FK Performance, their, their Cayman is tucked in behind. So a far better opening that, really, for the car in second place in that second group of cars. But they both, well, intermittently, they both got the windscreen wipers on, but then they put them on, turned them off. They're not wanting to use them too much, but uh, all had to get on and use them a little bit. It was far more wet than we'd expected. Third place car trying its best to hold on, but those two making a break. And you have to say 976 in uh, second place in that group. FK Performance is looking very, very strong indeed. Yeah, these are the Cayman GT4s, aren't they? Which, uh, uh, good, good, strong entry for those in this race. Quite a lot of them. Well, of course, you can do your racing in. That's oh. the beauty of uh, various championship categories. The GT4 one, you can pretty much race any circuit in the world you yeah. want to do. It's been such a popular series in that. Rain, I would suggest, at the far side of the circuit. Actually, no, it's the early part. It's uh, of yeah. uh, the 
the Nordschleife. Still raining, but not as it was before. I think we're just getting a little bit of spray coming back. But uh, again, that's just what the drivers don't want. They don't want it to be half of one thing no. and half of another. No, neither one thing or the other. And frankly, yep. I'm not sure many would want a full wet race right now as they're getting, getting their hand back in. So we've got a sole uh, old M3 going around here for 466, which is the... Um, it's in the VLN production VLF V5, V5 class. Yeah, yeah. Olga and Sophia Gasho. That's right. Any relation, I wonder? Better, Louis? Yeah, yeah, just two drivers in that car. But that's, the but, that's e but that is sort of the backbone. Well, it's not. It's, it's one of the vertebrae, yeah. if you will, of uh, the NLS, because it looks as though they've just found it in their garage. <laughs> so I've painted it with a big, fat paintbrush. But it's out there. And run, run out of halfway through. Yes, it's purple at the back, front. It's black at the back. I guess they ran out of black paint or purple, but it's it's got actually quite a groovy colour scheme when you when you look at it up close. But um, it's it's out there and it's racing and it's it's prepped. It would have done many many races around here, and that's the beauty. When someone moves on to the next model of car, there's always someone waiting to take up one that's just being vacated. So up front, Patrick Assenheimer waiting for him to get get through the next timing split on the start finish line. He was uh, eight tenths of a second ahead of Mathieu Vassivier. Marciello was third, but of course we know he's been deposed. Again, drivers feeling their way. We get riding quite a lot with uh, Team Identica, car number 350. And uh, he hasn't been picking people off. I sort of expected that car to really start making progress. The 911 GT3 Cup MR. But again, early days. Good solid stint. Yeah, good beginning. solid That's stint. That's what you need. Yep. Now we've got a slow period on the track. Oh, yeah. Suddenly the car at the field cool. bunching up in front of that. That was... 350 team identical car because and uh, actually it came as a bit of a surprise it to didn't it just the driver of that not fully on the anchors but on them sufficiently to uh, get to see those four Audi badges right in front of him getting larger definitely put a heat cycle into the disc yes he? he did <laughs> he did indeed and he ah, and I would just see but just they've just gone past they're towing a car back which is why uh, that uh, suddenly slow period I think that's going to clear any second now looking for picking up speed again but I just saw a recovery vehicle so that's why we've got this slow period the yellow flag. Yeah, but for Marin Indeed, Bockman, that's cleared now. That was a bit of a that's concern. One. We got quite close. I think it's the back of um, the EFP car collection by Techie Audi. Certainly got to see it rather large. I think I'm seeing in the background the 126 Ferrari coming back through, which is this is going to give it a chance to catch up with that bit of group. That would be an amazing recovery, is it? I can just see in the background. Uh, I'm not sure if that's what I've actually, uh, actually witnessed, but it looks like it is. So... Well, suddenly we're having real, real change because David Pittard is tired of third place. He's up to second. And what's happened? The Mercedes that was running in second has fallen back to fourth. Marcello's in third again, where he was before he got pushed back to fourth. And uh, David Pittard, I don't know where he made that move, but he's now right on the tail of Patrick Assenheimer as they go across the start, uh, down towards the start-finish line. It's going to be about half a second between them. Let's have a little look. 0.379 of a second. First four cars clear. Assenheimer, Pittard, Vassiliev, Marcello. Then a small gap. Then Frank Stippler's become the top Audi in the race. Just ahead of Kim Lewis Schramm. And Patrick Niederhauser, who I think is one of the best GT racers, has caught them up. He was about two seconds behind them at the end of the opening lap. He's right on the tail. So it's an Audi trio. 
Then Matt Campbell starting to make progress in 9-11, the Grello Ferrari. But the driver who's really got progress as his middle name is David Pittard in this early stage of the race. He's all over the back of Patrick Assenheimer's Mercedes. We could have a BMW in the front before long. And he's looking poised now. I mean, I think, I think Pittard's had his three-shredded wheat for breakfast, but what a that preceding lap, what a stunning lap for David Pittard in that M6, the Falconhorst at Blue BMW. And it's, uh, he's not, not relenting, is he? He's not just caught up and got that. He's gone from four to three to two in one lap. I appreciate it's a long lap, obviously, but did some amazing manoeuvres to get there. Certainly that changed for P3 to get himself in effective position. And he's now even having the audacity to flash the lights at the Mercedes in front of him. And what have they got? They've, they've started lapping already, but what uh, uh, we're starting to see as they go past the little Honda is the fact the first two are now making a break and Marcello is being pushed very hard indeed by Vassivier in the bright yellow Get Speed performance car. And in behind, <laughs> it's very busy indeed. We've got a four-car train, three Audis, and then Matt Campbell in the Porsche, then the Rover... Um, BMW, they got caught out in the opening lap, Philip Eng, but Philip doesn't stay down for long. He'll be uh, really attacking. Get hung out around one of the tail enders and it undoes what good you've done. The Falcon Motorsport Porsche is also pushing on hard with Christian Engelhardt uh, across so many years. You just get used to Engelhardt being a Lamborghini man, but of course yes. he started in Porsche, such a star in the Porsche no, Super Cup. And no Lamborghini this race. Unheard of. It was on the original entry list. I'm sure I saw a Conrad car at some point. Yes, not here. List, not out today, though. No. And again, you have to get used to it at the moment because as we come back racing, a lot of the, the driver lineups that had been suggested for, for reasons of uh, fully understandable reasons aren't necessarily all making it uh, out to play straight away. And uh, let's face it, if you're racing a series like the Super GT Championship, a lot of the drivers from Europe can't get over there to go and do their testing. Right, we had the 26 Porsche, the Octane. Uh, Porsche, what am I talking about? The Octane 126 Ferrari. And uh, Jonathan Hershey at the wheel of that at the moment. That was the car that went for a rotation. Yeah, now running 40th. Now running 40th. So effectively at the back of, or working his way from the back of the lead pack. But he's got a long, long way to go. At least he can concentrate on his own. He doesn't have to worry about others. But the sky is suddenly looking a little bit darker from that angle. Also looks particularly dark on a, on a dark grey Ferrari. But was it blue? Can't tell. So, no, sorry, beg your pardon. It's, bright. it's dark blue. Swiss flags on the end plates, which is... Very suitable, for, particularly for Bjorn Grossman, Simon Trummer. Look at Ludwig, I always thought he was German, but he clearly is happy to race under the Swiss, Swiss flag on the back of that Ferrari, but bought in as a Ferrari Absolutely. expert to that yes. crew. All right. Car 25 still in the mix at the front end. Cuba Motorsport, Porsche 911 in the mix. 13th place overall. Past the Toyota GT6, although it's uh, not moving enormously fast, even though it is. Again, these early laps, trying to go around the outside, you're off the racing line, might yep. be a little bit more greasy than it was on the racing line, and the Falcon Porsche getting hung out around a BMW, now straightening it up all over again, and it's left and right. It's effectively like going past a moving set of slalom gates. Absolutely, absolutely, and this, this, this is the beauty of, and also the, the challenge of endurance racing, having to pick your way through, keep your momentum, not lose your pace, but find your way through and, and still, well, still racing, of course, uh, just, just as a side, you know, so talk about multitasking, say men can't multitask. <laughs> men and women, Peter, move yes. the times. Yeah, absolutely, of course, yes. <laughs> but, again, it's always, as I said before the race, I, I could just sit and watch onboard footage around the Nordschleifer all day. There's something wrong with me. No, there isn't. No, there isn't, not at all. You're perfectly natural. We're all part of a clan Perfectly well-balanced, absolutely. You're amongst friends. Well, and again, you know, we talked about the teams, the drivers. 
they're getting the kick of being racing again. But seeing yeah. the comments, Sarah Rigby just say it's the noise as well, isn't it? The noise Absolutely. is a thing when you go to a track for the yeah. first time every season the close season is over and even if the car's going as you're arriving you, I just can't wait to get out of the car to go and get that you know the feeling up the stern and that, that real visceral uh, feel as, as uh, and it's just excitement the season is going again and obviously and, for Engelhardt, a lot of sorry go 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 Engelhardt and the, uh, the Falcon Porsche there really twitching around quite a bit and whether that's a sign of it's just damp or whatever but compared to some of the others he's uh, having quite a little bit of twitching around uh, which is allowing the Huber Motorsport uh, with Holzer at the wheel, which is a Pro-Am car right behind him, uh, sitting right, and they're, they're glued together through traffic on a, I was going to say a piece of elastic, but it's not actually varying that gap between them, and it's a, 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 a solid a, bar. It's a credit to both those drivers and all the back markers, because that's one of the dangers of the back markers in some ways. You want to keep out of the way of the bigger cars. You try and do your best. In actual fact, in your in your desire to be courteous, which you probably don't do on the racetrack that much anyway, um, but some people do, you try and keep out of the way and actually you manifest a problem. Some ways you're just better off getting on with it, stay where you are, let the quicker cars sort themselves out. Golden rule, the racetrack, faster cars, a job to get around the slower car. But I know people have tried in the past, oh, we saw you coming through, you're a yeah, quicker car. It's like, no, you just do your thing, Entirely. we'll sort it out. Um, and that, that thing where you can get tripped up. But uh, I was just surprised there, and that's at the element of the track, we're watching that there, where the leading batch are. Uh, just how twitchy uh, that Porsche was. Just want to give a bit of a call out for Peter Tursing. So many successes on the Nordschleife, but he's going very, very well. Leading Cup 3, but only by a small, small margin. He's got 976. The car we said was going so well. So Tursing started from pole position, but uh, the FK Performance car with uh, Fabio Gross at the wheel is right on his tail. So that's got, uh, well, it's got three hours and a half remaining, plus an extra lap thrown in for good behaviour but uh, the Porsche Cayman's always so popular lapping is such an art around this circuit and Raffaele Marcello working very very hard indeed of course the order order changed somewhat he, he fell down the order a little bit down to fourth place he's got Mathieu Vassivier in the proximity but up behind him now is uh, Kim Lewis Schramm in the Audi and uh, that's working its way but again you can see the, the order ebbs and flows or not the order the gaps between the cars and then they get a yellow, slow zone flashing slow yellow zone. light slow right down exactly and just before that I was commenting about the uh, the bat markers that were a different class one of the, one of the uh, uh, BMWs there uh, keeping out of the way of the bunch of cars to the point of indicating to the right moving on the right what a gentleman absolutely so assuming a gentleman driving it of course may not be in this day and age. So, uh, we had a car Still, off on the side there going on to a low load. I was trying to catch the number. That's well, that's the one that's been there for quite yeah. some while. Is that the one that didn't make it around on the yeah. formation? Okay, fine. Well, unless another white Porsche has decided to mimic it. But, uh, again, the drivers will just um, have to bide their time. But at the front of the race, Patrick Essenheimer coming under all sorts of pressure from David Pittard. I think that was 473, the uh, Cayman from VT3 class, I believe. Okay, of course, the car's released out of Galgenkopf, Gallo's head, down the dotting her, and uh, race leader Patrick Assenheimer has really got the hammer down. He's suddenly developed uh, a lead of about four or five car lengths. David Pittard in second place, but he's got uh, very, very close company in behind. Mathieu Vassivier and uh, and, uh, Raffier Marcello right on his tail. Then the gaggle of Audis and... uh, Trying to make a move around the outside of Pittard as they he's going to lose it. Second he's going to lose it, Bruce. Yeah, but he's, uh, Pittard's on the right side of the circuit when it comes to the king. Always oh, the, the Mercedes has gone around the outside. There's a bit of swerving between them, but uh, the order has changed. 
So up into second place goes the white Mercedes. And the BMW that got up into second place from uh, down the order has suddenly found himself the meat in a very meaty Mercedes sandwich. And he's losing the drag battle down the start-finish straight. So we could have another change of position. There's a Renault Clio up ahead of them as they go down to the first corner. They hopefully will pass that before they get there because he's going to run out of space to go racing. Pittard's grabbed the inside line, which is the right place to go there to try and defend that. You say he certainly lost on the uh, aerodynamic drag down the pitch. Back markers slightly in the way there at turn one, but they managed to negotiate that around the outside of a Clio. Uh, that's just played into Pittard's hands for a moment there, but uh, he really did lose out on the drag there. And again, that was a, Atanam, as you said, just pulled away as he did at the start of that race and just got, got away. He's got a bit of a, a, bit of a speciality of that. Uh, yeah. The battle now, really, you say, is for two, three, and four all together. But isn't it encouraging? They have been chopping and changing positions. It's Vassivier in the white number eight Mercedes from um, Get Speed Performance. That's running in the, in the Pro-Am class yeah. because uh, Francois Perodo is the Am. All the others are pros. David Pittard tucked in on his tail. But the fact that trio with Marcello in the mix as well have been chopping and changing positions. Well, yeah, we often get these cars nose to tail very close, almost yeah. making a move. But here they are actually making the moves, and we're about to have another move again because David Pittard has gone past Vassivier on the Grand Prix loop, yeah. bouncing off the curbs of the kink before the chicane. Goes Marcello by into third place. He's now about to be hung out to dry on the outside. Oh, Vassivier pulls back. I thought he's going to dive up the inside. Oh, and they've got company. Frank Stippler's coming to play in the Audi, and he's trying to stick his nose up <laughs> into the left hand of the Nord Carrera before they go on to the Nord Schleifer. Didn't quite work, but he was in that battle of Audis. Went from fourth in it, sorry, third in it to second to lead it. Now he's dropped the other Audi races in that pack. So Kim Lewis Schramm is down in sixth, and then Patrick Niederhauser on his tail. But Frank Stippler making great, great progress. Well, they have got to get on with it. They've only got three and a half hours to go when all said and done, so yeah. they need, need to get the foot down. You don't get they? it done early on. But <laughs> what's happened there was Mathias Bessivier into turn one, into second place. Now he's back into fourth, just what, just a few corners out of hats and back. And he seems to be caught out by a back marker a bit more, and he's about two seconds down on Marcello now. So how it suddenly went out so far, I do not know. But it's, again, being put out of position by uh, back markers but he simply didn't seem very quick in the right-hander. We go into the dip before the chicane, lost the momentum, and uh, past came Pittard, past came Marcello. So, so apart from Assenheimer up at the front there, it's uh, uh, the battle for... I mean, the gaps between first and second, 1.4, 1.8, 1.9, uh, just all in that first four. As you say, Stippler just suddenly saw the opportunity. You say it wasn't just that he joined in and get the back of that group. It was like joined in, and I'm in the mix of it. Little look down the inside. I think we might have another slow zone. Are we? No, no. no it's no, just a bunch just of cars. And what's happened is Vassivier is now right on the tail of Marcello. Not so long ago, it was two seconds away. But Pittard's made the better run through that gaggle of cars. But you can never be sure the next time around it will be your advantage because they're coming across them probably about every third corner at the moment, which is making it very, very lively for them indeed. And, and you can do everything right and then just guess one of them wrong and you undo all the good you've had. But uh, I must say, yeah. if this was a championship where people had never raced on the Nordschleife before, this would be so difficult. But the fact that so many of these drivers have 10 years of competing in this championship, eight or nine races a year, it does mean they're wise as to where to, where to place their cars. But the thought of a group of novices trying to... Uh, perform at this speed with this many cars on the Nordschleife, it would be a steward's nightmare. But uh, the advantage, obviously, is a considerable amount of experience. And uh, must be said, what giveth gets taken away. And now Marcello is catching on the tail of Pittard, but he's lost for Sivier for now. In fact, 
who've just had a run of three corners without a back marker in front of them. So this is giving them a chance to actually settle down to their natural pace. And all along, we're not seeing sight of the race-leading Mercedes. He is pulling clear. Patrick Assenheim, a winner of this race last time uh, we had a year ago when it was the 50th Adenauer Trophy. It's the 51st now, and we are more than delighted to be racing again. And uh, we've been very much enjoyed our move into the virtual world. It's kept us as sharp as uh, we could hope at this point of the year. But... Uh, it's great to be back. It's that noise as much as anything. And I must say, though, on the DNLS, the digital NLS uh, virtual scene, the replication of sound is something that's fabulous. But I think it's because I know this is the real sound. That's that the problem, isn't it? That's it. It's exactly. exactly. You said it, it's visceral, was the word you used earlier. Now, Pittard uh, is coming under increasing pressure um, from Marcello here. They really seem to ebb and flow, these two. It's a pit hard seem to have a almost, it's not, not a couple of seconds, but a third of a two-thirds of a lap where suddenly that BMW seems to work and he can suddenly gain, not just gain or be in the group, but gain an advantage, two or three places. It was there, And then it's almost as if that puts a bit too much heat into his tyres, has to back off a bit, Marcello comes back, and it's a real, it's a real Tom and Jerry cat and mouse thing here, this, these two swapping places. And uh, Marcello not, not relenting, and why should he, on Pittard there? What a fa I've got to say, that what a fabulous job from Pittard uh, in, this, in this opening, what have we had, half an hour of the race so far? Yeah, 32 minutes. Yeah, we've, we've uh, ne nearly there, but down out along the dotting of her race leader sitting on a very very comfortable lead just for reference the start of this lap start of lap uh, four it was 1.4 seconds from first to second but uh got a course vehicle coming back that presumably is the flatbed as it gets uh, towards the end of the lap with the presumably that white uh, porsche cayman that was uh banded, but they, or are they just getting that back into position because that's a long way around from there but anyhow be that as it's made david pittard <laughs> has got his work cut out for walking horse motorsport he's uh Remember the risks he was taking in the opening lap where yeah. he was really happy to push and dance that car on a slightly, lightly greasy track. The rain has eased for now. It was only a light flurry, but it was enough as they went around the formation lap to just put that seed of doubt in their minds. Now that battle now, the encountering bat markers, so they've got to be clean and clear there, keeping out of the way. Pitold through Marcello, gained a little bit of advantage there. Pitold wasn't exactly tardy going past the bat markers. They're using all the runoff on the exit there. And again, back marks in the way, Pittard through quicker. Marcello follows through, got a little bit of a gap there. Uh, an extraordinary battle for these two at the moment between the BMW and the Mercedes. Uh, Marcello losing out a tiny bit there. Uh, and it's real ebb and flow for these two. They'll be clear of these back markers in a second. Cost. Ah, now that's cost a lot of time for Marcello relative to what they've been doing so far. I'm saying a lot of time, maybe a tenth. But in, in relative there, that's put effectively five car lengths between them now. Um, whereas there were the literally nose and tail. Now, five car lengths. He's got to do all the work again. But it changes once again. Pittard, back marker, as you say, corner later, all of a sudden, back marker, slightly different, bit of positioning, did the right thing, bit of caution, and all of a sudden, Marcello's back there again. Now, one feature of the Nürburgring, apart from the track, the fact the track never stays still, it's going off one way or the other, you have lower curves and you have higher curves. And just yep. looking at Pittard taking the risk, he was hitting some of those curves, and you could see the car settling down again as he came yep. back onto terra firma, and he was already changing direction all over again but for Patrick Assenheimer it's been a very very nice lap indeed because he's just been able to eke out his advantage in fact he, I think it well, I think he's probably quadrupled it. it might be about eight seconds seven or eight seconds at the start finish line lights flashing in behind 
As Marcello tries his best to catch up with Pittard. Lights flashing, of course, from the race leader. Doesn't want to be delayed. Doesn't want Asenheim, to lose that yep. advantage. What was it? 1.4 seconds. 1.4 uh, uh, seconds last, last time lap. around. Yep. Pittard has got still those five car lengths that he managed to do just getting around one of the BMWs at the tail of the field. And then the Audis are closing right in again. And uh, Vassivier has been passed. Stipro's got up into fourth place. And it looks as though Kim Lewis Schramm in the other. Phoenix Racing Audi has already made a move as well. So... The Stipper in the blue Phoenix Racing Audi. Looks like he's just lost momentum as he goes through the final sequence of corners. The driver who's gone backwards is, uh, it's because I sung his praises, Patrick Niederhauser. <laughs> the curse of and all that. Uh, Aschenheimer, yes. the fastest car on the track at uh, eight. Eight seconds, there we are. I wasn't entirely out on my no. estimation. That that's eight, 8.1 seconds. The advantage of the race leader, Aschenheimer, has over David Pittard. Raffaele Marchiello, another eight tenths of a second down. Kim Lewis Schramm. Just got ahead of that final sequence of corners. I thought Stipper would be blocked, so one Phoenix Audi goes ahead of the other. So Schramm in number 15 up to fourth place. And then a massive gaggle of cars, of SP9 front-running cars, the ones at the tail end of the top 10 and down towards about 15th place. Nigh on nose to tail. Patrick Niederhauser in number 44, Audi in, in seventh place. Then Muller tucked in behind, number 30. That's Alex Muller for Frickadelli. Frickadelli Porsche. Philip Eng, still tail end of the top ten in ninth, and Matt Campbell. They're going up and down the order, but these cars are all covered by, agree, five of them covered by no more than half a second between any of them. That's why they're nose to tail. Philip Eng right in the middle of that battle. Tucked in behind him, he's got uh, an Audi as well. And, in fact, he's just lost a position since going over the start-finish line to Matt Campbell. So Matt Campbell's uh, making moves in Grello. Bruce, Assenheimer's last lap is a new bet of 8 minutes 7 seconds. I say that with emphasis because Pittard in second is 8 minutes 13 and 8.14. 7 seconds quicker on one lap all of a sudden. I think that is down to two things. He's, uh, he's a quick driver who loves his circuits, knows his circuits. 7 seconds quicker. But <laughs> the others got compromised considerably by traffic. And I think it's also... It, it's just simply how the cookie crumbles coming across a gaggle of three cars. Yeah, but I'm just looking at that. So, you're looking at uh, second, third and fourth. So we've got uh, Pitol, Marcello and Schramm. Uh, 813.9, 14.7, 15.2. Pretty close. Leader, Assenheimer, 8 minutes, 7 seconds. That is phenomenal. That's, I'd be interested to see what happens at the end of this lap and how that, how that equates and see where that was. Uh, but that's uh, it, it's just stood out to me all of a sudden as a, a heck of a lap from uh, our race leader, Assenheimer. I only do that amazing start. Amazing restart, as it were, behind the, uh, off to the um, sl slow section. Uh, he's banged in a, a lap seven seconds quicker than anybody else on track. Well, it's almost as though he played his Joker card, which clears everything out from front of him. Someone's just kicked up some dust. It's one of the back markers, which is as the, the Ferrari tries to pick its way up the order, riding car number 25, the Huber Motorsport Porsche. Uh, and when you see a puff of dust in front of you, you never know what's <laughs> going to happen, do you? You're already in a gaggle of six cars, nose to tail. So Marco keep your foot in, that, Yeah, very, very Keep tricky. your foot in. Keep your foot in and, and pray with the other hand. Unless, unless there are stones and bits coming through the windscreen, keep your foot in. It doesn't affect you. Yeah, it was Nikolai Rogovu who was just up in front of him. Oh, so the, the Manta. The Manta with the fox Still tail on the aerial. Yes. Your, probably your favourite car here. No, not really. I thought I, I, I've <laughs> never... I, you know, I love it for its entity. It's favourite fav too strong, is it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, no, but also... I, I never was a particular fan of the Opal Manta because I always thought it, it wasn't quite the right shape. Sorry, heresy, I'm sure, in certain quarters. Oh. But honesty is a good thing too. Also starts with an H and ends in a Y. But uh, but the fact it's still there, it's still... Is it competitive? 
it's still there. But it's it doesn't it's matter. It's that one doesn't of those exactly, it's exactly. That's not the point. It's one of those cars that it's evolved its own history. It's got its own life. It's created its own little bit of chapter in, in, in the in the book. Certainly here, as you say, you've been every single race it's done, isn't it? Or yeah, I believe so. I, I, I did have the facts at my fingertips last year. It has surfaced from time to time. Pleased to report that the sky is a little bit brighter now, the little flurry, and it only was, at best, a little flurry as it went on the formation lap and around the opening lap or so of this race. Seems to be behind us now. And uh, conditions are a little bit easier. It's just slightly greasy. Of course, the car that lost out was the Octane 126 Ferrari that had a stunning first few corners, got up as high as... Uh, fourth place but round it went and stuck the back end in the gravel at the chicane the Vidal chicane and uh, fell to the very very back of the order last time we looked it was down in about 40th position but I'm sure it's picked it's, mind you, it was a long way behind all the other runners in it class. was and I'm just I'm just trying to find it actually it's, uh, it's below 40th I think it's dropped down again you know what I think it might have made a pit stop because I'm fairly sure it was started by Bjorn Grossman and last time I saw Jonathan Hershey was at the wheel so correct it was Hershey at the start he has had that spin um we had a change in the Cup 3 class. Uh, that uh, was Peter Turting who had the brilliant start and led away in that. Uh, but 9.76 gave chase and has now passed. That's Fabio Gross. Siebenbach. And he's only ahead by about a second. But uh, he made the move, made it stick. And you know if you manage to pass Peter Turting around the Nordschleife, you're doing something very right. Again, one of those yardsticks that... Uh, bear considerable comparison but the advantage is about a second to the good for Fabio Gross enjoying a clear bit of track there and most we've got alert just after the carousel where the car stopped uh, just on the inside after the carousel so we'll see that when we get to there in a moment slow yeah, yeah slow zone at the uh, carousel exit just worth reiterating, we are going to look at lap pace at the end of this lap because an advantage of seven seconds on one lap. On lap four, Patrick Assenheimer went for 1.4 seconds. Best part of seven seconds fast, that 8.1 seconds clear of David Pittard. Of course, they Pittard, Marcello, and at the start of that lap, Machiava Sivier all fighting together, which of course delays them as a group. But uh, whereas Assenheimer was fighting with no one, just far enough clear. Uh, but uh, Pittard 8.1 seconds down in second place in that walking horse BMW. Just waiting to see the lead runners and see what sort of traffic is sitting in front of them. When you said it was a, an 8 minute 13 second lap for Pittard, it was 8 minutes 13.999. Exactly, Let's yes. call it uh, 8 minutes 14. I know drivers always I'm like to... I'm sorry, sorry as a, the driver bit says no. No, it's an 8.13. No, it's 18 point, yes, it might just be there, but it's, that little bit is important. Yeah. Hugely important. It is much not an 8.14, because that no. would be slower. Okay, much slower, <laughs> yes. It might get rounded up. Marcello's still all over the tail of David down. Pittard. <laughs> Sorry, Bruce. But uh, just not managing to make any progress to get up Patrick Assenheimer, who just had such a fabulous season last year. Car number 713, not in the pits. It's being pushed back into its under its pit order. It's, it's team awning. That is in the paddock, don't forget, because you... If you want to be serviced, you don't pull up in front of your pit. You go to your pit tent. There's a one-way system, a fast lane, a working lane, and you can be pushed back under your awnings. The 7.13 is a V4 car. Christian yep. Schott with his teammates in that. The no, production series. Sole driver, 325. Sole drivers. Yeah. But he's got out of the car. 
really wanting some repairs, but it's going to be helmet off for him, so it's not something that's going to happen in short order. What may happen in short order, though, is a change for second place. David Pittard switching in that walk on horse, Dem 6, bouncing over the compression, but foot still absolutely flat down on the boards as he uh, pushes on. But the way the tail yeah. of that car was waggling as it settled, you, the you, power you commented that in. already, Bruce. And I, I, you said the difference between the heights of the curbs and what it seems to be using the way it settles down again. But it's also it, it seems to have a sort of a mid doesn't have a great deal of mid corner stability. That car is twitching quite a bit, and I'm not talking about hitting a curb or, or whatever. And he is certainly in that particular uh, sequence with there just all over the place but then again uh, as is Marcello right behind him using all the exit curbs to try and get it and uh, again Marcello sits in the drag of Pittard's BMW and I think he's going to get down he's got to go around the outside here that's going to be brave I think Pittard's going to have to relent indeed Marcello reclaim, reclaims that position so he's back up into second overall uh, in the bright yellow Mercedes with Pittard's M6 now tucked in behind that and once again, this cat and mouse uh, now back markers onto the pit straight, so that gives uh, Pittard an opportunity to uh, get the revenge on the draft of a couple of uh, the previous lap, wasn't it? And get the run down, but he can't get down the inside. Uh, so it's going to be Marcello for the moment down to the inside into turn one onto the GP circuit. And uh, Debbie Pittard's got that work to do all over again in the Falconhorst M6 BMW. Uh, but I'm sure that further around the lap we'll see that uh, replay once again and he'll be uh, back in contention. A little bit of a gap at the moment for uh, those two, two or three car lengths between them. Just let it settle for a moment. It must be said, though, when you have a drag race, it always seems the Mercedes is a little bit better. So that's fantastic when you're heading onto the Her Act and again down the start finish straight but on the twisty bits we've seen that uh, David Pittard is able yeah, to but, really really push but it was the Grand Prix loop last lap where he suddenly pulled that manoeuvre and got two places or was that the opening lap wasn't it it was on the Grand Prix loop he did that Go, get, just coming off it yeah. it was after the Ferrari had gone ah, around okay, so you're maximised technically you're right going onto the north line yeah, 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 maximised okay. that moment car number 177 has just um, pulled to the side of the circuit that's um, the allied racing Jan Kasperlik Nikolai Moller Madsen uh, Porsche Cayman so not everybody having a smooth run now interesting thing for me there were, there were problems uh, out on the circuit oh delighted to hear that Paul Troswell is is listening in great and watching Paul great to have you listening and uh, hello Paul hello from all of us here and uh, looking forward to working with you again later this year hope all is well with you but right now all is well with Raffaele Marcello up into second place and now first of the pit visitors at the top class car number 32 Little, thought it was like loose front bodywork Audi's Sport team that's Robbie Fries, Christopher Haas, and Nico Muller. And uh, that isn't a planned pit stop, so this is a training run for them now. 30 seconds, and it's this number on the windscreen, but uh, changing the wheels all round, and again, social distancing being respected. Of course, only two mechanics can work on the car at a time. One steps back, another steps forward, but uh, that isn't a planned pit stop after just five laps. So things are changing for an absolutely stellar cast of drivers. And you have to say, if you've uh, fallen away from the very front of the field, it is what it is uh, that you just go out to testing. Busy day on the Nürburgring Nordschleife. And it's just great, Peter Snowden, to be racing again. Not just racing, but racing on a, one of the world's great circuits. We expected to kick off in spring. We're now deep into June. A lot of the drivers have spent the time in Indeed. between dreaming. Some have been doing sim racing as well. 
and certainly the, the, the NLS has a brilliant uh, digital series that uh, so many have come across to. They've been taught how to do it by the sim racers, but they've caught up <laughs> and the engineers have got involved. Beautiful. But you know what? Some of the, what they would have learned yeah. transfers across to what we're seeing now in terms of setting up cars, how they drive, how they race, keeping sharp, because no, every driver, despite what they say, um, will be just, just sitting there yeah, thinking, absolutely. I need to go racing again. Keep an open mind and never stop learning. It's, uh, who'd have thought? But it's, it's a world we live in, and, and why ever not? Uh, so the, en- the only sense we're missing, actually, are the fumes, isn't it, really? We just need, need a bit of smell of that, and we, we, we've got it all there. But proper engines, you say now, uh, full metal racing, proper cars out there. And what, uh, what some manoeuvres we've seen on those first, that first sort of, uh, what have we not even had an hour yet, have we? 45 minutes in. Um, I've got to say, for me at the moment, um, I don't want to detract from Marcello in the, in the Mercedes, but Pittard has pulled off some extraordinary stuff. And I, I feel that overall, the Mercedes is the quicker car. But Pittard is boxing a little bit above his weight with that car, I think. He's asking, asking things of it that he probably shouldn't be expecting. Uh, you can just see that from the body language of the cars, as you say, twitching around, not settling on after curbs as well as the Mercedes. It just doesn't seem quite a sort of ride control as much as the Mercedes. But... Well, I, th- I, think, I think the point there is, where's the next of the BMWs? It's down in ninth place. Yeah. And that's with Philippe Eng, yeah. a driver who knows the car forward, backwards, sideways, upside down, and the right <laughs> way up. Uh, I mean, certainly, Pittard has been driving the M6 for a couple of years now. We've all, or last year, he really, really majored yep. with it. But, you know, he's sitting in third. And just to let you know about the gap from first to second, it went out from 1.4 seconds to 8.1. It's now come down to 7.6. They didn't do a representative lap time mm. because there was a slow slow yep. section of the circuit last time around but uh, really the point is that Assenheim is sitting on that big lead and he's delighted no doubt the rivals behind a busy busy fighting uh, well, like let's get on with the job doesn't yeah. it job in hand but we say we're, we're, we're not even a, not even quarter distance yet so <laughs> there's a long 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 way to go but uh, we'll keep an eye on that uh, that Falkenhorst BMW of Pittard doing a stellar job yeah, super, super job. But he's down in third, would rather be second, definitely like to be first. But right now, that's all about Patrick Assenheimer leading this race. We are so pleased to be racing again. Delighted, Peter Snowden and I, loving it on RS1 and hopefully fans around the world enjoying what we all love, which is motor racing. And how else would you want to spend a Saturday? Apart from probably being in one of the cars. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, he's having a really good battle. We talked about the yeah. Cup 3 class, and that's uh, about to maybe change the other way. Peter Turting in uh, the car that led away beautifully from pole position, the car from Milner Motorsport, very nearly clipping the back of his rival, which is uh, Fabio Gross. They were so close going past the pits, and now through the Mercedes Arena trying to tuck his nose up the inside. Fabio Gross just deciding, I'm not going to block you, but I think I've got a better line on the outside. Please don't stick your nose up the inside. And driving as though... In some ways, Peter Turting isn't there, which um, is probably the best way of doing it, but it does mean that Turting, if he gets a good run, will be able to take his nose up the inside. But I think having had Gross past Turting, yep. he, he can see where Turting is really strong. Identical Porsche Caymans, uh, so there shouldn't be... But a, a, cre- a credit to them both, huge respect, because, as you say, drive, drive like you're not there, that's, that you've got to have a lot of respect and trust in that other driver to do that. And uh, as yet, let's, let's not sell it short, but they haven't fallen foul of one another, and it's always bat marks, etc. But they exchanging, virtually exchanging paintwork, as you say, um, but uh, with, with huge respect and not actually contacting. And what a little battle there. It's just, what, 976, nine, 979, nine, isn't it, these two? Yeah. Came in uh, GT4s. Beat together from the start. And just just complete some housework. The driver who started in the uh, number 32 Audi for Audi Sport team was Nico Muller. 
very, very solid driver who's had a spectacular couple of years in the DTM and um, Formula E and um, definitely a driver going places. Second last year in the DTM, three wins for Audi Sport Team Ab, so a driver who's uh, pretty much got manufacturer support. Assenheimer, seven and a half seconds clear at the start of the lap. The driver who ended up going backwards a bit in that group has been Mathieu Vassivier. He got spat backwards. He was chopping and changing with Marcello and Pittard, but he's now fallen behind the two Phoenix Racing Audis, and he's, he's got plenty of company at the start of the lap from Muller in the number 30 Porsche from Frickadelli Racing Team. That's Alex Muller. We talked to Nico Muller in the pits, but Alex is holding down that seventh place all over the tail of the get-to-speed performance Mercedes. Just back to our, our Ferrari, you just mentioned there, just a bit of house notes. The uh, 1 to 6 Ferrari is back up to 26 with Hershey at the wheel still. So, um, so it didn't do a pit so stop. Maybe it didn't do a pit stop. Went from four to pulled up. We, uh, we thought it had done a pit stop and dropped further down. But no, he's actually back up to 25th and uh, had that sort of rotation on the first lap. He's currently lapping in uh, uh, 8 minute 15 was his last. So it's not, it's not far off the pace at all. The important thing is who is next for him to pass. He's got yeah. a Cup X car, Teichmann Racing, and he's got the uh, three, uh, 155 Falcon, Black Falcon Mercedes. But the, the team that used to be Black Falcon, really, now, Team HRT, Hout Racing Team, and there is the car leading the race after five laps. It was 7.6 seconds. Patrick Hassenheimer starts another. Raffaello Marcello dives into the pits at the end of lap number six. So second place in Pittard continues in third, but the Audi's tucking behind, well, certainly... One of the Audis, Frank Stippler, continues on his way. So he's in effective third place overall. Pittard, 9.7 seconds down. So another lap in which the race leader, Assenheimer, has pulled now, out an advantage. Now this is a sight that just seems so rare. The car's coming into the pit lane and immediately turning yeah, right Marcello under the building. So that's, t- that's taken away that, that battle for us, unfortunately. Well, will the others be in next time around? You hardly feel, but uh, let's see the time on the clock. We have three hours and eight minutes this four-hour race, but uh, the novel sight riding on board down under the pits into the paddock along the one-way system and then in front of your team awning, plenty of space and a driver clad in yellow waiting to get on board. And it looks as though that is... Maxi Buch waiting to get on board. The shorter figure next to the tall figure. Fabian Schiller's not as tall as Raffaele Marcello. In fact, very few racing drivers are, so everybody's a shorter <laughs> driver compared to him. The number 15 Audi into the pits as well, driven very well by Kim Lewis Schramm. He'll be handing that over to Michele Beretta. Don't forget, this was the car that started on the outside of the front row, and the first lap was not kind to them at no, all. Another was it, was it? top car in the pits, Car Collection Motorsport. That's their red Audi. Milan Donci, but it's Patrick Niederhauser who started, sharing with uh, Milan Donci, the Dutch racer and Mike Ortman, or Mike David Ortman, as he likes with his uh, full name being used, that is at a standstill as well. Social distancing, no cars uh, being worked on in the pits this weekend. A very clever consideration from the championship organisers. And uh, there may be some, some drivers at the end of the day will say, we could, could we change this and that? It's a thing in evolution, but I think a very, very clever suggestion. Uh, absolutely. I mean, at some point, we've got to get started and do something, as you, as you said, uh, pre-show, didn't we, or pre-race, uh, that... The world's, world's eyes of motorsport are on this event, uh, and it's, it, there's all sorts of factors, but we've got to start somewhere, and I think they've done an extraordinary job. Of course, there's going to be fine-tuning and tweaking. We'd expect no less, but the uh, Mercedes now going back out, so they're coming, they come into the pit lane, go through garage one, into the paddock, turn around, come back out, go back out through garage two, rejoin the pit lane, so pit lane limiter now, and he'll be rejoining the race at any moment. 
Now, opportunity here, I think, for uh, Pittard. One thing, one thing they have to do, they do, they only refuel in the pit, so it's a two-part yes. pit stop. They've been worked on in the paddock, the driver change is affected there. Mathieu Vassivier into the pits, in fact he's now driving from his his garage, not his garage, his awning area, and back down to go through garage two into the pit lane for fuel as well. So it's stage one of his pit. Exactly. How many drivers can remember two stages? That's I was going to say, driver spotting pit board is one thing, this is beyond us. But for the teams, of course, they've got a split crew, some in the paddock, waiting to service the car and a limited crew waiting to refuel. And also so unnatural to see cars going opposing one another anywhere on the track, let alone in the pit lane. Oh dear, we've, we've got, got a, a spinner. Number, number 11, Audi. That was the EFP car collection Audi. And he's rotated and is now with Sluton, who is a late uh, joiner to this team. It's Ilya Earhart, Pierre Kaffer, Simon Riker as the regular drivers, but a, a late rejoinder there and a late, a late rotation. And was that the start of a new stint? I would suggest that was the end of the previous, uh, the first stint. So I think the starting, yeah, Sluton started that car, so a little awkward for him with that rotation. And now it's suddenly getting very busy down at pit exit end for the refueling. The Octane 126 Ferrari is in as well. That was a car that got up to fourth place on the opening lap, the early part of the opening lap, but uh, didn't complete it or didn't even get to the Nordschleife without spinning and sticking the back end of that car in the gravel where it got bogged down. Bodywork behind the front right wheel from the driver's point of view looks so it's taken a bit of a knock. We don't think it was contact in the spin. No. Mechanic leaning down to take a look. Jonathan Hershey walking away. Maybe he'll keep walking. Who knows? So again, you have this um, feeling of stasis in the pits. You see these cars waiting for such a long time to be refueled, but the pumps are calibrated to be the same for everyone. But it's just you, you compare it to it's a agonising. What we used to. That's bang, bish bash bosh of a Formula One pit stop or a regular uh, GT pit stop in comparison. But it just seems terribly slow. But it's going to be the same. There'll be three pit stops for all of these crews. I mean, whilst technically it's it's hugely clever what they do in F1, it's, uh, it's it's to me it's still surreal when they want to do that and change those tyres in a matter of a couple of seconds. It's uh, I'm, perhaps I'm just old school or old world or something, but they just this this looks more more real to me. No, it does, it does, and. Um Oh, Marcello unfortunately having to be pushed backwards to go forwards and while he was being pushed back Porsche came and was in front of him pulled away so he didn't need to be pushed back but uh, he's still being held he doesn't think we feel really well. why is, is there a car coming down the pit lane he's got to wait for it to pass and he seems to be agonising no. seconds he's waiting he's waiting there, there may be a rule that I haven't dug deep enough to find but as the Octane 126 Ferrari comes onto the pit apron uh, to wait I would quite like to see that, that replay of the Jonathan Hershey incident because I sort of suggested that he might need to keep walking. He only said in jest, Jonathan's a very, very good driver. But again, we thought, I thought on the first time of watching he'd tagged uh, the Phoenix, yellow Phoenix Audi, which at this very moment is leaving the pits. But then you thought maybe he'd gone round on his own, but he was on the outside line into that chicane, the Vidal chicane on the opening lap. But uh, round it went. Was it pushed? Did it jump? But again, Now, a little suggestion being thrown my way. Why was Marcello being held for so long when the refueling had been completed? Because certainly it allowed the uh, Yellow Phoenix Audi, now with Michele Beretta in the wheel, to catch up. And there's a suggestion that was there a time penalty for qualifying? It is quite possible. I can't think there were any performance penalties for driving standards or anything thus far in the race because it was really all fair and square. Uh, 
and e good and even, particularly the battle with David Pittard and Mathieu Massimier that uh, raged for the first three or four laps. But uh, come on, May, a setback, and now Maxi Book will have to, to press on and uh, work his way forward, which is sort of what he's done all his racing career so far. Well, we've been racing for almost an hour, which means we're approaching uh, quarter distance. Which is quite, quite incredible. The number 26 Ferrari that we've been talking about there uh, with Hershey. Uh, looks like Hershey's still at the wheel of that. No, I thought I saw him walk away. Yeah, oh, on the screen. On the screen that the might get flicked over when he, okay. he uh, leaves the pit. But, of course, that's a major setback. You know, five, six quarters into the race and round you go, whether it's your fault or not. But uh, to me, it's just great to have the Ferraris in the mix. We know that car would be right in the mix. As it is at the moment, the best placed Ferrari in the race is Nikolai Rockview, racing one Ferrari. Uh, that is elevated to ninth place at the moment. But before the flurry of pit stops, that got up about 14th position. So, again, it shows about five of the front-running SP9 cars have made a pit stop. And next time around, you fairly sure the rest will be coming in. So just bear in mind, 9.7 seconds is the gap between first and second. The gap between Patrick Assenheimer and the Team HRT Mercedes. That's uh, leading the race. Number six and the number 34 Walken Horse Motorsport BMW. And mentioned Patrick Assenheimer, and he hoves into view down the Hur Act. And again, it's almost he had that magic lap, the eight minute, seven second lap. He's on a clear stretch of track. How does he do it? But uh, enjoying it. And I'm very sure that uh, he will be peeling in to have this novel style of pit stop in through a pit garage into the paddock. Go and stop in front of your team awning. One, two, three. In he comes. So seven laps on the board. Best part of a 10 second lead over David Pittard fairly sure the Walken Horse Motorsport BMW will make a pit visit as well. He does in the right background behind, the yes. shot. That close, I know, of course, it always looks like they've closed enormously. But then they hit the speed limiter as they come into the pits. And the blue Audi from uh, Frank Stippler peels in from third place overall. Trying to work out which will be the best next to the rest to come into view. But uh, around a bit like a sort of slow driving course into the paddock. And don't forget, of course, visibility in these cars at slow speed. They're not designed to be driven at slow speed. They're not designed to tick over and move around paddock and be manoeuvred. They're not road cars. Yes, uh, and that, that sounds really ridiculous, but they are so different to a road car. Uh, visibility, hands devices, seats, nets, roll cages, radio mics, you name it. And they haven't got a massive amount of steering lock either. They have more of an orbit than a steering lock. And to get these through the pit, it's so easy to what you... And you're used to also the brain is a racing speed, certainly that's now race leader, and all of a sudden, bang, as you say, pit limiter on, and I've got to turn right here, and it's a whole new alien thing for them, go in through a garage, turn right, go up the paddock, come back. But when they turn right to go to the first of the garage, it's just a concrete barrier. You, you could have a sort of David Coulthard Adelaide moment. Oh, where, you his, know, his first Grand Prix for Williams, yes. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Just doesn't work, but suddenly this big gaggle of cars, Philip Eng coming in right behind Matt Campbell in the, the Manti Racing Porsche, which suggests actually that Philip had gained a position as they came around towards uh, the end of that first in the car collection motorboard Audi in that was the one uh, the red one with um, driver change happening there and that, that was driven very well by Patrick Niederhausen then he lost a little bit of ground car number 30 oh, sorry I'm looking sorry looked at one car they looked up another red car car number 30 was the Frickadelli racing Porsche Alex Muller bringing that in is it Klaus Abelin or that's David Arnold about to take over. I don't quite let you know that yet. But again, busy, but a very, very clever solution from the NLS. And uh, it's solutions like these that allow us to go racing. And just reiterate, this isn't a field of 20 cars they have to manage, or even 30. It's Absolutely. 141. Think of the logistics of that. 
as you say, we're into the pit stops thick and fast now, and uh, uh, as far as I can see so far, it's working and working well. Certainly is. So the driver again have to just remember. Oh, we've had a change of position into the pits. It was. Uh, Blue Phoenix Audi, Frank Stickler behind the blue Walker Horse Motorsport BMW, but as they come out for refueling, that order has flipped around. The race leading car, started by Patrick Aschenheimer, already at a standstill for its refueling stop. He stopped halfway down the pit lane, whereas it's the two cars that came through in second and third positions that started doing their refueling down towards pit exit. And we'll let you know who's taken over once they get past pit exit because it'll flip over. It's still saying Frank Stickler in the number five Audi. Again, elements of these pit stops do seem so they're slow in comparison to a regular pit stop but think of the machinations of what they have to do where they have to go and as you pointed out the fact that you could uh, even though you can come through at 40 kph uh, into the refueling area uh, it still must seem like a a dawdle in comparison <laughs> to what's about to follow. And it's a transition as well, having come off the track for you know, nearly an hour at racing speed, and basically there's a white line where you've got to get down to A speed, hit a button, and all of a sudden your brain hasn't caught up. And you've got to suddenly do this paddock bit and back out and again going out and, uh, and not lose time. But they all seem to have done it well. The Manti Porsche, Manti Porsche is just coming around the pits to have its refueling, so that's gone to its second stage of its pit stop. So uh, quite a gaggle of cars there in the pit lane now. Well, being they, refueled. They, they, it's equal for they all came of us. in together. There's about six yep. cars in that group. Remember, I just commented the start of that. There was no gap between this gaggle of six cars of more than 0.3 of a second. That's how tight it was the start of the previous racing lap. And of course, some came in, but we saw that. Um, Interesting that the Phoenix Racing Audi that was brought in by Stippler, we'll see what the driver change is on that, is, uh, is quite provocatively or punchily positioned at an angle to go out of the pits lanes where he's not pulled up straight at his fuel rig. Uh, it's almost like he's got that angle, almost like on a starting grid, to get that advantage to shoot straight out into the outer lane of the pits, obviously under the limit and regulations, but uh, that's uh, it's a, quite a quite a, a sort of no to a point, but it's almost like throwing the gauntlet down. It's, uh, it's a declaration of, I'm ready to go. It's sort of Rupert Keegan on the, yeah. on the grid at Thruxton in 43 yeah. in 1976. It might be Not, not that I'm old. <laughs> but you read about it, didn't you? Yes. So the yellow Mercedes that Raffaele Marcello started. Maxi Boot pressing on round the track. And where is he going to slot in? Don't forget that uh, Marcello came in from effective, when well, it was second place. Patrick Assenheimer continued in the race leading car. But uh, effectively, whoever takes over from David Pittard in the number 34 Walken Horse car was so close to the number two Mercedes, but uh, Mercedes lap pitted a lap before, so Nickel Jens, Christian Cronius, whichever of those drivers, the Dane or the Norwegian, takes over after David Pittard's stints. Where will they come out? Will they come out right alongside the number two Mercedes from uh, Team Get Speed? Maxi Boot pressing on Patrick Assenheimer's car, now about to lead. It had that nine-point-whatever-second lead. It comes out from its refueling stop halfway down the pit lane, has to trundle on slowly towards the end of the pit lane. Should be sitting on a tidy lead. Look in the background of the shot. Is there a bright yellow Mercedes? Oh, yes, there is. So Maxi Boot's had a really good lap. And they're going to be literally side-by-side. Side. In fact, I would suggest we had a change for the lead round 
on the outside line down to turn one about a second clear it goes we have the change of lead so that's been a really really good lap for the team get speed number two mercedes it was nine seconds down before the pit stops and as assenheimer's car heads out onto the circuits wait and see if they've done a driver change still listed as Assenheimer still listed as Pittard so maybe those two drivers who were running first and second stroke third are doing a double stint early in the race in the first half of the race the number five Audi from Phoenix now in the hands of Vincent Kolb so they at least have had a driver change whereas the top two cars still nothing listed as yet Really, that was a very, very good lap indeed for the Team Get Speed car. Of course, they're a lap further into their stint, but uh, the important thing for them, their nose was still in front uh, when the Team HRT Mercedes left the pit lane. Maxi Boot looking very comfortable out towards the curves through the end of the Grand Prix loop, out of the chicane, and then unfortunately for the erstwhile leader as that came up towards the Nord Carer. There was a back marking Renault Clio in the way and it's cost him half a second to start with. So that was very unfortunate indeed. Still getting a host of pit visitors. Number 128. Now, of course, is the, the, the Gitti WS Racing Audi running in the SP8 class. Nicholas Cry carries Schreiner. Really, really good driver of that. And Henrik Boleslev. But again, the pit stops. It still gives me a double take to see mechanics in masks, cars <laughs> being serviced in the paddock. You know, to, to us, a car being serviced in the paddock is because something really quite serious is wrong and the pit garage hasn't got enough space in it to perform that. But uh, what I also notice is the yellow on that car is getting increasingly bright because the sun is starting to break through. It's very grey at the start of the race with threatening grey clouds. We had a little flurry of rain, but it looks like the day is getting better. I've just gone past the quarter distance part of this point in this race. The 128 having the front body work um, attached a little more strongly, so uh, clearly it has been slightly in the wars. It wouldn't be an endurance race without gaffer tape on the car, would it? it just, you've got to have at least one or two cars uh, with that on it. Uh, you were just saying a few moments ago, Bruce, quite rightly, that uh, a flurry of pit stops, uh, mainly in the top order, but also varies down the classes as well. The row... Uh, BMW in there as well to go 191. That's just re leaving the pit, no, leaving its paddock bit to go and start its phase two of its pit stop, which is either fuel ring in the pit lane. Uh, but of course, normally uh, we're quite used to it uh, from a commentary point of view, just saying, right, we get this gal together, it'll all settle down and reset in a minute. Of course, that takes so much longer at the Nurburgring because their outlap can be 10 minutes by the time we, we've done that. So you, you've got a longer wait until it really does settle down. So it's a uh, I'm sitting there looking at the screen with anticipation, uh, eagerly awaiting that reset where we can say, right, who's, who's fallen where? Who's got ahead? Who's had an advantage? Uh, we commented on the stippler car, didn't we? And like, But we've got to wait 10 minutes for that. Yeah. Well, we've got three hours, so that's okay. Oh, yeah, we, we would <laughs> eventually... There is that on the other side. We would eventually side. catch up. But that, that was actually one thing with the digital NLS. We had 14 time splits, so you didn't have to wait very long at all until, until your yeah. supposition about who had come out of the pits in which order was either proved right or wrong but at least the answer was uh, achieved very quickly indeed so really all the sp9 runners made it into pits top of our timing screen is still listed as nikolai rogivu racing one ferrari but that's because he's in the pits but yep. st still ahead but it's um maxi book leading the race uh, just waiting for confirmation of that on our timing screens as he seems to have gone disappeared off mine that's interesting More, more to follow <laughs> as I start scratching my head on that particular one. 
but we saw the pass on the start finish straight down before turn one and the yellow number two Mercedes into the lead of the race as the car that led the first hour effectively. Team HRT number six Mercedes back into second place. And the course vehicle, white, white Audi keeping out of the way but lights flashing as it went up to the chicane getting very busy out on the circuit and uh, car number 36 one of the BMWs from Walken Horse that's in their more traditional white with uh, red and pale blue livery that's the one shared by Henry Walken Horse Andreas Zegler and uh, Peter's favourite driver Dr Friedrich von Bolen und Halbach in fact he's one of the two drivers from that family in the, in the race because uh, Walken Horse also running Mario von Bolen und Halbach in SP8 T-Class in a BMW M2 CS racing model. Well, whether the car, the, the car, car we see a lot more of, I'm Yeah, sure. the car you're just talking of is having quite, quite a slow few corners on its outlap. I mean, just literally just left the pits, and that seems really obvious, but it was getting hounded by uh, an SP10 car, 192, the uh, hopeful racing by Bonk Motorsport of the uh, M4 GT4, to the point of uh, normally you just sort of sit behind that with a higher class car, and he, he wasn't. He was having a, little, a few little uh, nose down the inside thought, and I thought, is it? Where's the point, really? Because it's, it's only going to come past you again, unless, of course, uh, the, the road car had an issue. So we'll just keep an eye on that. I was surprised how many corners into the outlap he was still going slowly, is my point. No, I uh, no, agree. I found myself scurrying it's a very long way of saying what, what, what I should have said straight away, really. We have plenty of time, Peter. <laughs> we have plenty of time. But, again, I have to sort of pinch myself. We are real-world racing again. And that is fabulous. Of course, being the optimist, I'm saying it's getting brighter. It is around the pits, but I notice over, if you look down the Her Act to the start of the straight, it's quite dark in the background. Whether that's a dark cloud that's just kept on moving and gone past, or something is coming, I cannot tell you right now. But, of course, it is the Nürburgring. It's not snowing. <laughs> <laughs> so there could be any other form of But it is only round racing. one, remember. It yeah, is exactly. round one. So it's, you know, it, it could be snowing. It's... Uh Spring, just at the end of June. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've been there. Ignore the details. Yes, but I've, I've been there when I think it might have been May. It's so long ago. It was Formula Three thousand cars waiting mm -hmm. to go out, and I remember the snow didn't just start. It came down really heavily. And one of the officials going, "But these Brazilian drivers have never seen snow before." You know, oh, they'll soon learn. They'll soon learn. Come and race I, I do remember doing a morning warm-up at British GT in two thousand eight, Alden Park in uh, in the Aston, and going out on stickered slicks. And as I went down Cascades, uh, got on, they asked me, how was the car? And I said, difficult to tell because it's snowing. Yes. <laughs> thinking, seriously? Are we doing this? So we've got another alert at Hatzenbach. And a slow zone, slow zone now zone, yeah. at, at Hocheichen. So, um, again, drivers have to be aware that there could be something they're unaware of around the next corner. If you understand what I'm saying there, they have to be extra alert. And, and you know, experience teaches you it can happen anywhere, but there are certain corners and sequences where it's more likely to happen uh, than other places. So you're on you, just, you just can't relax. You just, no. you just cannot relax. Certainly not on this circuit of all circuits. It, it will have you. Um, and uh, despite me, it's, it's also a very fast circuit. So there's some really, really, truly fast sections on this on this circuit. Technical, though, maybe I think I think technical is the definition of this circuit uh, in terms of is it 178 corners, isn't it? I think in in recent years it's been rounded down a bit because oh. some corners are, are actually a sequence of corners. Okay. But let's let's call it about 120 be between friends. And now, really, really close. We saw the number two Mercedes take the lead when it pitted a lap ahead of the, the previous race leader, but now they are nose to tail. So the second, well, the the majority of this lap has been the story of the 
HRT car finding the pace, getting onto the tail. They're going to be half a second apart, but it's the yellow one in front at the moment. So they come across the start-finish line, and the uh, yellow Phoenix Audi not so far behind them either. I'd say two seconds covering the top three. And uh, lights flashing on the HRT Mercedes. If they could get a win first time out, this would be extraordinary. It's a new team, but a lot of the backbone of the team is the same as before. The expertise of uh, Black Falcon Racing, Sean Peter Breslin, uh, Sean Paul Breslin looking after it as a team manager. But actually, through the early sequence of corners in the Mercedes arena, the lead Mercedes finding a tiny advantage to uh, get the chasing arrival off the back. The number six Mercedes, but we've seen it has had pace. It managed to close out around the lap. 733 was the one off at Hocheichen. And um, 733 from the VLN V4 class. Marco Andre Roloff, Tobias Vasquez, and Jan Buchwald in their BMW 325i. First three cars evenly spaced, covered by about two seconds, I would think, at this point as they go through the right hand kink and then up the slope towards the chicane. But race leading number two car doesn't have to slow its pace there doesn't have to look for a dive it has a big enough advantage as they go up the hill but uh, the Audi is coming on strong we saw a flurry I thought it'd be the blue one that Frank Stippler seemed to have driven so well in his opening stint uh, that would be right there at the sharp end handed it over to Vincent Cole but it's not it's the sister car Nobble camera for the number two bright yellow Mercedes from Team Getspeed, Maxi Book oh, coming across the course vehicle again, two course vehicles, and there's a yellow BMW at the side, yellow blue BMW at the side, which we think is the 733 off at Hocheichen. But the uh, rescue vehicles have got there. A bit of um, what would you reckon is flapping under the in the nose vent, uh, the upper side of the bonnets? It almost looks like a bit of a um, sort of a rubber seal. Yes, it's a rubber seal of some some forms of bodywork so perhaps being an air intake there perhaps there's a, a, a sort of foam stroke rubber seal around the outside of that air intake for the bodywork the front clip as you'd call it on a on car to clip on it just hasn't uh, quite uh, settled there and obviously at speed it's getting uh, pulled up we we can see it. i don't know if the driver would be able to see it. we can see it on their own camera unlikely. i think they're sitting down a little bit lower and you Highly don't want unlikely. to see something distracting if no. you can hear a noise though wave yellow flags up ahead of it so just trying to see what the next sequence of events will be as the number two Mercedes leads the way, drops down the pace. Great it, actually, it actually comes in more into view the slower the car goes. Yes, it's, it's been, ironic, isn't it? has been pushed down, so it's, uh, it's obviously the way that uh, Venturian Vortex works in that uh, bit of sculpting there. But uh, so I don't think it'll be a major distraction to the driver. Um, you soon soon get to, if it doesn't really affect anything, you just get to bypass it, and uh, provided the car's going, might, yes. have, might have a wheel missing, still try and keep going. So we've got the 396 uh, Cayman GT4, just uh, done a rotation and uh, swapped uh, facing the wrong way on the track and is trying to keep out of way now and actually the, the spin isn't so much the time that's cost him it's the getting the car turned around in a safe time to rejoin the track which he's done and that's the uh, 396 I just missed who that was because it came up on the screen um, I don't know quite what happened there we just caught the end of it coming rejoining that's the uh, only car in the V6 category, as in uh, production, production wagon car, and that's the CFN Team Adrenaline Motorsport Porsche Cayman S. Uh, and I think it was Ulrich Comdro, I think, I'm not sure, that car, but it's rejoined quite safely. 
a little heart-stopping moment for him there. But again, we started with a very lightly damp track. I mean, really almost not damp, just a tiny bit of greasiness. Rain on screens at the back half of the circuit. Now we've got a full dry circuit. So uh, quite a helping hand for, for the drivers there. So Mauro Engel now leading. Just, uh, just take the timing screen off as I had a little sneaky peek. Just waiting for the screen to settle down. conditions on the Nordschleife fabulous mix of cars it's been the story of Mercedes leading this race several Mercedes fighting at the front end but Audi have been there or thereabouts and of course we've had the walking horse BMW that David Pittard drove so very very well in the first part of the race uh, largely and got himself up to fourth position then third then second then got close to the leader but then Assenheimer was able to pull clear and then it was a real battle for the majority of the remainder of that stint with Raffaele Marcello made for fantastic watching, really, really good viewing. All was fair, all was square, and uh, again, it was just a reiteration of how good it is to be racing again. And unfortunately, the 36 BMW's gone for a spin at the Nordkera, part parallel with the barriers. And certainly, Marshall had to suddenly find his. I think he was having a he sausage put, or something. He had to put his thermos down for a minute then. Yeah, and he had to grab two yellow flags to wave it. Now, this is a difficult place to spin because the cars are turning. It's a double left, and he spun after the first left it's a blind location it's a very narrow stretch of track that being the point there's no, way, no easy way to flick that car around is it? no there? it's not enough width and you talked about the, the amount of uh, turn on the wheel but uh, I don't know how they're going to recover that is there a gap just behind his car in the barriers I don't think there is there are waved yellow flag, flags dead ahead of the cars as they come up to that left hander but at that point you're flipping your brain from uh, we're on the Grand Prix loop. Now we're flipping it into Nordschleife mode as you turn left into the Nordkera. And that BMW is about, what, 20 metres beyond yeah. the apex, uh, well, the, the point at which it can be seen, facing the wrong way, going nowhere. And actually, with 140-odd cars probably still in this race, he could wait a very long time to be given a signal to go. Just starting to roll he's at the moment. To, but it's because he's going to drive into the, basically the apex exit of that corner. That's possibly, or potentially, the worst place to spin the car on the circuit that's almost impossible to rejoin there safely. Well, very, very tricky indeed. Beached on the on the curves as well, just for good measure, so you can't even get a, a clean run at it. And now, uh, well, it's inevitable. If you ride with an onboard camera, you'll see moments where the driver in the faster car carrying the camera is able to pick his way easily around some of the tail-end BMWs, and other times when it just comes unstuck. And we just witnessed one of those, the Black Falcon number 350 Porsche that's running in the SP Pro class, shared by Marek Bockman, Tobias Muller and Carlos Rivas. But uh, you can't guess all of them right. And it takes two drivers guessing. Experience is a helping hand as well. But, uh, you know, hopefully you can make it all up again and nothing untowards occurs. But again, drivers have to be ready for those moments, particularly if you're in one of the quicker cars, Peter. Absolutely. As we said only a few minutes ago, you just cannot relax. Um, you have to be on your guard all the time, and that, if anything, it's, it's, it's more about those sorts of moments that, that that's what can cost you not not just time, but it can actually cost you the race so so quickly. And it's you can always be left dumbfounded of sitting there stationary in a, in a steaming wreck, going, "What happened?" <laughs> One thing they don't have today is wet grass beyond the curb, because that obviously magnifies any particular problem. If it's dry ah, grass, yes. you might be able to negotiate yes. your way back to the track, and. Um, for those who've never seen the Nürburgring Nordschleife and gone for their first visit, the barriers are very close, are they not? Yeah, they are indeed. 
and wet wet grass and motor cars uh, and, and not not a happy mix. No. And they always they always pick up speed and the horrible thing is it goes quiet and you go out of control and you just know it's, it's a, I think it's Brundle's favourite one of his favourite straight to the scene of the accident and you, you, you fight it get away then also it's on the wet grass oh here we go now back at the front these two Mercedes the black and yellows uh, sort of uh, wasp colours there sort of between them battling it out down the set flashing the lights the second place car that's led the, that was the Asenheimer run car uh, driven car to start with well he, he stayed on for a second stint and yeah. David Pittard also stayed yeah. on well no did he well, at the moment, we're listed as Maxi Book, effective race leader. We're waiting for three more cars that have um, probably dived into the pits. Effective race leader, Maxi Book, by enormous margin of 0.349 of a second. He's listed as fourth overall, but it's effective leader. Patrick Assenheim has stayed on for a second stint. And he's got an advantage of uh, three seconds over Michele Beretta, which took over the Phoenix Racing, the yellow Phoenix Racing Audi. So, uh, though the pit stop sequence was good for the yellow Audi, it's falling away. It's the story of Mercedes just having seemingly the right pace for today but if the Audis can have a consistent run they could still be in it and don't forget always Peter it's the fact um, you need a good balance across all of your drivers uh, to deliver in a four hour race absolutely as we said Team F go at the pace of the slowest driver etc um, we've got another slow, slow zone, zone. Uh, quite early the Nordschleife transition well then we yeah. know what that is that's yes. the corner we've been talking about Now, two Mercedes in the thick of the back mark. Is there going to be a change of position there? And absolutely, number two just got completely sold a dummy there, straight into uh, into the back markers, as it will, into the, the thick of the mountains, tucking in behind them. Uh, and uh, that allowed the uh, the Essenham car to go straight by and retake that position. Car so, Book was actually just sold a dummy there. Essenham has shot past him. Uh, very neat and very deftly done. Car that's lost a lot of time is and position is Francois Perodo, the AM in the um, number eight Mercedes. He took it over from Matteo Vassivier. Don't forget that was fighting over second, third, and fourth positions with uh, David Pittard and uh, Raffaele Marcello. Uh, but that is now down uh, effective in 12th place in SP9. Another slow zone, and uh, we've got Patrick Assenheimer now in front of Maxi Book, so that was a change for the lead, and we've still got that blue and yellow BMW being pulled away, but at least it's being towed. And they just have to wait for the green flag, and off we go again. Suddenly the, the race restarts, if you will, or proper racing restarts on the Nürburgring. Langstrecken. So it was a great move around the outside by Patrick Assenheimer. Were the waved yellow flags? Let's have a look. There was a slow zone, and in fact, ooh, that was a, going on the transition we talked about. The BMW had been pulled clear of the Balkenhorst car, but I'd say that that was a, an opportunistic, or as some people could say, an opportunistic manoeuvre to you'll, take the lead. You'll probably say I would, I would state this, but I would say that's clear because the actual obstacle was clear and gone the car facing the wrong way that was trying to rejoin the track there was indeed a official's car there but that was on the left does its flashing light denote a double yellow or wave yellow no i don't think so they're just lights illuminating the vehicle to a warning that it's there so i would say absolutely right opportunistic um and maybe maybe that's what caught book out he just thought mm, should i shouldn't i and aston hammers went i will Maybe it's as simple as that. Split second. You know. split, split, second on, split second on one of the narrow splits of track as well. Because that little transition, it, it, it's, it's two car widths. I, I, think, I think you summed it up in your very first choice of words. Opportunistic. Um, you know, 
chat it out with the stewards later. Yeah. In the meantime, I've got trap positions. Get on I, with it. I did my job. I'm a yeah. racing driver. What do you mean, Gov? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was also the, uh, the, the junior class BMW was in the way was particularly slow. But again, it's a blind corner until yeah. you're, you're nigh on in it. And as we say today, you know, junior class car there, no, intentionally doing exactly the right thing, trying to keep out of the way, and they were taken advantage of. That little strip that's uh, loose under the bonnet of Banksy Book's Mercedes is more and more prevalent. It's emerging, yep. billowing out of that bonnet vent. So let's just go back to the change of lead with Patrick Assenheimer in second place behind Maxi Book. Waved yellow flags to the approach. Coming up on one of the BMWs. This is coming into the transition. And it was 1-5. Oh, it might have been the one with Sammy Matty Trogan, the brilliant uh, sim racer. It says whoosh on the side. Yeah, 151. Yeah. Sports, Sammy Matty Trogan and uh, Mario von Bolen and Halbach approaching the transition and already it seemed to be that the nose of the black Mercedes was around the outside of it and worked very well indeed but more of that anon for chance so all is calm all is bright well it's bright but it's not calm it's the Nürburgring Nordschleife Well, it's a fantastic battle between the Mercedes at the front. And we will be having some catch-up drives as well. The pit stop sequence seemed to really jumble the order, but I think the notable fact is after six laps rather than seven, in came the number two Mercedes. It'd been fighting and just got back up into second place, but don't forget it was nine seconds or so, 9.7 seconds, I seem to recall, down on the number six Mercedes, and yet they're fighting together now, and it's the two in front by the smallest of margins, but... Uh, seem to work well for them, that tactic. I know I keep going back to this, but I'm still intrigued by that Assenheimer lap of 8.07.6. Nothing's got anywhere near it, and near as we've got is uh, Book has just done, not long done, a 8.11. We must have been extremely lucky with traffic to pop that 8.07 in. Yeah. I, I still can't get my head around that. No, I, I can't. It's almost... It almost um, am I doubting it? Yeah, I guess I am, really. Um, it just, it just, it's so far ahead at the yeah. time. It was seven seconds clear of anybody else at the time. Now, obviously, we know how traffic falls. They can, you can get a big advantage. That's fine. Get that. Uh, but seven seconds in one lap, and the, the, that's only come down now to five difference. So we'll keep an eye on those. Um, Properly bright and sunny. We had the little flurry of rain just at the start of the race, but uh, now as the last of the the pack effectively come in to make their first pit stops, it's uh, Maxi Boot leading from Patrick Assenheimer. It's very tight. It's very close. Michele Beretta trying to hang on in the best place of the, the Audis in third place overall, but the car that really went backwards is down in fifth place now. Is the car that was fighting for second place. Uh, David Pittard did hand it over to Mikkel Jensen, and the Dane doing his best. He's uh, very close indeed. To number 32 car collection motorsport Audi 
with Nico Muller on board. But still, the pit visitors coming in, that strange technique of driving into the paddock, under the pit, under the pit building, into the paddock, going along a one-way system with a fast lane and a working lane, looking to find their team ordering. For some of them, they have to drive the whole way up, go around a mini roundabout, and then back in the opposite direction to find their pit awning, and then doubling back to the right and into the pits where they do the refuelling. So it's a two-part pit stop, plenty of novelty. It really is a roundabout, isn't it? <laughs> and coming to a halt. KTM's always a strong feature in this race. Don't run right at the front end, but they have some really, really good battles. Field's not always as big. Three of them entered this time in the Cup X class, all from Teichmann Racing. But up front, now we've suddenly got Maxi Boot being hounded considerably by Bikaini Beretta. So where is Patrick Assenheimer? We know he's got his nose in front, but he really seems to have uh, pulled clear, looking for a shot as they go past the pits, coming up to the start-finish line. It's uh, Boot with Beretta right under his tail. Red Audi in the background, which by my reckoning should be... Is that the Nico Muller car? But uh, Assenheimer, how far clear? 9.7 seconds to go. He's had another one of those wonder laps. Let's just see what his pace was around the last lap. Oh, 8 minutes 30, of course, there was a slow zone in it. But just yeah. bear in mind, that fastest lap, 8 minutes, 7.677. Nobody else has... Oh, it's not the fastest. It is the fastest lap yep. of the race, but the car in third place, Michele Beretta's car... Ah, that yes. is a 8077.23. They found the shortcut somewhere around the back. <laughs> Nobody else, as far as I can see. team HRT had, yeah. Most of the other cars in the top 10 were doing their best lap is an 817, an 811, an 813. Well, wow, that's extraordinary. But you see, there would be no toe there for Assenheimer to have had to achieve that. No. Whereas for the yellow Phoenix Audi it's possible in fact it's getting a very very good tow now off Maxi Buch off the number two Mercedes that was another phenomenal lap from the race leader you know, team, team HRT again when you get teams with acronyms in their name you always think is that the same as HTP is that no it isn't it's Hout Racing Team Hubert Hout Black Falcon so strong GT Championships for years, but there's been a change and they are only running cars in the junior class now, and Hubert Hout has uh, taken the helm of the team. And um, I would almost suggest that Beretta's lap in the Phoenix Racing Audi is slightly more believable than the one that's a tenth quicker of Assenheimer. I'm not doubting Assenheimer, but I just, I just can't, like you, I just can't quite get my head round um, that 8.07 suddenly popping up that was seven seconds quicker. I know I'm not going on about it, but just can't quite get my head around it. The, uh, uh, that one now is a bit more credible. As you say, Beretta, tow, traffic, etc. just seems more believable. Always a moving target on the Nordschleifer. We've got a car being <laughs> moving very slowly under its own steam down along the Her Act. It's got a safety car in behind with lights flashing. It's on the right-hand side of the... Is that the number eight Mercedes? That could be Francois Perodo. Just can't quite see. There's a lot of glare off it, but it looks like it's white with black flanking bodywork up, up, the, up, the, up the sides from the lights. Looks like some rear body damage. Potentially, again, I'm telling this from the front of the car, which isn't always the easiest angle to cover. I have to look at multiple screens to see confirmation of the car moving slowly. but it does look like the livery but actually I can't see a big enough rear wing but again 
meaning it probably isn't an SP9 car. I don't think it is, actually, gone. no. It's a bit narrower, but... Uh, As you say, there's a lot of glare on it, but I'm, I'm wondering if it's, uh, it looks almost like a Hyundai to me, okay. shape-wise. Which would be potentially a VT2 car. Uh, 482, the Olaf Yar car, that's, that's a possibility. So, sun bright on the flanks of the number 23 Mercedes. That's the Rooster Rojo car, Janine Hill and Adam Osieka. Adam does a considerable amount of driving, as, as does Janine um, here at the Nordschleife. Janine does go and compete in other championships, also races uh, in the International GT Open Series as well for Team Get Speed Performance. So, she's gaining more and more international experience. Conditions looking very, very good indeed at the moment. John Schoffner also on board, he perpetual teammate of Janine Hill. That may be. Yeah, so we've got a German in Osieka, an American in John Schoffner, and British driver in Janine Hill. Just Whenever one rides on board, as we are with with their mighty Mercedes AMG, it just gives points on the circuit where it gets extra narrow. And I, I just was considering that the, the points where you go onto the Nordschleife, we had that, that BMW spinning in that transition. Those two lefts over a crest, and it really is narrow. That uh, car is just heading through there, and uh, so I found myself inadvertently breathing in, trying to make the car narrower. Again, what we're having in this race quite a few points on the circuit where you've got cars that have rotated and rescue vehicles there so the drivers really really have to be on their toes the driver most notably on his toes is patrick assenheimer i mean 9.7 seconds clear as he stretches his legs that's uh, really super super impressive sunny day, temperatures will obviously be rising but it's still windy, you look at the trees around the Nordschleife and they're blowing hard at the, one of the high points which is the area just as you come onto the start finish straight past the tall pit building, the drivers then duck down out of the wind, it's blowing across the pit lane at the moment and uh, look for space as they get down to turn one Mercedes 1.55 another car from the Black Falcon team that's their GT4 Mercedes AMG, Mustafa Mehmet Kaya, Gabriele Piana, who's such a star in GT4, Stefan Rosler, and Mike Sturzberg going very well in class indeed. So Patrick Assenheimer still waiting for him to complete another lap, and we'll see how much he's extended his advantage, if indeed he does, over Maxi Boot. But Boot had his hands full of Michele Beretta, don't forget. So it's Mercedes well clear, and then another Mercedes fighting with the best, better of the Phoenix Racing Audis. I appreciate it's relative at the moment. Never thought we'd see a KTM Crossbow GT4 car at the top of the field. Moment on the timing screen. 
it's it's about I, to be removed. No, I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know it's relative, but it is just catch drive when you think, hang, sorry, GT4 car, yes. KTM at the top there. Well, of course, this, this is what's always <laughs> confusing for us simple-minded commentators, because, of course, uh, cars like that can run longer on this uh, on their stints and certainly do precisely that. But uh, it's a bit like, uh, who remembers when Marcus Finkelhock led a Grand Prix, you know? Indeed. Spiker team. Or was it the Midland team? Midland team. Midland, it's it's Midland isn't it? Yes. yes. Teams that come and go, but uh, ebbs and flows. Right now, looking down her act, I can see the bright yellow nose headlights ablaze. Yellow and green, and have we had a change? I can't, no, I can, simply can't believe it because it looks so. It's the Asimheimer car tucked in behind. That was well clear. So hold on. Yeah. The clarifications, it comes up. It looks so. Like Maxi Boots got in front. I don't think they 9.7 seconds the difference between them. Last time around, the yellow Audi from Phoenix Racing is tucked in behind. So suddenly we've got first, second, and third, not in the order we expected, and a whole lot closer. Asenheimer having to be quite careful not to be passed by the Audi as well, but uh, Maxi Buch, he was in front at the start of the stint. He pitted, he took over the car a lap before Asenheimer came out for his second stint. And Asenheimer, all being pushed around the corner, being passed around the outside, oh, got caught yes. by a BMW that had nowhere to go. And the yellow Audi said, thank you very much. Went around the outside through the final corner onto the start, finished straight, and uh, of course BMW that BMW, is BMW yes. goes into the pits. But for Maxi Buch, it didn't matter to him, but it certainly mattered to Phoenix Racing and their Audi. That was a very, very good move, and no wonder Asenheimer's really hard on the lights, but now he's hard on the brakes down into turn one. Oh, how frustrating. And a bit of breathing space now. How that evolved, I mean, we were looking at this, not, was it nine-second difference? Yeah. And all of a sudden, one, two, three, change of order, all together, one back marker, last corner, trying to keep out of the way, then go into the pits. By the time we get to the last turn, to turn one, all of a sudden it's opened out again. The, hard, the hardest thing, that look, final uh, sequence of corners, is the BMW went quite deep into the corner, knew it was coming to the pits, and then started halfway through the bend going from the left-hand side of the track to the right. That interrupted the race leader. He hit the brakes. Then he managed to get around it and then it carried on pulling straight into the past, unfortunately, for Patrick Assenheimer of his HRT Mercedes. And I've got to say hats off to uh, Assenheimer there because it's a very professional driving there. He could have just hung that out to dry and dodged out from that BMW and he didn't. He sat there and the hardest thing for a driver to do is relinquish position right up at the front there. It's very easy to go, hang on. I'm racing to get carried away with it, and he didn't. He backed out of it. Okay, I know there's hours to go. That's not the point, but actually that was a very professional manoeuvre there just to back out of that one and not uh, not cause a problem and carry on racing. Very easy to have just uh, taken advantage of that, and he didn't. So uh, hats off to Assenheimer there. That, of course, now puts him uh, behind that. And so we weren't expecting... So quite had that swapped anyway, but it uh, has allowed... Maxi Book to run away a little bit. 1.4 second is the advantage across the line, and it was just half a second to Beretta in, uh, in third, P3. So, Book, Beretta, and Assenheimer. Mercedes, Audi, Mercedes. The Audi, Phoenix Racing Audi being in a Mercedes GT3 sandwich there, the AMGs. So, where is the next change going to come? It's so, so choppy. I've never really known. Uh, NLS round where the lead has changed around so much. You often, as I say, you often get really good packs of cars, but someone has a marginal advantage. And um, but today it really has swung around. We had that brilliant battle in the opening stint for second, third, and fourth as the uh, HRT Mercedes pulled clear. Now that's right in the heat of the battle. It's bound in third place with Beretta, it up into second, and Maxi Boot one second to the good. The car that I, I maligned is also white with the uh, grey stripe, silver. 
stripes up the side of the nose and up the side of the car. That's the Mercedes driven for get speed performance by Francois Perrault. That very similar race livery to the car that we saw limping down the Dottingahoa but uh, number eight at the moment he was outside the top ten he's down with Perodo at the wheel now third in the Pro-Am class he is back in 13th overall but looking neat and tidy out on the circuit riding the curves but nothing too excessive again the drivers can ride the curves with a fair degree of ease in the stadium section because the stirbs are nice and low and flat. Out on the Nordschleifer itself, some of the curves almost seem to be banked at 45 degrees, so you clunk them and they fire you back across the track. As I say that, Francois Perrode goes through the cut. Round one, June the 27th for the Nürburgring Nordschleifer. And still racing, still got time aplenty. But the, we talked earlier of the black rubber strip inside the nose vents on the number two Mercedes from her team Get Speed. It's been flapping. It's now, it was of a loop, but it now appears to have broken at the top. We've got one end flapping out of one side of the vent and one out of the other. Maybe the whole thing will eventually fly out. I'm sure it's not a, a vital performance part, but it's a distraction now. It's longer, and I think the driver can see it flapping. Maybe able to say, hear it. It's flapping. a distraction, yes, it definitely is visible now, isn't it? I'm probably just far enough down there, I'm not sure what it is, but uh, I've got Pitt's car radio, I'm sure they'll talk about it, and uh, it's not affecting the performance one bit, really. So just took the, the um, Ferrari that went off on that very first lap, number 26, the uh, uh, Octane 126 car when it had a Hershey we've got Grossman at the wheel now that's now up to 14th so I've dropped down to 40th back to 25th now up to 14th so nice steady progress and uh, let's face it we're not even at half distance yet so right. never know that car might be back in the I would say it's going to be in the top 10 most certainly right, progress let's, let's keep an eye on that car number 26 currently running uh, in uh, uh, 14th with um, Bjorn Grossman at the wheel now. Yeah, well, we just saw a short while ago the number 23 Red Rooster, Rooster Rojo Mercedes, and looks as though they're the first of the crew to do a second driver change. And uh, that's shared by Janine Hill, British driver, with Adam Osieka and John Schoffner, the American. And I think that might have been John Schoffner getting out of the car. Very standard looking Mercedes leaving the pits. So it's, uh, it's, that is the real interest. You've got the full on race body, race everything GT3 cars, and you've, you've got one you think might be heading for a pickup at the station. <laughs> it goes down class. to turn one. Yes. Very much the production class, and very, very much not the newest car out there. But that, again, is, is very much part of the mix of the, the NLS. It makes it interesting, but it uh, is a feature you, you will scarcely find anywhere else in the world. Book 1.1 seconds clear of Michele Barretta's Phoenix Racing Audi last time around. And uh, look quickly at the tracker of the circuit, and there are cars the whole way around it as I look at the map over beyond Peter at the far side of the commentary booth. But uh, can you pick out our race leader, number two on that track mapper? There's a challenge for you. <laughs> if the screen come was on. bigger, maybe, yeah, exactly. Um, your, your aging eyes, come on, you should Oh, be thank you. You're so, you're so kind, Bruce. You're so kind. Oh. Very difficult feet because 
very, very good. It's with the weather conditions being so kind. We've still got about 120-something cars out of the 141 started playing. We've got someone coming slowly with um, Ooh, body work up dust, yes. bodywork damage at the front of whatever it is, or indeed was, down the straight. I can't see enough. I'm not going to play the guessing game again, having thought of a no, second. he hasn't got too far to get back, but the problem is that the, the friction at that pace... Uh, it's long enough to do a lot of damage very, very quickly. Well, the good thing is the driver's staying to dr hard driver's left because that's uh, sort of a bit wide, but I always get worried when a car is dragging about uh, whatever shards it may be uh, firing back out onto, onto the uh, terra firma that could be picked up by others. And it's coming towards our view in the dip, of course, the dotting of her. You drive it, it seems relatively flat till it bucks up towards the end, but is it's it a KTM. It's a KTM, yeah. Or it's a K and a T. I'm not sure if the M is still it is, there. But, but lots, lots of bodywork damage on it by the look of it. Front right, certainly. So I'm suspecting a, a tyre failure there. Uh, and the front left's looking complete, and it's actually starting to disintegrate. In fact, it's got a broken wheel. It's got broken suspension in the front right. Oh, oh dear. And he's just fired in front of the race oh. leaders. We've suddenly the race leaders have been joined. We've suddenly got another Audi right on their tail. It looks like the car collection car, but uh, just they're approaching the kink on the on the um, her act. Suddenly there was a bit of bodywork of the underside of a wheel arch. I think yeah, fired exactly. right across, and he's that car that the stricken KTM has got. He's gone through the kink, hasn't got up to the chicane as yet, but that would have been a scary moment. You're busy with someone right on your tail, and then suddenly you've got, whoa, what's that? Absolutely. You're past? absolutely right, Bruce. I, I thought it was the it was the wheel we could see tilted up. We cut into the inner wheel arch, as you said. That suddenly just fired out into the front race of the, the front of the leaders. Well, uh, and that's allowed that pesky Falcon Horse Motorsport BMW back into the fray again. Look. Yeah, but we suddenly had four cars fighting for the lead, and Assenheimer, what happened there? He was first but the car now leading the race unless my maths has gone hold on number 32 is right in the mix that's Nico Muller Maxi Book is leading the yellow car Assenheimer has just gone back he went from first to second well, second to third to fourth now he's back into third he's got the walking horse BMW right on his tail that's Mikkel Jensen so let's refresh 1.3 seconds to good Maxi Book leading for team get speed Patrick Assenheimer started this lap in second place but he's now behind the the car collection of motorsport car of Nico Mullet. That was a very early pitter. Remember, we thought it was yeah, always yeah, out, of, yep. out of sequence. Uh, Beretta, that had got up into second place, is now down into fifth. So that's fast changing. So it's, it's um, Jensen in fourth. Assenheimer in his second stint, don't forget. He didn't do a driver change at the first pit stop. Is uh, falling back. I don't know what happened through the first few corners, but it was three cars going for position, and uh, someone had to lose. In fact, two of them lost out. It was uh, certainly Assenheimer who's down into third and uh, looking to take the lead, but not managing to do so. Michele Beretta is now fifth. Oh, this is very, very good news for our race leader. It's slightly confusing there, but he's uh, 1.3 seconds to good on the start finish line, and Maxi Buch has got a decent advantage now in the lead of this race. So it sort of uh, was given to him on a plate as those behind fours squabbled and fell over each other. And that's not done yet. They've just gone on to the Nordschleife, and I think that's going to that's gonna rage uh, into certainly the first third of this lap uh, between those three. 1.3 seconds, you say. Uh, second place to third, sorry, second third, Asnav de Beretta, is also 1.3 seconds. And it's only 1.9, so 1.59, uh, to what was the fourth place car of Muller. Well, extraordinary moments. We had... 
eventually as three cars in second, third and fourth tried to avoid the bodywork thrown onto the track for the KTM that was limping back along the Dottingahua. They suddenly had to change position because they had to back off. No such problems for Maxi Boot who got past just before the bodywork was spat across the track. Exciting, scary, scary moments for all concerned. The KTM, I think, possibly has now made it up the hill through the final chicane into the pits, but... Uh, Bodywork. I was talking about. I was concerned about shards because of uh, damaged bodywork and broken wheels and things from that KTM. But it was the liner, we think, of the front right wheel arch that suddenly parted company as the bodywork was folded. It most certainly was, Bruce. And I think what's happened there is that the, uh, the KTM has had. Looks like it's got some front end damage, uh, and it's it's split either side the front so the uh, it's, it's hit the, I think he's hit the back of something else just push the bodywork back and then split it and that's caused the inner liners to go etc etc because both sides of the, above the wheel arches are damaged but uh, it looks like it head on I'm suspecting he's actually tapped the back of another car and it's the Teichmann racing car well all three in the class are Teichmann but it's number 930 Griezmann Reinhard Koffler and uh, yeah. Erkan Osman but uh, see the accident but luckily there was no further accident but they very much easily could have been with the bodywork coming off that lives to fight yeah. another day but the other day is not today they'll have to wait until the 11th and 12th of July for well, according to his crash on it's James Hunt getting out of the car so it is <laughs> time travel Pro- genuine genuine homage there um, maybe he too went to Wellington those are the Wellington school <laughs> colours of course just down the road from me so I can tell you, it's, 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 uh, so we can identify that as your Griezmann. I, I, th- I think he's tapped the back of something and folded the front of the car back, which has just split the sides of it, I mean, on impact. Uh, that's what's caused it. It's not just actually a puncture, I think it's an accident, accident-related body damage has caused the puncture, secondary. Uh, whatever it was, that inner wheel arch flew out in front of the leaders. Uh, it didn't affect them too much. The third place car had to dodge around it a little bit, uh, which at that point was the... Um, Valkenhorst BMW now with Jensen at the wheel uh, he did have to jink around it on the track but it uh, hasn't really caused much of a problem that was towards the end of the lap coming off the Nordschleifer uh, but as soon as it got down to the new bit What do you do when you've uh, brought your car back battered and broken to the pits you get on the, on the telephone that's your Griezmann just climbed out of the number 930 uh, KTM crossbow from t- one of the three from Teichmann Racing and uh, Peter and I s- have surmised there was maybe front end contact possibly mm. even coming onto the, the long straight back to the pits bodywork started uh, failing around it and the front left corner one actually presumes he slid a little bit wide and clonked that front left corner on something and then the the flexing led to the damage but the damage could have been far greater bodywork the bodywork uh, wheel arch liner flew across the track right as the leading quartet of cars was coming through but uh, everything went on by and in fact Jorg is even happy enough to wave to the, the TV cameras and uh, as he recovers professional driver the there paddock. straight out James Hunt helmet off onto the phone as you say and cigarette lit cigarette, up and yeah. then wave at the camera yeah. what a pro just needs a, just <laughs> found needs a, all the right just bits just needs a punch up now <laughs> Uh, so so frustration, this is the first round of the championship for them and something has, has gone awry, possibly not their own fault, but that is one of the elements of the Nürburgring Nordschleife. You cannot be sure. And Bruce, it doesn't look like they're doing out. anything to rectify that. It doesn't look like they're going to actually sort that one out. So I think that is game over for our number 930 Reichmann Racing KTM. I think that's out of this race. 
Uh, it's of course just over two hours to go, so they could put it right, but there doesn't appear to be any uh, any interest in doing so. So back at the front, it's, uh, it's across the line. It was Maxi Bug that was in the lead in the uh, Get Speed Mercedes. The 1.3 second advantage over uh, Assenheimer and then Beretta in the other Mercedes. Beretta in the Phoenix Racing Audi uh, R8. And then we had uh, Muller in the other Audi car collection and Valkenhorst Motorsport Jensen in the M6. Uh, rounding out the top five. That, of course, changed and shuffled around the moment we said it, of course, as it does, as is the want, two or three corners later. Uh, we're waiting to go back to where they are at the moment. That's across the line, according to our screen, that's where they were. Just to put a, an, an idea into perspective, there are top five cars. 1.3, 1.3, 1.5, and 1.7 seconds as they cross the line. And that's as they cross the line on a straight line bit. Then they got into the twitty bits and battle re-engaged. But what keeps coming back round to me is the fact that uh, Assenheimer's second stint, the car with which he dominated the opening stint, that gave his best part of 10 seconds clear, maybe helped by the fact that uh, the number two Mercedes was fighting in behind, in behind uh, with the 34 BMW, but it was an astonishingly big lead. But uh, his second stint has not been kind <laughs> to him. And uh, could have been a whole lot worse with that bodywork. Opal Manta into the pits. We can still say. Yes, I saw it there, and I thought after my last comments, when I when I overate it, I oversold it to you and said it was your favourite. I thought I won't mention it, but it's dived into the pits. But obviously, it's your product. The Manta's there. It's all yours, Bruce. It's gone into the pits. It's <laughs> more attractive bodywork. Oh, upsetting people. Oh, that's harsh. The world over. You got away with the first one. I don't think you'll no, get away with that one. No, no. they're going to be trolled now. One likes to <laughs> to dance close to the flames. Mix up. Yes. So we're very nearly at the halfway point in this race. It's been a cracking opening stint, and I think we've, we've had the race leader into the pits. Maxi Book has dived, in, dived into the pits, and Nico Muller, the car collection motorsport 32 Audi, now back in as well. So Patrick Assenheimer leading the race, but only by half a second from the BMW uh, of Mikkel Jensen. Michele Beretta has been in the mix there or thereabouts, but he keeps sort of getting in a pack and then gradually being squeezed to the back of it. He is down in third place, so 13 laps completed and the car that was first and the car that had got up to third place, that was the car collection motorsports, Audi into the pits for their second round of pit stops. And if you weren't listening earlier and you haven't kept up with the news, it's a, an unusual way to go into the pits because they have to turn right under the pit building through garage one through a one-way system with a fast lane and a working area then they do there they do the driver changes then and any, anything else they need to change like tires and then they dive into the pits and have a refueling they have to come back into the pit lane and refuel once there so maxi book out of the race leading car fabian schiller hasn't driven that yet raffaele marcello started in that and suddenly those that stayed on the track for one further lap it's the Morgan Horse Motorsport BMW right now on the tail of the race leading car from HRT, the Mercedes, started by Patrick Assenheimer. Oh, what a great uh, person to put on board after him. He's got Mauro Engel, but certainly Assenheimer so successful in what was the VLN, now the NLS. And uh, let's see how it unfolds the rest of the race. Interesting there, the body language of Maxi Boot. Maybe he was trying to make sure that door shut properly for his, the driver that's taken it over but it almost looked like a <laughs> petulant slab you know that drivers do when all hasn't gone that way but he got into the lead so I say it did go his way it wasn't soft close was it? no 
Now, interestingly, that, uh, we're talking about lap times a little bit earlier. Um, Michael Jensen in the 34 Vulcan Horse BMW. Last lap, 8 minutes, 8.473. Which was a tenth of a second slower than the car, car, car he was chasing, Correct. but it means that was an uninterrupted lap. Correct. No yellow zones. And actually, if you, did, if you did a chart of their lap times, most series it's fairly uniform, going up and yep. down according to Tarlow. But in here, it can jump by huge margins. But then again, that's part of the success of keeping the track clear. Running cars uh, that we have obviously just done there. Phase one, as we call it, of the pit stop, as in into the paddock, through the garages into the paddock, as, as Bruce has just described, through their driver change, back out again. Second driver then brings it out into the second phase for the refueling in the pit lane. Uh, they're being done as we speak now. Number two, yellow. Mercedes sitting in the pit lane being fueled and right behind it uh, is the car that's also behind it on track which is the uh, Muller driven number 32 car collection Audi R8 sitting right behind so these two actually are in position on track as well so they should they should just re-engage battle all things being equal yeah, but, but uh, of course that never happens though does it that's no, what time. should happen but it won't we, we've had shuffling in the pits and uh, it, does, it does seem quite hard for that, that to have happened but uh, certainly several drivers that first round of pit stops who the order was yeah. reversed not by an enormous amount but um, I think in answer to our question we had earlier a little bit of intel I think from uh, regarding pit stops and uh, or more to the point penalties I think they're being added at the end of the race time only not nothing no drive throughs nothing like that during the race because of all the uh, precautions and whatever in place uh, so they'll just be added at the end should there be the case we just had that question earlier didn't we about why that pit was so long for, for this very car actually the uh, Aston Harman Mercedes sitting there. Sorry, the, um, uh, the Get Speed Mercedes. So they're waiting to go out of the pits. They will rejoin the uh, Opel Manta. Uh, very rare to get a chance to mention it because uh, Bruce tends to hog that because of his absolute love of that car. But the Opel Manta, I'll just say it again while I can, uh, is in the pit lane being refuelled. And I'm sure when that leaves uh, the pits that uh, Bruce will be ecstatic upon its return to the track. I'm bracing myself. <laughs> so, to refresh... The first set of cars from the top class of the race, from the top ten runners, we have three of them having ref being refuelled in the pits. Maxi Book led the race, came in, and some of the cars further back in the SP9 class still flashing past for a further lap. But Patrick Assenheimer, he will get to the halfway point in this race in 15 seconds from now. But this will be his in-lap, one would presume, leading the race, but only by half a second at the start of the lap. Team HRT Mercedes Walken Horse Motorsport with the BMW that's been there or thereabouts. That's a really good battling. And uh, Michael Jensen is uh, building on the work of David Pittard. That's in second place. Michele Barretta in the Phoenix Racing Audi number 15 in third. They should be in this time around. Kim Lewis Strand in the opening stint in that. And Barretta had a very good second stint too. So Audi very, very much in the mix. But then again, we'll see how they knit in with the number two Mercedes that's in the pits at the moment and the number five. 32 Audi from Car Collection Motorsport. They're still at a standstill waiting for the thumbs up to get going and whoever's in the number two Mercedes seems to have been changing the cassette at that moment and they failed to heed the go signal for a couple of seconds but that's actually pulled out a bit of an advantage over the number 32 Audi which was pretty close behind it when it came yeah, into exactly. the pits. 
it seems much as the number two's first pit stop was a slow one, or the refueling part of it, uh, seems to be the case for the 32 car. But they, they, they were 0.6 a second apart when they came in. Huge difference. Well, what of course you don't know is how, how much fuel they wanted to put in and how they're going to run, how long this next stint is going to be. Because we've got one further pit stop uh, for these runners. Back on the track, moving around a bit. To looking for position, just not wanting to be blocked as the driver gets up to speed. Of course, the tyres are pretty cold. Track conditions warming up through the day. It was, uh, it was uh, grey at the start of the race, a little flurry of rain. That went away soon, and it's been a fine day rather than, per se, a sunny day. Yeah, it's a but a dry track is what they really wanted today as drivers readjust those that went over to the sim racing, I'm not saying to the dark side, another side. <laughs> you just did. Am I? Oh, I did. Damn. So there we have it. But, uh, you know, they're readjusting. And for them, it's what it's all about. And, and uh, some of the drivers commented how they, they actually were really happy to hit the bumps in the circuit, uh, <laughs> you know, on the surface. And um, That's the one thing with the sim racing or the digital racing, whatever you want to call it, there is absolutely no, none of the physicality despite the feedback of the wheels and things these days, it's not quite the same. It's never going to be the same. Fabian Schiller in that number two uh, Mercedes now, and uh, we're still slightly uh, bemused as to what's happened in the pit stop there, because those two cars came in, that and the Audi, the number 32 Audi car collection. Uh, it's got uh, uh, Frins at the wheel now. That was, um, again, a change of driver. Uh, Robin Fringe in the car now. It was Muller that brought the car in, wasn't it, originally? Yeah. Yeah, brought the car in. So Nico Muller, so change of driving cost to Fringe. But they were 0.6 of a second apart. Uh, and then there was a, I dread to think what it is now, it's, a, it's a, a more than a visual gap, as in the Mercedes went out of the pits and we didn't see the Audi moving at all. I expected them to go out together virtually in tandem. And you say, re-engage, yeah, that battle recommence. OK, Assenheimer coming up surely for his pit stop. He's got a car between himself and, and Mikkel Jensen, between him and Mikkel Jensen. Jensen dives to the pits, but Assenheim is going for one further lap. So that's a very interesting tactic. Don't forget, he did. That's 14 laps on the board, so this is going to be an eight lap stint. Seven and an eight. Unless my eyes have gone. Nope. Jensen's in the pits. Well, that's quite quick, isn't it? The been out. In the pits. Jensen in the Falcon Horse. Uh, no, no, that's, that's fine. It's the end of it's okay. two seven lap stints. But the interesting thing to me is Assenheimer going to make a seven followed by an eight. Was he slow? He wasn't even. He, he did. Oh, hold on, of course. He had to put more fuel in to do that extra lap in his second stint. That yeah, is why that's, Maxi that's, Book, who pitted a lap before him right, at the end it. of the first stint, start of the second, was able to get past him. So that is the extra time at the standstill. We're talking about the steering lock earlier there. Look, look how he had to Jensen had to swing that car all the way over the right to, to negotiate the roundabout there. The number 34. Um, BMW, Falcon Horse, BMW. Goes round its roundabout with its uh, long, enormous turning circle. Long, rigid. long ago, I think it was the first series, 2005-2006 of A1GP, oh. we went to Beijing and we had a circuit set up in an industrial estate <laughs> and it was, a, it was a very tight hairpin. Sounds very Caesar's Palace. <laughs> exactly. And, um, and then the local security force said the concrete barriers which had been put on the, the curbs to mark it out had to be in the road to put them in the road and then the cars didn't have enough turning lock to get around the corner and they had to kick the tail around fantastic kick turning in the middle of a race 
So all the storage drivers have done really well in that then, wouldn't they? It's just, yes. just been their home ground. <laughs> yes, that was, uh, uh, and again, one of those classic races where they had to um, glue the manhole covers down. Ah, uh, one of those, you know, right. So manhole covers and racing cars aren't a good combination. They're not a great deal, no. Uh, 34 returning out to its phase two of its pit stop, going out, done the uh, driver change, and we have uh, 99 in now as well. One of the other BMWs, which is... Uh, find it. Uh, Row Racing. That's the Enger car, isn't it? Philip Enger car, just coming in. Only two drivers in that at the moment. So it's going to be a change of driver to uh, Nick Katzberg. Number 34, the other BMW we can see now has just done its uh, onto its second phase now, having its refuelling uh, in the pit lane. Talk, talking refuelling, it's always good to go straight to the Oracle. And uh, Paul Truswell, <laughs> the great, has just pointed out, it was a longer pit stop for the 32 Audi than the number two Mercedes. So the minimum pit stop time was longer. So there we are. That, that is how it all works. It's, I always find this quite hard to keep up with during the heat of a race, but it's good to have a, a keen pair of eyes looking, looking at the data for us. So Patrick Assenheimer staying on for this lap. Has he got enough fuel? I'm not trying to put drama in this race. He's got plenty enough of that, but of course doing a seven and an eight lap stint means he's coming in a lap after the bulk of his rivals. But bear in mind, some came in after 13 laps. Most after 14, but uh, the team HRT with so much experience. And don't forget, Assenheimer was one of the uh, winning lineup in this very event last year and had a considerably successful season last year in the SP9 class and uh, really was the form man or the man who tended to be there at the finish with his car working the occasion better than anyone else. But as we know around the circuit, we just had a, a quick code 60 at Schwalbach Schwanz every lap time has the potential to vary by 15 seconds or so according to what is happening on the track ahead or more to the point, the track just round the corner. And one thing that always appeals to me when I look at uh, a high shot looking down the Her Act and at other points on the circuit, but notably there, as you can see the public road alongside. People I know. just wending off down to the shops <laughs> and suddenly... And the, long sh the foreshortening effect of the long shot really doesn't make the cars look as fast as they are. But if you compare the pace of the cars down that straight, it's just extraordinary. KTM still in the race, but obviously not the 9.30 from Teichmann Racing we lost before. One of the sister cars coming up to the end of another lap. Rather blocking the Seat Cooper tucked in behind. Or the Cooper Cooper, as we call it now, of course. Yes. So, Cooper, Cooper, uh, runners. Cooper. just want to see what the last lap time was for uh, our race leader, Patrick Assenheimer, and 8 minutes 14. So, that was a very good ballpark lap. Hard to compare to those around it because most of them included slowing down to enter the pit lane. But when I say the pit lane, I mean the pit lane, the paddock, the pit lane. It's the sequence <laughs> they have to do for their pit stops. So, with the variable pit stop minimum times according. How long stint is Patrick Astenheimer still waiting to come in to make his second stint? And with more than half the race done, he will be uh, reporting to the coffee tent shortly. He should have completed his driving. And conditions getting better and better. We've got uh, high cloud now, but it's a bright blue sky day. And it's great to be back racing, to hear the tyre squeal as the Cupra goes through the infield section. Very nice livery, sort of... Um, 
gold, grey and white for the 806 Cupra. And that's, as I flick through my entry list, is in the TCR class, no, no kidding. That's Heiko Hamill and uh, Matthias Vassel for the Matilda Racing Team, firm, staunch fans of the NLS. Asenheimer still to come in to serve that second pit stop. And he'll hand over to Mauro Engel to do the remainder of the race. He too will do a double stint and the yellow Phoenix Racing Audi moving away from the pits. Is that going to come out? It's going to come out very all oh, but level with the number two Mercedes. But as before, the number two Mercedes pitted a lap or so ahead of its rivals. And for the new driver at the wheel, which is Fabian Schiller, he's got into turn one and out of turn one in his yellow Mercedes, while the yellow Audi only now is exiting turn one. Again, it always looks much closer than it really is because the car's coming down the pit straight clearly at full racing speed. And on the wider line, they can take a faster line through that first turn and that inimitable rumble of the AMG Mercedes. Still one of my Very distinctive, isn't it? Right, Very still one distinctive. of my favourite sounds. And there was a period in uh, the World Championship in Formula One where the best sounding car of the whole weekend was the Mercedes safety car that went around. It had the most, you know, best rumble of the lot. It's almost bass, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, full, full on guttural. So waiting for the black Mercedes with the white and uh, slightly red Markings on its flank, I think, probably coming down the Hoa Act about now. All eyes drawn to the, the battling BMWs. 325 eyes, just uh, so much fun getting in close to each other. Always seems to be a team adrenaline. Pixum Motorsport, the orange and blue livery BMWs, right in the thick of the mix. Battle with these last year, didn't we? Of um, that BMW by the M2s last yeah. year, just as extraordinary. It was a, one of the major features of the race. There, these two having a good old, good old run down there. So waiting for sight of Patrick Assenheimer, number six Mercedes. If he comes down the start, finish straight one, feels he will have dropped a big one because he needs to be going into the pits. Uh, the BMW battle of which we speak is in the V4 production class as ever, and it's 701, the Pixum cars. Christopher Rink, Danny Brink, and Philip Lyson, big pairing from last year, and Brink and Brink, I think, the year before that as well, fighting with uh, the 707 entry, which is just in front of them. But now, as they catch up or got onto the tail of one of the uh, SP9 Ferraris, suddenly, advantage for 707. 707 was curtailed and that allows 701. Well, that was our 26 car from the beginning. It was suddenly coming back through the field, wasn't it? They didn't catch it. He's just shot through there and uh, uh, unlatched himself on that one. That's the uh, number 26 car that we... So he dropped down to uh, 40th, didn't it, at that point? He came back up to at least 14th. Um. Just, just want to point out, Assenheimer has finally uh, come into the pits. So that was a seven-lap stint and then an eight-lap stint. He's doing things differently. He's doing things quickly as well, so it must be slightly concerning for, for the rivals because obviously that would now be a lighter fuel load uh, going in. Therefore, Ego's a different pit length time. But uh, for Asenheimer, his day is, is run. We have an hour and 47 minutes remaining in this race. Mauro Engel, charge to you to see if you can give a, a debut victory on the debut of the new racing team. Team HRT, the Haupt Racing Team, 
Paul Breslin at the helm of that, but uh, at the helm of the car would be Mauro Engel of that number six Mercedes. Just to finish on the, the Ferrari bit there, Bruce, that we mentioned earlier, the, the Octane 126 car that uh, had got back up to 14th, obviously pit stop and driver change. That's now in the hands of Luca Ludwig and is now in, uh, in 19th. That's the SP9 class Octane car. Um, he's got a little bit, it's two places to go, per 17, two places ahead is the uh, next car, that's the uh, Manthe, Mante Racing 911, car number 911, as we know. That's in the hands of Kern now, but that's uh, a little bit way up the road there. But that was the car we just saw shooting past the two BMWs. But I, I still, I'd still say, despite a driver change there, we've got, uh, what, hour and 46 minutes to go, so just under two hours to go. Uh, Luca Ludwig in charge of that car now. Uh, I, I would still keep an eye on that car being... I, I think it's all things being equal. Uh, <laughs> appreciate that's a, it's a, a broad comment, but I think all being equal, that car will be comfortably in the top ten. Quite a, quite a bold well, one. Well, it, it came up to 14th before, don't forget. It got back to 14th already. I, I think it'll get in the top 10. There we go. That's my, that's my, uh, my prediction okay. for the afternoon. Okay, that's good to go. <laughs> I just noticed another, another team has, has taken... Frickadelli Racing Team has also gone for a 7 and an 8 because uh, Lance David Arnold had just pitted. So much like Team HRT, Arnold has done that as well. Christian Engelhardt, they, they too have done that. So I hadn't spotted Engelhardt, was about to come in in the Falcon Motorsport Porsche. So they're doing things differently, those three teams. But Assenheimer should be pretty much in the lead or close to the lead when he comes out. But the rivals Arnold and Engelhardt, their cars will be further back. So, of those still out on the circuit, Mikkel Jensen leading towards the North Motorsport BMW. Don't forget, uh, he was uh, not that far, their car was not that far behind Assenheimer when they decided to make the second pit stop. So, we've got to wait around this 24.5 kilometre circuit uh, for the cars to come back round to let us really know their positions. But uh, certainly, it's been a very, very impressive run from Team HRT. Those, those top four cars, I appreciate um, timing-wise. Um, 807, 812, 813, 813. Pretty close there for uh, the Frickadelli Falcon and Hoover cars. Hoover is uh, obviously a uh, SB9 Pro-Am car, as is the Frickadelli car. But it's still that standout time for that uh, Assenheimer number six HRT Mercedes leading with an 8.07.677 fastest lap of the race so far. And in fact, a third car from the, the top class from SP9 Pro-Am entry number 25, the Huber Motorsport uh, Porsche, one of our camera cars. That too has gone 15 laps by the, as it comes in for its second pit stop. So it's not just Team HRT that are trying that tactic, an unusual tactic, but uh, they're doing it from the advantage of being right at the sharp end of the race. The other ones just around who've done it just outside the top 10. So maybe your Ferrari prediction will come, but I still think they will be just the wrong side <laughs> of that. Okay. We'll be having a discussion in two hours' time, won't we? We'll be having a sandwich in two hours' time. <laughs> 979 still going really, really well. That's in uh, the last page of our notes. That's Cup 3 class, but Peter Turting had a 
sorry, Peter Dutton's not in that car. It's uh, Dawson Young and Moritz Kratz. Again, Moritz Kratz, a uh, very successful racer on the Nürburgring. For Mulder Motorsport, they've been going very, very well indeed. Slow zone on uh, uh, X Muller. Right out on the far side just before we get down there. <coughs> the run down to Bergwerk. So we'll keep an eye on what that's, uh, what that's going to be. So cars are still diving in and out of the pits. I've just been sending some information I'm trying to digest, which is the length of the pit stop time according to the race laps completed yes. at your first and second pit stops. But the later you come in, the longer you have to be at a standstill. I think that's the synopsis, but I as the rink car makes it into the pits. And the open mantle just coming back from the back. That wasn't in that long ago, was it? Not that long ago, no. It's the most identifiable car in the race in so many ways. It's the only one of its ilk, and it's white and it's red, and has been so uh, ever, ever since uh, a very long time ago. But to my reckoning, unless the race is just accelerating, um, that might have been a shorter. Would it be his second stint coming for its uh, third stop? But Mauro Engel, having gone back out, taken over from Aschenheimer. Fabian Schiller, third driver into the number two Mercedes yep. from Get Speed to Performance. Um, started by Raffaele Marcello, Maxi Book put it up into the lead of the race. And Fabian Schiller pressing on. Very, very strong driver line up there. It's uh, nice to see, whenever you see wave flags, it's nice to see the big blue ones because it's warning the drivers a faster car is coming up. So they're almost perpetual around the driver car doing the overtaking down the Herak there was the Manti Rello green and yellow livery Porsche but they do need a helping hand when there are gaggles of cars on, the, on that long long straight back to the pits they want to be sure that uh, everyone up ahead having their own battle does see them but uh, we like wave blue flags we like uh, white uh, we like green flags showing a, a, a section that's been tidied up has been cleared for racing all over again and, uh, for some of these drivers they'll be looking for the checkered flag but not for another hour and 40 minutes really has turned it's a great day to be racing again on the Nordschleife here on RS1 it's me Bruce Jones and Peter Snow just loving the fact that cars are on track again it's what we're about and for everyone concerned it's uh, a delight that we've got this far and hopefully we will now have a rock solid season through until the end of the year this is the first of eight rounds of the Nord NLS and we've got a double header weekend the 11th and 12th of July for rounds two and three so it's good to be racing again. How much motorsport can you take? Double header of, of uh, I nearly said VLN then, but NLS. You're quite right. I've done so well. I've got, I've got yeah, over halfway. That's I've got over halfway. That's, that's not too bad. <laughs> but uh, it just keeps you're so aware that when the drivers are out on the circuit, the team is not just about the drivers. For everyone involved, it's being involved in what they love as well. For a, the race engineers, the mechanics, to the team gopher, and obviously strictures according to the social distancing that is required, but we've seen this ingenious concept of going into the paddock just to meet your team and then into the pit lane after that to get your refueling done.
the Rover Racing BMW has not been the prime BMW in this race. That really goes to the 34 Walken Horse Motorsport crew. But every time it looks though it's going the way of Mercedes, it seems the others find it a chance to make their move and get back in the mix all over again. Because certainly in terms of outright speed in the early stage of the race, it looks like Mercedes, particularly down the long straight, her act had the legs. I mean, they grunt her out of that final chicane onto the start-finish straight. But Whereas around the back of the track, which is the majority of the track, the BMW seemed a little bit more wieldy. But that was the, po that was the point, though. The BMW was, was quick over sort of half to two-thirds of the lap, but not the rest. Whereas the Mercedes had that consistency, just had that nice, consistent, it's got a rhythm, it's got a pace, and it can do it everywhere, which has got to be a, a well-sorted race car. Um, as you say, unwieldy is a great way of putting it. It's just a little bit of mid-corner instability that, that the Falconhurst BMW just didn't look as settled and as solid and as planted as uh, perhaps the Mercedes. Looks like it had to be worked a fair bit harder. Look, 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 a bit of a handful. Certainly the way um, uh, Pittard was driving it in the first end, and he did a fantastic job and didn't put a foot wrong, uh, don't get me wrong, but it, was, it certainly looked like he was, he was working hard to get that, that time out of that car. I mean, to an extent, it looked as though he, he was decided he had an early advantage and he wanted to grab yeah. it yeah. Uh, whereas the others he thought they're settling into a seven lap stint which was proven as you said by, by how far down the order that the next M6 BMW was which was some about 14th or something wasn't it yeah and at, at the, the moment point. just waiting for that final batch of, well not the final the penultimate batch of pit stops and the, the Rover Racing BMW is well effectively another 10 about 7 places behind but it's about to suddenly be slightly adjusted as the last of the cars come out of the pits from their, their latest round of pit stops. They've, uh, all the front-running cars in SP9, the top class, have made their second pit stop right now. You're right. I know you've been talking about digital racing, e-racing, i-racing, uh, online, whatever the terminology you want to use, but uh, I know they've got good sounds and whatever that, but as you said, real sounds there. As you said in the background, in the headset, just seeing that Mercedes coming down and hearing, just hearing it down, a couple of downshift, and in the background, in the headset, as we're talking away, that lovely, deep bass roar of that, of that Mercedes engine it's again into turn one it's just like oh and as you say in reality if you played it to me in, in a, over a set of cans and said here's digital here's whatever could I tell the difference no but because we're looking at it it's that perception because we know it's a real engine out there firing on those cylinders it's got real petrol going through it and a real person driving it not sitting in a, in a chair I'm not knocking that no, no. but it's just that it's that perception and maybe maybe that's what it's all about it's that, it's that atmosphere isn't it uh, talking of atmosphere one of the things I, I always feel with VLN before the LLS from now on and bring that Lanks record series is a sound you will also hear in the paddock afterwards is <laughs> <laughs> because the coke can's being opened beer, that's yeah what's wrong? the it's, Fanta it's and not good for your teeth you have to have beer <laughs> beer is food but no uh, every beer is a sandwich and all that <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I, I think that's something we don't necessarily always discuss yeah. but for some of the drivers this is the only championship they do yeah and this is their social life. A lot of their social life is they're racing eight or nine times together per year. And you've got everything yeah. crammed into a bit of testing one day and then racing the next day. Some only turn up for the Saturday. But there is a really good scene with a lot of people who've known each other and become friends, possibly racing in entirely different classes, might only see each Absolutely. other when they wave as they go Absolutely. past. Absolutely. It's a everyone, every lap you do at the Nürburgring on the North Shrine is an adventure of some sort. It's like talking to someone after, after a morning skiing. Everybody's got a bit of a moment they've had. <laughs> You can see the appeal, can't you? To say same circuit, and it's not—it's not like we're going going to a small, tiny circuit. I'm not going to name anyway, because that would be unfair. But we're going to a circuit of such magnitude and history, corners, elevation changes, contours—you name it. 
very high speed at parts of it as well. Um, so it's, 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 it's a circus that travels. And people get to meet them, people, I'm sure, the network and business, as well as social side of it. Um, and great for the uh, tourism of the area as well, and the popularity, you know, the hotels and all the other tra- associated trades to have. Now, I know we're uh, um, closed doors at the moment, and I appreciate that as a non-spectator uh, for the moment, but that will change, it will come back, and I think it will come back relatively quickly. I've got a feeling on that, that I think possibly, I think things could be quite different in a month's time. I'm not predicting anything, I don't know anything, but I suspect in a month's time, things could be quite different. Let's hope so. I, yeah. I share your optimism, and I, as I say, I'm a perpetual optimist, but um, it does seem things are going in the right direction. But let's hope people just you know, stay sensible. But the way this meeting has been set up, it's been done in an eminently sensible way, looking at the people doing the tyre changes, yeah, the, the whatever. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, from, they've from thought what, this through. From what we've witnessed so far, Bruce, I would say that it's, it's a very, very good example and a, a foundation as to... How, the sport, how to come out of this this pandemic, and it's uh, yes, there's going to be some fine tuning. Of course, there is. We wouldn't expect anything less. But I think overall, it's in terms of percentage, it's a very high number of. That's a pretty good template to how to start our motorsport activities again in a safe, sensible, controlled uh, manner. Bodywork on the side of the track at her act. Never as good. The race leader comes through, and it's. Uh it's uh, Maro Engel and about what two seconds further back is Fabian Schiller so it's the black Mercedes ahead of the yellow Mercedes as it was before but that's been um, we wanted to see which was the better tactic seven laps followed by seven laps or seven laps followed by eight that made the second pit stops and the answer seems to be seven laps followed by eight but extrapolated back the other way after the first stint there was a 9.7 second gap between these two Mercedes and just waiting for the second of those cars to cross the start finish line and I think you'll see the gap is rather less than that. Let's see what it is. It's uh, when you can tighten screens to refresh. Marrow angle. Oh, I can't quite see, I'm afraid, on that one. No, Fabian Schiller, 3.5 seconds. So maybe it's coming the way of the car that says race taxi. Oh, right, that would be. <laughs> Wouldn't it just? Wouldn't uh, pay for that fare. That's the Get Speed Performance Mercedes, <laughs> the yellow one. They have many cars in this race. Very distinctive colours. Does stand out well. In the thick of some of the lower class cars or slower ones as it fiddles its way through onto the uh, GP circuit loop. Uh, shortly going back out onto uh, the Nordschleife. But one thing I always find remarkable in this series is because people respect the circuit. You're a fool if you don't. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's just actually these cars, very, very few of them are sporting any bodywork damage. The car in second yeah. place, all we've commented on its bodywork is a bit of rubber strip that's come loose. Yeah. Now it appears to have flown away or fallen under the bonnet. So a tiny bit on the KTM, which uh, we're yeah. not quite sure what happened there. Uh, and it, again, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly catastrophic. It just, just appeared to have ended their race uh, in that sense, but it just knocked the car, was driven back to the pits, and there was uh, some front end damage. And uh, so we've just seen a, what looked like a, a front bumper or something off a, uh, probably a, an M2 or something, I think it looked like potentially on the track there which uh, might simply have come loose because there was no, no evidence of uh, any other detritus on the track or damage to the car or whatever so it might just have come off uh, but we will see but so far so good we are just coming up to an hour and a half to go Bruce unbelievably yes that's uh, just a whole, the whole Grand Prix length to go yeah <laughs> well they start next weekend for the Red Bull Ring one of two races there so Europe 
appears to be the home of Formula 1 for the majority of the rest of the year, certainly as they try and sort their calendar. Now, I just need clarification on the timing screen. I would need you to look at the little tracker map to your left, because um, unless I've misunderstood That's something... Little is the operative word, Bruce, because <laughs> there's so many numbers on there. It's, just, it's like ants just yes. all the way round. Like, pick a number, really? Yes. <laughs> well, simply because I, I was trying to gauge on the timing screen why... Michael Jensen in the Walken Horse Motorsport BMW is listed 14 seconds to the good ahead of Mario Engel. We know Engel and Schiller are fighting on the track, three and a half seconds apart. And Jensen hasn't come in um, in the space of the last lap and done anything odd. I'm just quickly flicking to check that's the case. No, they've all done two pit stops. Leon Kohler actually seems to have done an eight lap by an eight lap. He's only done win one pit stop. He's leading the race in the number 39 Ferrari entered by Racing One, but he owes us a pit stop. In fact, I'm looking to see if he's uh, about to come in, but uh, he's only done the one stop. That 39 Ferrari, Christian Kohlhaas, Nicola Rogiview, who again did he did the longest first stint, he did an eight lapper, so he did an eight and an eight, I'm sure. And Stefan Kohler, the driver who's at the wheel at the moment set to peel into the pits, but I want to see where the Walken Horse 34 Mercedes, uh, BMW is. Still getting used to the size of cars yeah. being worked on in the paddock. Almost looks like an American race circuit when you can see a concrete barrier in the background. You know, very, very NASCAR, isn't it? NASCAR, yes. jump over the pit yeah. wall. It's been a very interesting return to full metal racing on the Nordschleife. And we've seen some cracking racing in the first stint in particular, with not just cars running close, but changing position several times a lap in the battle for three cars fighting over second place. And really, the story had been the car that had made its break nearly 10 seconds good by, to the good by the time of the first pit stops. That's the number six Mercedes from Team HRT, the team that's sort of risen from, or been paired off from Black Falcon uh, kept the personnel by and large but now HRT stands for Hout Racing Team Hubert Hout part of not the lineup this weekend but part of the ownership and I'm sure he'll be racing later this year they're going to do the GT World Challenge as well now Mr Jones just a little update on uh, our um, I'm not sure it's a sporting bet I'm not sure what quite how to describe it, but our, our Ferrari number 26 uh, with uh, Luca Ludwig at the wheel now, was 19th, is now running as high as 13th. Probably about to gain a further position when that Racing 1 Ferrari comes in, because the Octane 126 car, despite its spin, has been the, the quickest, the fleetest of foot mm. of the Ferrari gang. So I expect those to change, but uh, the car that went for a spin earlier got very delayed, the number 36 Walking Horse Motorsport BMW. The car that was facing backwards just as the cars transitioned onto the Grand Prix loop, and it's down in 42nd position overall. Henry Walkenhorst at the wheel, so it really lost a lot of time. Like I said that that was the problem because the, the spin was fairly innocuous. It was a bit, looks like it was a 180 swap ends and semi beat it on the on on the uh, on the curb there. The thing that seemed to the most interesting part was that the attention of the marshal straight away. He said, "Virgil had yes. to throw his throw his bravos forever to the ground, his yeah. sauerkraut, etc." And it's like, "Whoa, flags, flags! Hang on, I've got yeah. enough hands." And was out on the scene. But of course, then the problem was turning it around, and he couldn't move the car forward because it was driving back towards a blind apex exit, yeah. which nobody wants. And you know that I mean, as a, you just don't want to be doing that. Um, it's one of the few places on the track where your options are so limited. Mm. We talk about it being narrow. Uh, over the curves, onto the grass, into the barriers, but uh, it's super, super narrow. 
just as cars turn left, drivers already thinking about the challenges beyond, like hats and back and other things that uh, and, and bite them on the bottom. A very valid point because you, you do, again, physically, we're talking about uh, digital sound and real sound earlier. It's, it's indiscernible, but we know the difference. We feel the difference. Uh, it, it is, as you say, it's visceral. That bit of going on to that, you, you're suddenly, you've done the GP circuit, and you're suddenly blatting left, going up the gears, and you're suddenly launching yourself mentally onto the Nordschleife. And all of a sudden, there's a car there. It's, it, it, it's a, a different way of thinking. It's not just a corner. Bodywork still, still sitting there, on, the, on I know. The, the run from her act. Racing one Ferrari, presumably, well, pale blue car flashing towards the end of what will be its... 17th lap, hold on a second. It's a slippery surface flag out that as well, which I'm guessing just means it's an obstacle actually rather than an actual slippery surface. Um. So Stefan Kohler leading the race, only one pit stop to his name, so surely that will go to the pits. Indeed, the Ferrari peels off, so waiting to see who comes through next because my query was on my timing screen, admittedly set some eight minutes ago. Mikkel Jensen was 14 seconds the good over Maro Engel. Fabian Schiller in third. We saw Schiller and Engel very close to each other. And she's right, the other Ferrari into the pits, 39, as you predicted. Hardly Nostradamus, one feels, but uh, nevertheless accurate. Unusual to see a Ferrari in that sort of pale to mid blue livery. Yes. Checkered effect over it. Peeling through the paddock, find where to be, and are we have sight of the Walken Horse Motorsport BMW. So this has stolen a massive, massive advantage. Mm. However, its uh, latter stints are going to be longer stints. So one more pit stop to make, the third pit stop in this four-hour race. But sitting on a lead. Okay, remember that it was 14.3 seconds because it's done things differently to the long-running HRT Mercedes up to the final sequence of corners onto the start finish straight no danger of going into the pits but how big is its lead no one around it no other the sp9 rivals to be seen other cars still diving into the pits including the car that's been uh, the Cayman that's been going so well in the cup three class i'm surmising that uh, david pittard will probably have the concluding stint in this car uh, no i think christian cronyas be doing that. It's a three-driver entry in 34. Cronus, who won the Spa 24 hours in uh, yeah. 2018, I think. Pittard started, and we've had Jensen in ever since. Unless I have lost my. I think you're right. No, I think I think you're right, Bruce. Yeah. It was a great opening stint there from uh, David Pittard in that car. And sort of, you say we he did he did appear to, uh, from our layman's eyes, if you like, take some risks, but it all appeared to pay off as well. Uh, and certainly uh, the benefits of that have been that what he, what he sowed in that early stint of the race now certainly seems to have been reaped as we speak now. But OK, the pace that Michael Jensen showed that time around, uh, he's gained him an advantage. He's, got, he's gone from 14.3 to 15.6 seconds, the advantage to the Walken Horse Motorsport team. And uh, Are they heading for their biggest win since they, they won that Spa 24 hours in 2018 with Cronyers at the wheel on the day? I do. I still remember Henry Walken Horse, he did he. He, he knew he wanted to celebrate, but you know when, after a 24-hour race, when your emotions are really just ragged, yes, <laughs> you can see he, he, he was overcome with emotion. And, you know, a lot of us, we live through their reaction as well. Absolutely. And it was fabulous. And, and you know, what, what a top result for the team then. And certainly put them in, very much in the good books of BMW. 
you know, for, for years it's been the Rover racing team that sort of waved the BMW flag with most vigour, but uh, that was uh, an exceptional performance. Spa, of course, Spa, even more so than here, you've always got that uh, spectre of the weather at that time. Ah. Tom Blomqvist and Philip Eng sharing with Christian Cronius. Christian, who um, is, effect is effectively the am, very much the am in that, in that line-up. I remember he was asked, um, so you, you're going to be staying and, and um, celebrating? He goes, no, I've got to go home. I work in a timber business. I'm back in Oslo tomorrow. Yes, yeah. So, still yellow flags popping in and out. One at Metzler's Felt. Uh, it's been uh, a slow zone there, and a yellow flag at Adenauer first. So, still incidents happening around the track. The Octane 126 Ferrari. Oh dear, I'm struggling now. It's into 10th place. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, there's, there's, there's an hour and 20 to go yet. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not counting anything just yet. So let's give you a rundown on the order. 34, Walken Horse Motorsport leading the way by 15.6 seconds. That's Mikkel Jensen ahead of Maro Engel in the HRT Mercedes that looked to have had from the outset this race in the bag. It may yet be in a super, super strong position. But uh, the teams are doing things differently. We saw this in the digital NLS series. Uh, people took very, very different sequences of laps. And then as the championship got to warmer weather, mm -hmm. Suddenly, the difference between a track temperature of uh, 34 degrees and one of 40 plus degrees uh, absolutely made them start throw away all their tactics and uh, work their race strategy very, very differently. And again, it's another point of emphasis about the, the, the realistic nature, the stupendously realistic nature of uh, sim racing now and the DNLS series done with VCO. Uh, Really, really tip top. I thought, I thought it was fantastic. Slow zone. Now up. No, sorry. Now code 60 at Metzger's Felt. Can't tell you who has taken a tumble or why the car is sitting where it is. But Metzger's Felt, of course, we've gone through Admiral Forest. Those twisters beyond. Actually, that's a bit ridiculous. So in the twisters beyond, that could describe almost any, any section of any the part of the driver. circuit, apart from the pit straight. Really, talk about a cover all. Even the pits <laughs> are twisty now. You have to go into the paddock. Oh, something I've seen something on the track there. Okay. Off on the right, next to the Falcon. Uh, six, six nine four, apparently. That is the car off at Metzger's Felt. Scrabble for the enormous entry list. We can tell you that 694 is team, in the Cup 5. Avias. Yeah, nope. Team Avias or Rensport, the 240i Racing Cup. Yes. I don't know who's in that at the moment. Well, not at the moment. Probably out of it by now. Yeah. Quite possibly. So, let's see happening. Sort of add now Forest through to Metzger's Felt. So, Code 60 being extended backward around the track or closer to the drivers as they approach. Debris still on the track there. I'm surprised that we haven't had a marshal that's just on the other side of the fence there. Just at least go and I suppose it's a very it's on a brow, isn't it? We really, yeah. don't really want to put a marshal at safety there, standing out on the track on a brow, blind brow. So God, that'll be the answer why. But from, from our camera angle, just, just very quickly looking, at, looking back, as you say, it's quite elevated. It looks easy to, to go and just, why don't somebody go and shift that? In reality, just thinking about it, yeah, yeah, on track, physicality on there, no, very different. You don't want to be sending a. I think if it was digital, we could send a digital marshal out, that would be fine. <laughs> but not, not a real one. Good to report. Track clear now at Adenauer Force, so that, that uh, slow zone has been shifted. Um, 
62, Peter Turting, dominating the yep. SP7 class, using all his years of ex experience, sharing with uh, Oris Grants and Marcel Hopper. So the H&R Spezial Fedden. Well, of course it's a Porsche. It's the, it's the class for the 911, sorry, 991 GT3 Cup class, cars, and uh, making it look very easy indeed. In fact, he's as high as 16th overall. So again, just showing they run a different uh, number of uh, pit stops by and large. But Peter has also had two, so in fact, he's matching the pit stops of those in front. Okay, who's set the fastest lap of the race so far? No, it's not the car you were thinking of. It's not the HRT Mercedes. It's the Ferrari from Octane 126. Oh, what did that tell you? Peter is looking as though well, <laughs> you want to slap his face. <laughs> Well, there's nothing new there, Bruce. <laughs> that's, that's just because the Ferrari's mentioned now, but well, there you go. So that's uh, that's interesting. What they say, you could see Luke, it with your eyes. Luke and Ludwig doing a great job there. They say 807651. That's got the car into the top ten, but uh, yeah, we've still got an hour and 18 to go. So um, we'll just keep an eye on that. See how that one pans out. But good job so far. Certainly recovered from being down into at least 40th that we, we, we noticed on the screen, but possibly what, lower. But, but what, we, what we saw was the fact that he wasn't just 40th, he was a long way behind the car in 39th. Yeah. Yes. So it, you could say he had a clear track to go and play on, but um, he had to press on. But then, as we saw, the front cars were already lapping after two laps, so um, you never get it for long. First to second, Mikkel Jensen for Walkman Horse Motorsport. 15.6 seconds to the good the start of this lap over Maro Engel in the number six HRT Mercedes that started from pole position, started in the hands of Patrick Asselheim, he did the first stint, did the second second stint. Uh, my maths dictates the fact that uh, Maro Engel will do the third, which he's doing now, and the fourth, and bring it through to the end of this first of the four-hour races in the 2020 Nürburgring Langstrecken series. Such a popular series, even more popular this year because we're going racing again. We're starting now, this weekend, today, 141 cars on the track. That's a triumph. The other triumph is the fact that uh, the use of the paddock for the cars yeah. as part of their pit stop seems to have worked supremely well so far. So well thought out. I'm sure they'd have done some practice runs through, but uh, you have to ask the driver to remember his pit stop is a, or her pit stop. It's a two-part procedure, not just a driver change and... Uh, fresh set of tyres but also of course you have to go to the pit lane there do your refuelling and then of course you've got to have a pit member au fait with the uh, sliding scale of uh, pit stop minimum standstill times and um, that's the details of that available on the uh, 24 hour site and as Zach Parfit said um, found this may help explain pit times or add to the confusion <laughs> smiley emoji I think he knows I'm in charge of confusion Ably supported by Peter, of course. I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best to support you. Um, we're living in unprecedented times as, as a world, never mind our little bubble of motorsport. But who would have predicted the, the times that we've referred to this of we're going real racing with real cars, metal and fuel and tyres and rubber and all that goes with it. And the, this is the first race of the season and we're in the last weekend of June. Who'd, who'd have predicted that a year ago, or even six months ago, January, February? Look, uh, even, th even that's in, just how seismic this is. Even even in March, where we thought we'd be locked down for three weeks. <laughs> so just shift it back to May. Well, little aside for you, for, for my racing licence, I'm an international racing licence, I still have my stressed ECG every two years. Always a good thing to have, just make sure everything's still there. Uh, got a pulse and all that kind of stuff. 
and uh, I had yours. My, I had mine <laughs> exactly. Uh, had my stress ECG done, came out and read the email about as being um, in, in most of what being shut down. Thought great. That was money well spent, yes. wasn't it? <laughs> Time that well. <laughs> so Walken Horse leading the way, Mikkel Jensen at the wheel. How much of an advantage? He's out to 22.4 seconds. He's gained another seven seconds on that lap. So. Uh, Really good performance from that crew today. Walken Horse, it looks so BMW didn't have the legs of the Mercedes, but then in the opening stint, David Pittard made it dance, made it catch them, made it overtake them, but it still seemed it was going to be the number six Mercedes, but that is 22 seconds back, so just about to go off the Grand Prix loot, out onto the Nordschleife on what is the 19th lap of the race, and it's Mercedes doing the chasing, but it's Jensen and BMW pulling clear so still an hour and 15 minutes remaining in this race but uh, it's been enthralling so far really really intriguing but it does look as though it's going the way of walking horse but then we'll find out what happens in the final round of pit stops so stay with us so things are changing all the time. We've seen an unusually widespread, Peter, of times in the pit stop. The way people are, sorry, timing, their, their, the length of yep. pit stop sequence. And uh, teams doing things very differently. Of course, what does that mean? It means they will probably all coalesce when we come to the end. And after the final round of pit stops, we get a... Uh, it means a, the strategists are working over time. It does. <laughs> it does indeed. And um, it's, it's just intriguing as to how... The teams are doing this in very, very mm. different manners to each other. But uh, that final stint is going to be really interesting. But right now, you have to say Walken Horse Motorsport. Just look at the lap pace on that previous lap. An 8 minute 58 second lap versus 9.05. Hold on. That was the slow zones out yeah. further around the yeah. back. And it, a lot of that seven second gain could have been that uh, the Walken Horse car hit it better Absolutely. Absolutely. The behind. But don't forget, in the first stint of the race, there was one, one, se- one lap in which the race leading number six Mercedes gained seven mm. seconds. The other I, slightly held up by that I've got, I've got to say, just confirming what you, you've said there, um, Bruce, that um, I, I don't wish to overstate it, but I can't overstate it enough. I am supersonic impressed at the organisers, the teams, the crews, the drivers, everybody that have adapted to this, this new unprecedented way of having to run a motor race meeting if you told us one two months ago or whatever that we'd have to do uh, and it, it so far i'm just i'm absolutely supersonic impressed at how impressive how organized how scheduled it is. everybody seems to just complying i've never seen it so so slick to be honest it's absolute credit to everybody involved all of us point one are just delighted we're racing yep. again Point two, the fact the racing has been brilliant. And, and, and point three, the things they had to implement to make it happen yeah. have worked like clockwork. Not at the end of the race yet, but I honestly just think they've done a, a, a fabulous job. And I think other people with other championships have different challenges. But they see, this is a very difficult challenge. It's a, it's 141 cars. It's a great template. And it's, it certainly is food for thought for a yeah, lot of them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, hats off to everybody involved that's implemented it, organised it, thought it through. It's, uh, and everybody that's uh, the, all the participants, to say, the teams, the crews, the drivers, uh, and marshals having to adapt to it, all the things of signing on and things that happen nowadays, all digital, everything's so different. And it's you, drivers' briefings, marshals' briefings, everybody that's involved, organisers, everything's different.
The sun is still shining. It's a windy day, but it's a sunny day. It started grey. It started slightly damp. And the opening round here, June the 27th of the NLS. We're back in action. The racing has been fast and furious, but must be said, the pace at the end of this stint, or halfway through the stint of the Balkan Horse Motorsport BMW, it clearly was given a helping hand by um, slow zones on the track, gaining seven seconds over the over Mauro Engel's Mercedes. That's not something that happens without an assist. Absolutely. He's, the Dane has grabbed it with both hands, and Christian Kronjas, the Norwegian third driver in that car, will be rubbing his hands together. It's been a really good set of stint, uh, double stint from Pittard, Engel, uh, sorry, Jensen doing a really, really good run now. And then let's see what Christian has, but it's certainly going his way the moment I, th I think I think Pittard takes uh, a, a big amount of credit for setting the setting the foundation for the rest of that to capitalize on he did an amazing first into that car well he kept it right with the fastest of the, the Mercedes with the exception of that number six car but he had to find his way up to that fourth yep. place that third that second exactly then it was changing backwards and forwards and of course at that first stint of the race in the number eight car we still had um Mathieu Vassivier, really talented French racer. So he kept that up in the mix. That then fell back in the hands of Francois Perrodo. That's a Pro-Am entry. And at the moment, let's just scroll back down. That's still down in 13th place. But Manu Collard's on board. who's some distance back from the car in front. So maybe that's not the beginning. He's done a bit, hasn't he, over the years? Young lad. Yeah. <laughs> Young lad of over 50. Yeah, exactly. Don't. Oh, don't. Oh dear, car with a little bit of a shorter rear end. Now, could, that, could that be the piece of debris that's on the track? It could be. It's entry 850 as I pick up the wrong... Front end of the car looks immaculate. Back yeah. end, sort of less of it, really. Because there, there is a, that piece of debris we've talked about on yeah. the track is a, is a complete uh, valance or rear, isn't it? Well, it's, it, if it goes back, it should unbelievably win its class. But then again, it's in a class of its own. In the OPC class, it's uh, MSC Adenau, so local team. Jean-Philippe Imperato, Herbert Schmidt and Carlos Tavares, a man from the motor industry, no doubt. And no, they've just actually flicked to it, a nice little segue there yeah. uh, to show that bit of track. Are so you directing as well as commentary? So, no, not at all, not at all. I, I, I don't have enough skills for either. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm merely second man in, this, in, the, in the jump seat. Um, but uh, yeah, the, just that piece of debris that's on the track does look as if it's off the back of this uh, is it 850 guys remember 850 850 yeah 850. running inside the opal yeah, astro opal um, of course it would be an opal be in germany won't it yes, won't yes. Be, won't be, yeah no won't be one of those other ones that they don't make in australia anymore now sadly so again the car the car just sitting there and minor repairs going on to the bodywork ahead of the left rear wheel no repairs being done to the bumper because it doesn't exist or it doesn't exist in the same county as the car <laughs> bonnet up as well. Meanwhile, out on the racing circuit, let's just recap. Mikkel Jensen leading after 18 and the bit laps by 22 seconds. The biggest lead before this has been the 9.5 seconds or whatever it was at the end of the opening stint. Mm -hmm. and that was enjoyed by the number six Mercedes, but how the pendulum has swung the opposite direction. Down the Hurac comes that metallic mid-blue, semi-dark blue, sort of French blue. Um, BMW, that body coming up level with the bodywork. Don't go too far to driver's right. Uh, he's a car's width away from the bodywork. He's going past BMW and the GT86 Toyota. Moved one bit in no. terms of a car draft or anything, has it? It's, uh, uh, I'd, I'd expected it to have spun round yeah. or something been affected by some kind of draft or something on it, but it, it hasn't moved one bit. It's been it's, it's somebody actually just placed it there and sort of screwed it to the track. So, Mikkel Jensen, the Dane, 
starting lap number 20 and probably giving him a helping hand in his escape is that Mauro Engel at the start of this lap in second place had Fabian Schiller in another Mercedes under half a second away from his tailgate there in turn 15 seconds clear of the yellow Phoenix Racing Audi that's number 15 Kim Lewis Schramm back for his second stint in the car we have an hour and seven minutes on the clock so may have some people in this time around but you'd think the final flurry of pit stops would be at the end of the lap of, of the lap that uh, Mikkel Jensen is on so they'll get 20 laps under their belts some might go to 21 some might go to 22 we have had eight lap stints don't forget four of the teams did two eight lap stints so far in this so far in this race but of course they're not going to have time for two more stints of eight and it's still six ahead of two in that battle for second place didn't lose as much ground that time around. They went from 22 and a bit seconds down on the Morgan Horse BMW. 23.3 seconds down. They're covered by, again, less than half a second. It's 0.35 of a second between second and third. So everything that Fabian Schiller is doing is not quite enough to get past Maro Engel. Oh, since I mentioned that, the number 249 Mercedes. Uh, BMW had nowhere to go and uh, rather obstructed Schiller. So Schiller's got to do it all over again. 249 in the SP4 Specials class. Stephen Maris in his 325i BMW. Whoa, good maths being sent to us. 34 and 6, currently being between 22 and 23 seconds apart. 34 is the race leading Walker Horse mm. BMW, and number 6, of course, the HRT Mercedes. And do they have uh, the chasing cars have 22 and 23 or 23 seconds in hand? In hand, yeah. So, what was the margin I said? 23.3 seconds. Yeah. So, it's not so it's much of a second, check basically. what happens at the end <laughs> yeah, of the race. Exactly. It's where they come out after this final round of pit stops. They would all be doing three pit stops. Four would be a tad unnecessary. But, uh, so, if every driver involved at the front end of the field, it's press on, press on, press on. Track conditions perfect. And at the moment, I don't think we have uh, too many instances around the circuit. In fact, I have to scroll down to find uh, the last period the same. So let's just do what we call Octane 126 Ferrari check up into ninth position. So sitting alongside Peter, who predicted the top ten. He didn't bet his house on it. Because <laughs> I haven't got one anymore. Lost it last week. <laughs> they lost it last week. That's gone. Yeah. We always say, don't, don't bet with things you can't afford to lose. So I didn't put it on. Um, I'm keeping my powder dry on that one, but... Um, I'm, I'm, hope, I'm vaguely hopeful, shall we say. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, experience tells in the end. <laughs> Just I mean, I'm lost of skills after all, all, the, all the months of sitting there not commentating. <laughs> See if we actually gauge it right, it'd be quite quite good. Um, but also be a good run for them as well to uh, drop down to, uh, as far as they did, as you say, it wasn't just 40th, we saw 40th on the screen. It's the first time we noticed it sort of there, it could have been a little bit further down. But more to the point, as you said, it was, it was, uh, it was a double 40 because it was 40, 40th position and a good 40 seconds behind off 39th position. Yeah. So there was a, a lot of work to do there um, to catch up. So I think irrespective of where it finishes at the moment, that's... Uh, 
that's a, a very presentable run there for Luka Ludwig. He's been in that car for quite a while now. Yeah, he, uh, he will, I presume. Well, they've got four, four drivers listed, so I'm afraid he will probably hop out. Bjorn Grossman yeah. started it, but of course, I think he, I'm pretty sure he started, then Jonathan Hershey took over. But and I thought I, that, but then, then that said, we saw Hershey get out at the end of the opening stint. So, and they haven't got any more extra pit stops over the right. One of the quickest laps of the race as well, that car, an 807.651. The quickest lap of the race. I think it is, yes, yeah, you're right. By two hundredths of a second from the best of the number six Mercedes. So, as we said, meanwhile, back at the front, the uh, uh, Walkenhorst Motorsport uh, M6 and the Team HRT Mercedes just behind it. Say, so just behind it, 23.3 seconds uh, is the actual gap at the end of the last lap. We'll get a, another review on that very shortly. But, of course, uh, different pit stops and they've got 22 seconds in hand 22 or 23 seconds so it's almost spot on so we could be we could be talking in reality after the final pit stops these two being half a second apart into yeah. the final bit the final stint but they're not really alone at the front either so no. I think others are going to be close in on the mix car 192 is uh, Hofer racing by Bonk their BMW M4 leading the SP10 class haven't really picked that out 21st position overall number 192 Michael Fisher you know, so much success with that team show with Michael Frey, but with Gabriele Piana out to play alongside them as well. Of course, it's going to be going well in class. Again, just looking, let's just run down those gaps again. First to second, 23.3 seconds. That's Michael Jensen in the Walken Horse Motorsport BMW. Back to the number six Mercedes from HRT, Maro Engel. But Fabian Schiller just half a second, well, not that point, three of a second down in the number two, the bright yellow. Ring taxi, the team gets me Mercedes, one of their trio in the race. And then a gap of 17 seconds back to the better place of the two Phoenix Racing Audis. They're running fourth and fifth, Kim Lewis Schramm and Frank Stippler. And the car collection, Motorsport Audi in sixth, just a whisker down. So cars in fifth and sixth, the Phoenix Racing number five and the 32 Audi very close at the start of the lap no one close to Walken Horse Motorsport BMW but is expected to have a longer final pit stop by in fact pretty much the exact margin by which it leads this race at the moment so it's going to be very very fine very tight at the front of the field which isn't a bad advertisement as well as the fact we've had brilliant racing today but we're back racing the Nordschleife is looking great the drivers must be getting a a buzz they haven't had since uh, the last race of 2019. So, uh, October, wasn't it? Sat on their hands. Eight months ago. Waiting <laughs> to go out and play. And some were fortunate enough to, to race in the digital series. But this is different. This is uh, something very, very special indeed. And I think for the drivers competing this weekend, they'll realise even more how special it is to them. You know, the sport they love, but they're now doing it again. down through, through a few of the classes we've got one hour remaining in this race sp7 as i said peter turning turting has been dominated that sp10 michael fisher sp8t well it sort of is going to be dominating that class not so many a car number 155 so black falcon not in the top class anymore but the, the, the sp8t class for specials they're leading that uh, very handsomely indeed and that is as high as Fourth position, 141 starters. We've lost about 20 with delays of some sort, but most of them are still going actually. 
nine cars. We've got yeah, 132 listed. Yeah. So that's uh, it's pretty impressive. That, that is, and I think I think people good have impression. Been, well, people could have got it wrong in the early stages of the race because the track was greasy, but uh, by and large they didn't. So uh, well done to them. It'd be a real shame if you if you did any damage in the opening race, having had your season delayed. Sort of full yeah, it'd be position. quite galling, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wait an extra three yeah. months and then go for a biff. Your uh, Mustang that you commented on the uh, on, on the pre-race on the grid is yeah. it's still running. It's still there. It is admittedly 128. It's in the pit currently with a has had Sprungman at the wheel. That's car number 109. But that's uh, it's still a runner, still out there, and that's the name of the game. As you say, uh, quite quite a lot of this, unless you're at the very front of this with the you know, the Walkenhurst and the uh, Phoenix Racing and the HRT and Get Speed cars, they're, they're out for overall honours. But uh, as you said quite rightly, uh, pre-race, and you'll build up to this, Bruce, that there's um, a lot of people here just want to, just that this is their series, this is their life, it's their social, it's their everything, it's, it's all encompassing. It's not, the racing is, yes, that is the glue that puts it all together, but there's so many more parts to it. Uh, that they, they just want to get out there and just get out there and just finish. And do you know what? Some people, I don't think they mind that they're potentially even last. To get out there and get racing, do four hours on the Nürburgring and get back to some sense of normality just for people's mental health. Uh, it's got to do a lot of good. Yeah, uh, entirely. And don't forget the pleasure you can glean from doing a, a, a drive not in a competition yeah. around the Nordschleife and then to be doing it when you're, you're, you're playing on the real thing and racing. Uh, you know, of course it's great. 23.1 seconds, so two tenths of a second gained by the chasing Mario Engel. We know the car's going to be super close when they come out from their final round of pit stops, and now we reckon the difference in their pit stop time is between 22 and 23 seconds, or thereabouts is, and uh, the fact is we're now 23.1 seconds between them, first to second, and not such a good lap for Schiller. He dropped five seconds, and he's now 5.3 seconds down on Engel in third place. So is it going to boil down to a battle between the Balkan Horse BMW, number 34, and the number six team HRT Mercedes on the new team's debut outing. It's going to be very, very close when we get into those final pit stops. A bit of interference on the line. And uh, here we go. Into the final hour, 57 minutes remaining. Of course, the race goes on a little longer for those who uh, are on yeah, that absolutely. final lap. Yes. Don't back off now. That's the point. You can be, you can be so many more minutes, can't you, after the first cars, after the the winning car has crossed the line, but it can still be another how many minutes before the, the race is finished? It can still be another. You know, what, what's the pace of us of our slowest car? Um, yeah, that, well, in fact, that's a very valid point. So it'd be probably well, you scroll on down the bottom one, of the screen. Yeah, nine nine minute was. We've got one car at uh, twelve minute thirteen, so nine minutes. So we're heading towards the ten minute mark. Yeah. So you can you can you. Know, after you and I have screamed ecstatically about whichever car it is and team that's won it, we've still got 10 minutes of dialogue with all the other classes. Yeah. And they're all back in there. And they, they've done their open the cans and having their, their um, uh, just spot, carbonated drink or whatever it is they're having. And then we're still talking about cars on the track. And for this class... <laughs> but you, you imagine being master of ceremonies after this event with so many people having to go up and also just rounding them up. There are championships that we've all covered that have maybe 20 cars and even rounding the top three, the only people who go to the podium... Takes a while. The so. winners will be on their barbecue by then. Yes. <laughs> the overall winners. Yeah. So we're now trading off some really, really 
good solid stint from Nicol Jensen. Mauro Engels doing what he has to do. He's chipping away in tenths of a second. Yep. It seems strange with under an hour to go, 23 second advantage, but the pit stop for the race leading walking horse Motorsport BMW is going to be 22, 23 seconds longer than it will be for Mauro Engel. They should be absolutely all square when they come out of the pit stops. But what we've seen in this race, what we always see on the Nordschleifer, is the fact that you can be slightly tripped up by a slower car. You might lose a tenth of a second here or there, but the, that's the margin we're dealing yeah. in, Peter. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's a, it's a long way to go, as you say. We've got a, you know, just, just about five minutes under the hour to go still, which is, uh, in, in most people's terms, that's a, a reasonable sort of race race distance Absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's the vast majority of a Formula 1 race vast majority of uh, what's the limitation of Formula 1 200 miles or 2 hours whichever comes up first I think is the uh, yeah, with the exception of Monaco with, with of course yes yeah, when, when it rains it takes 3.5 hours to complete and we have 10 different cars leading the last 2 laps which year was that? Come on, there you go. That's putting you on the spot. Oh, I'd already moved on to another thought. Yeah. Say that again. <laughs> all, the, all the lead changes we had in 1982 no, uh, yeah 82 the one that I remember See, Tim's showing his age there, that he's yeah. so much younger and sprightly. We're remembering the ones when it was in black yes. and white. And yes. Engines were still in the front of the cars, Tim. Yes. <laughs> I was started with a natty kerchief. That's right. Exactly. Yes. Um, no, I was just try I was trying to think of that, the, the Malaysian Grand Prix, where they had endless rain. It kept stopping ah. and starting. They get them on the grid about to start, and then a couple of people go past in kayaks and decide it wasn't a good idea. So cars in and out slow of pits zone. at the moment, and ex Muda a slow zone there at the moment. Every time you think, oh, that's a tricky part of the circuit, you think of another place that's even well, trickier. Well, I'm, I'm not, still, I'm not sure how. Please, please define a tricky part of the circuit in relation to the Nurburgring. I'm intrigued at your thinking. No, no, but it's <laughs> just. I think I think the places we consider particularly tricky are the ones that tend to have instruments. They yeah. tend to be the tighter corners, but also a lot of those are dictated to by being. It might be okay in the dry, but when it's wet, some parts sort of greasier, more wet, if you will, yeah. wetter or a different sort of wet. You know where I'm heading. Some circuits just have parts. Very few circuits, particularly one as long as this, have uniform tarmac. Oh, holder. absolutely. But it is the, just the most extraordinary circuit. And uh, I've been around a long time as well, so it's no wonder it's still so popular. Um, I, I still, I, I, you still, we look back at uh, photographs of uh, Grand Prix, we're talking about the 70s and 80s of cars uh, being airborne at Flugplatz or, you know, Graham Hill with the rear wheels up in a Lotus 49 or something. You're just thinking, how mad was that? Yeah. And that's pre, probably pre-barriers as much in those days. A lot, a lot of it wouldn't have that many barriers around. Um, and that's, that's you know, in our lifetime, 60s, yeah. 70s. Oh, Never mind before that. Slow zone here at the moment. Uh, that's the bit we just had uh, up on Exmuller, yeah. So taking a look to the scene, marshals to the left of the circuit, can you see anything at the side? No. So slow zones, do they? Yes. Who is where relative to them? Had our lead cars gone through past them again? Come on, Peter, pick out I the 120 car. I think they have. Moving dots. I think they have. I'm really intrigued this lap to see if Fabian Schiller will lose any more ground. But, uh, He's run a different sequence of pit stops or, or stint lengths to Mauro Engel. Don't forget, Engel did a seven-lap stint, then an eight-lap stint. Engel, as far as I recall, sorry, Schiller's uh, car, as far as I recall, was two sevens. I think you're right.
of the delayed number 36 Auckland Horse Motorsports uh, BMW not enjoying the pace of the sister car that's leading the race in the hands of uh, Michael Jensen that's car number 34 but the 36 car trying to pick its way back up the order after its awkwardness of uh, having been spun round by Henry Walkenhorst facing the wrong way and had to sit there but he's still down fourth in the SP9 AM class but from him to be down in 26th position isn't exactly what the doctor ordered he's behind a couple of SP7 cars an SP8T class car and two SP10s about to tell you what I can throw in a couple more cars from SP7 so he really in terms of performance should be ahead of those they took back cars spinning round. I've just had a mild mild panic when I saw it along ki- alongside my car as I'm going to put it you know what I mean by that number 26 it says out and I'm thinking what do you mean it's out what do you mean then I realise I've read the, the bit of detail yes. it says out it's leaving out of the pits, the pits. <laughs> don't yes. do that don't. Can, can, yeah. we, can we use a different word you know, yes. rejoined or yes. something please Mr Producer can we just get that changed out it's not fair to a man of my age advancing years shouldn't do things like that yeah, it's, it's very rude <laughs> so Jensen leading the way onto that's another the car that's lap. running uh, ninth. That is, that's uh, it's one, it's one inside the top ten. I, I just, see what just you're thought I'd uh, point that out. In case It'll you probably drop out of the top ten now. It's made that pit stop, but then pop back in again. <laughs> oh. So you can say it all over again. Look, it's gone back into the top ten. Come on, same hymn sheet. Come on, work with me. So just waiting for Mario Engel to either come through or dive into the pits. I suggest he'll be coming through. It was 23.1 seconds, and it's 23.1 seconds all over again. How far back has Fabian Schiller fall, fallen? He was 5.3 seconds back in third place. He's coming to the pits. Fabian Schiller, I said he was on a different uh, run stint lengthwise to the number six Mercedes. So the number two Mercedes from third in the pits coming back in. Will we have a driver change or will Schiller take it to the finish? We had Raffaele Marcello start that car, the bright yellow car from Team Getspeed. And then Maxi Boot do a particularly strong second stint. Now, Bruce, young uh, Mikkel Jensen in that leading number 34 Walken Horse, the Walken Horse Motorsports BMW, is is taking a leaf out of uh, the starting driver in that David Stippler's uh, opening stint. He is using the curbs and a significant amount more. Not quite getting to the to the green bit, as in the grass, but it's uh, it's using an awful lot of track and track. Uh, well, let's not say track limits because we're not in not in the UK, so it doesn't matter. Right, it's different. I, but I, can it's a- I can answer my question, which was put out there: Would Fabian Schiller take it to the finish? Well, he's not getting out, so <laughs> one does conclude from that he's wafting the door the door to waft some air into the cockpit of the number two Mercedes and the race taxi car. As you say, it's a heck of a race taxi, isn't it? Oh, cool. Then some. But I bet it's but it's pre-booked only. No, I can't connect to pizzas. <laughs> was that card you say goes out? And again, that huge swing round to the right, and he's almost tempted to. Ooh. Now, interesting there, what we're saying about the lock on those cars there, swung over to the right, and I to, as you were saying, the circuit you described where they had to kick the tail out in the yeah. M1 GP. It looked like he gunned it, but of course it's got new tyres on, so it didn't. It, it, it? it didn't. It didn't. It understeered. It, it actually pushed the front out instead, and that's exactly what you were saying, uh, 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 David Coulthard. That sort of the, oh, I'll flick it round, and oh, hang on a minute, and all of a sudden you crunch the front, and uh, you you don't look much of a hero when you do that. <laughs> it's the other one, isn't it? Yes, the exactly. Other one with a different first yes. letter. Yes. <laughs> so just to point out, the number 32 car collection Audi came in with Robin Fritz, that's listed in fifth place. Lars Kern has come in, the Mantai Racing 911, and Frank Stippler has probably finished his day. He'll be handing that back one 
feels the number five Audi that's shown cameo performances. Vincent Kolb will take that to finish, I would think. But the important factor is the number two Mercedes going down for its refueling at pit exit. And uh, Fabian Schiller has stayed on board. The 911 Porsche has changed. Lars Kern has got out. And by process of elimination, it's either, I think, Julian Andlauer should be doing the final stint in this race because it was started by Matt Campbell, let us see. But that's not been quite in the mix today after such strong form a couple of years ago, the Manti Racing group. Not always at all of the NLS rounds, as we call it this, this time around, but uh, has been a strong feature in the past. But Mercedes seems to be getting stronger and stronger through 2019 in the NLS. And uh, will they take victory today or will it be a BMW sort of day? That's the question we may get answered or get a hint about really very soon because I think at the next time around or possibly one lap further. I was going to say probably, probably another lap yet, I think, I think you're right there, Bruce. So just a little of all sort of shaken out and then we're into the final... So we're approaching the final half hour then, won't we? The final sixth of the race, eighth of the race to see where that goes. And it could, it, it, we could be building through an extraordinary finish here. Well, I'm just happy to be racing again, but if you can <laughs> throw in an extraordinary finish, we will go with that. But it is just good to be back. I know I've said it several times. I really mean it. We know you do. And it's si good to be back with you as well. But at, at sites, a sunny day. Yeah. Lots of different sorts of cars. Racing in gaggles around this most magnificent of circuits. It just... Get your mojo back, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. I think it was you said where on our last live race with uh, October last year with what was then VLN9. I think you opened it that uh, words to the effect of whatever you do on a Saturday, this, that, and the other so-and-so, whether it be guarding so-and-so, but if you have petrol pumping through the veins, yes. this is where you want to be, and, that, and that's what we've missed. That's the essence of it. We, we haven't had that. Digital, it's absolutely fantastic, and the adaptation of everybody involved in the infrastructure of the industry is amazing. Yourself as a commentator, John Hindoff's done with his, his side of it, the teams and all that. It's absolutely brilliant, don't get me wrong, but there's nothing can some compensate for that as it there's just that one bit of the fumes we're missing that smell but we've got petrol flowing through engines again on cars in cars on track and and that's uh, that's what the likes of you and i live for well we don't live for those diy tasks we've had to face <laughs> up to in the past three months right driver change for number eight manu collard has clambered out and we had the middle section by francois perodo but it'd be mathieu vassivier don't forget, was fighting over second place in that opening stint of the race. He, he won't come out ahead of the number two Mercedes, however. Just leaving the pits now. Schiller just leaving. Has he got enough lock for turn one? We saw him struggle with heat in the tyres in going around the roundy, roundy boat, as we call it, in the paddock, in the unusual but really successful arrangement that's facilitating this event happening at all. You could do social space distancing in the pit lane if you had 20 cars or 26 cars or whatever. With 141, they had to use their now. The NLX organisers should be very, very proud that it's worked so well. Well, as I said, you can't uh, you can't commend them enough. But they, um, I think that they've set the bar and showed us showed the rest of the industry uh, what can be done and how to do it. It's a fantastic effort on everybody's. Part. So we're into our final 40, 45 minutes or so of this, our first NLS live race of the year. Bruce? 
Right, what we have to consider, we're waiting to see where the following cars come out after their final pit stops. The 34 Motorsport, uh, Balkan Horse Motorsport BMW, Mikkel Jensen at the wheel, he will be handing that over. Maro Engel in the number six Mercedes, separated by 23.13 seconds. But the car that's just made the pit stop and returned with Fabian Schiller doing the second stint number two. at the wheel, the number yep. two Mercedes, the one that had been five seconds behind the number six Mercedes. Yep. We expect the number six Mercedes and the 34 BMW to be all but identically placed when they yep. come out of the pits. Now that's only 0.3 behind um, yeah, the SRAM car as well, so that's... Uh, yeah, the SRAM car should be a tiny bit further back, but that has been really well driven today. That's the number yep. 15 Phoenix racing car, Michele Beretta and Kim Lewis SRAM. Kim did a really good opening stint. It seems to be on or thereabouts the pace, but sometimes it was the cars fighting together up ahead that you felt enabled it to just keep in the hunt just a little bit behind them. But it's been really well run by the Phoenix racing crew today. And even in the fourth and final hour of the race, it's still a treat when you get the engine note coming through <laughs> when you get a bit of onboard footage. You're giving away all our secrets as to what, uh, what motivates us, where our mojo is. So will it be a pit stop this time around for Mikkel Jensen? Remember, he was 22 seconds clear, 23 seconds clear, 23 and a little bit less of a second clear, and it looks as though it could be a similar amount of time. I would predict that now, now is a good lap to do it. I think now is a good time to pit that car, that leading car. 3-2-1 into the pits. There you go. What you don't want, there is a pit lane speed limiter, but you want someone else who's going to hit it right on the line. And unfortunately, uh, yes. a gold 325i is in front of it. And of course, they have to come down to the thing. But if you can eke another few metres before you hit, hit the brakes, I don't think it's delayed him at all. But I think the other guy did a good job, but it just wasn't obvious from that foreshortened head on shot. And again, as you say, it, it's something as simple as that. I mean, look at the difference in those two cars. Uh, but both in the same manufacturer, BMW, but they couldn't get more uh, more difference in. Uh, no, what, what wants a production? What Beauty and the Beast almost, isn't it? Exactly. Level. One one's a production car painted gold yeah. with some nice tyres on it. The other one's a you know, a racing car, which I know the purists that say only race. How can a racing car have roof and doors? Well, I don't subscribe to that theory, unfortunately, and uh, it doesn't have to be a single seater. But uh, look at the look at the difference in lock. The M6 having to take round there, and he's he's even hassling that other car in the in the paddock almost, isn't he? He's staying in its 40 kilometre an hour slipstream. <laughs> it certainly is. Uh, PlayStation livery Walken Horse Motorsport car had to go into the paddock round the roundabout and then pull up at its awning. A lot of the riders were, were having to go round the roundabout after they'd made their driver and tyre change or whatever. Then they all come into the pit lane for the refueling stop. Anyhow, what we can tell you is Mauro Engel has continued on to another lap. Listed as 14.1 seconds down. How did he suddenly gain seven seconds? Well, that's because the other car, the, the Walken Horse Motorsport BMW, was slowing down as it uh, made its way in, into the pit lane and out of the pit lane into the paddock beyond but of course the uh, similar process will have to be undertaken by the team hrt mercedes but right now tripping over bmw round it goes off the grand prix loop onto the nordschleifer he's got uh, 22 laps under his belt and coming off 23 one fields because at that point it'll be uh, well, there's only 40 minutes left in this race now a four-hour race, and I, I think the organisers will be very, very pleased indeed because racing has been brilliant on the track. Absolutely. Wonderfully Absolutely. in the paddock. And um, 
And I, I think for everybody, it just gets them sharp again, doesn't it? It, it does. It does. From officials downwards. The Welcome Horse Sport car comes right out into the pit lane to take its. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's phase two of its pit stop, refueling for the last turn. This is the lead car. So we should see a, a change of driver in this car. David Pittard it was that started it. Um, did a fantastic opening stint. Mikkel Jensen just finished his middle stint in it. It's quite a long one to say the least there. And uh, we have every belief it's going to go into uh, Christian Kroen's uh, hands for this final bit of 40 minutes. Yes, didn't get to see if the driver change was effective. We'll get clear proof of that when the car leaves. It may, it may well be that Christian's not, not in there today. He's on the entrance, but uh, we'll see very shortly that that's right down here in the final refueling pump, which is the one closest to pit exit. But don't forget, we expect this to be at a standstill for time beyond the refueling for another 22 to 23 seconds. Yeah. And that was the interval between that car and the number six HRT Mercedes. That still is going around the lap at the moment. And uh, we will see where they stand on the circuit when this final round of pit stops is completed. Three pit stops all but completed for the Walken Horse. BMW, only two so far, but one coming up very soon indeed for Team HRT. So tension building as we get into the, the final stages of this race. Um, just to explain that, uh, as we've said, there's a, a delay on the pit stop. It's got to stay, remain static for 22 seconds, we believe, um, which wipes out its 23-second advantage it's had into the pits there, which is why we're saying it's building. It may not look very easy uh, visible, transparent on the timing screen, but it is uh, because of that 22 seconds it's got to wait. Uh, so we may well see uh, the final half hour of some real on-track action. Well, if it could be as good as the action in that yeah. opening stint, yes. then we're, we're in for a real treat, but it does seem that come what may, the stages will be reset, if you will, to put them uh, side by side out on the circuit. So the lead car 34 is refueled now. They're counting down, ready to send him back to a three, two, one, and he can rejoin. And it goes out again. We believe it's um, Christian Crohn's at the wheel of that car now, but that will tell us. We'll know that in a minute. Indeed, it leaves pit lane. It came into the pits in the lead with a 23 second advantage. Now we've got to let this uh, lap pan out before we can find out what that is in real terms. No Christian Crohn is today. It's David Pittard. So he did the first. Stint. So I was right then. Did the middle. <laughs> You were, but I just put an interesting I know, incident. I know. Stop. And that's always another thing to keep us on our toes, is that the entry list uh, chops and changes, but that makes it exciting, particularly if you suddenly get a cameo role from someone. Cameo role, yeah, well. Now, we saw what that gentleman did in the first stint in this car, and uh, boy, did he, uh, did he muscle that car into a place really it shouldn't have been in, no disrespect, but it was, um, it was not really uh, quite as high as that, it, you know, Fifth sets, maybe, but it shouldn't have been batting up there for knocking on the door of race lead, as it was. That was entirely down to David Pittard. I think, I think muscling's probably the best way of describing it. He, he was taking no quarter, no limits. Completely fair, and some very, very good driving. He's now back in that car for a final stint uh, of 36 minutes on track. So, let's see what David Pittard can do. And could it be uh, that uh, Walkenhorst Motorsport uh, pull off uh, an extraordinary... A result with a, with an outright win on, on the first real race of 
the NLS series in 2020. Yeah, and what we have seen uh, through the, the course of that third stint, after the third pit stop going out onto the fourth and final stint in this four-hour race, is the fact that the number two Mercedes that have been right in the hunt is nowhere near the Walken Horse car. The Walken Horse car returned to the track and the driver was changed from Michael Jensen to David Pittard and it's way clear of that yellow Mercedes. Don't forget, was fighting with it really fearsomely in that mm. opening stint of the race. Raffaele Marcello against uh, uh, against um, David Pittard, but uh, it's very much swung away from the number two entry from uh, Team Get Speed Performance. Will that even make it onto the podium, or will it be uh, attacked and passed by the number 15 Phoenix Racing Audi? Because that's uh, to be right in the mix. It's there or thereabouts, ready to pick up the pieces. Still, I think every driver out there, bar the drivers who've made a pit, who've taken over a stint, know there's the bodywork sitting, the rear bodywork. Utterly immovable, isn't it? the circuit. I, I, there is a flag marshal. It looks, he looks to be near it, but of course, when you look from a long way off, from yeah. head on, he's probably, he's probably way too far away from it. But everyone out there on the circuit who's been around for a while, five or six laps, knows it's there. But uh, nobody, Nobody's come near it. Nobody's yeah. come closer than what we've seen. And, uh, as I said, I would expect some some kind of uh, uh, effect of wind or going past it would have moved it, turned it, shifted it, but it, has, it is absolutely rigid and static uh, where we first saw it. So just waiting for our cars obviously complete a lap, a long, very long lap here um, whilst they settle down. And we'll get into the final stage of this, we'll get our time screens up to date and what, uh, who's doing what, but it's uh, the predicted battle between what is Pittard, which we didn't quite expect Pittard to go back into that car. We thought Crohn's was going to go into it, but he, he didn't. Uh, it's, it's, uh, David Pittard, and uh, next to that is the uh, Mario Engel driven HRT Mercedes. So BMW, at the beginning of this race, it was very much a, a Mercedes race, one, two, three, for quite a bit of it, and Pittard, who started this uh, Valkenhurst Motorsport M6, had some different ideas, and shuffled that order and upset that order really quite early on in the race. At one point, it did, I had to say, in the first few laps, or first few corners of a lap, a very long lap here, it did strike me as a bit of a, a bit of a Mercedes uh, benefit. It was a one, two, three, whatever. But David Pittard uh, had different ideas, and uh, he's back in that car again now. Yeah, they very much enjoyed their running. Just looking at... Our Ferrari on screen there, number 26. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> You can't, you can't just miss it. Ah, oh, yes. No, the, no, no. The, the tone changed. <laughs> no, I was, just, I was actually just scrolling, scrolling across. This is, this is going to become a season thing, isn't it? We're going to, we're going to pick an, an underdog each time and see, see them. Okay. I, th I think we should run a book on this one, Bruce. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. little quiet one. Of course. Um, so. Simon Trummer at the wheel at the moment, and he's got, he's got a busy season. He's uh, competing both sides of the Atlantic. And in comes... Maro Engel, this is, bear in mind, sharing with Patrick Assenheimer between them. Together they won two races last year, including the final round, and uh, Patrick also won two with Manuel Metzger, including this event last year, and also the uh, DMV Grenzland Rennen in September last year. So the, the, the crew right on it, but of course, back in those days it was Black Falcon. Now it's Team HRT. Hubert Hout is the name at the top of the mast. Long-term German racer. Kassenheimer, he's had so much success. Uh, 
car. Is that missing a wheel? No, there's a BMW off on the Grand Prix in the rally crossing. Yes. Yeah. And uh, now it's, it's Lydon or Brands or somewhere. But he's, what he's doing, he's driving away to an escape road at the side, an access road to the side of the circuit. Unfortunately, with uh, just over half an hour remaining this race, there is uh, another faller, so it looks like a mechanical failure there. And he's just parked up on the grass. No, he's driving around. Uh, 746, very kind of him to send, tell us, show us his number. White and um, Aquamarine. BMW running in the V4 production class from... Uh, Manuel Dormagen, Stefan Erpen, and the driver well, of the wheel, driven Hans very Lemon Essman. Driven very carefully off the circuit, rejoined, and then almost deliberately driven over the 150-metre marker board. It's gratuitous. And, and rejoined the track. So it's not like he spun off. That was very bizarre, as you say. I think he was probably fiddling with something in the cockpit when he was uh, hitting ah, the... Old control board. delete, yeah. that's what it was, yes. He's got it go. going. Because it, it did look, you know, body language, car language, like he was just pulling off out of the way. So, uh, Which car number was that? 746, I think. Well, he's, he's rejoined, so uh, with half an hour to go, he hasn't retired, he's rejoined. So, second of our Ferraris out there on the track. Uh, it's right behind the other Porsche there with the, the point on the blue. Racing one Ferrari, and that's in the hands of uh, Stefan Kohlhaas. Yep. Just in terms of Pro-Am, well, Pro leader, of course, is the race leader. The Pro Am leader is Frickadelli Racing's number 30 Porsche. That's Klaus Abelin, Lance David Arnold, and the driver, the rookie, the go to driver, Alex Muller. They're fifth overall at the moment, so that's good for them. And the Am, SP9 Am leader, is that Racing One Ferrari we were talking about. Stefan Kohlhaas at the wheel. Still, the refueling goes on for the number six. At Hout Racing Team Mercedes. Now, only in only in NLS VLN that was could you see uh, or have a, a, an image where, uh, for those on on radio, um, a full AMG GT3 Mercedes coming to fuel, and in behind it pulls up a Golf. <laughs> As you said, the, the spread of vehicles, it just it just doesn't look like it belongs the nicest possible way with that that absolute beast of a full factory. Mercedes GT3 car and then there's a golf ball in behind and it, you'll it, think it's like it, a Testo is it diesel or unleaded sir yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's the nature of the beast yeah that is and the space to space to have it here absolutely absolutely as long as he remembers to get his green shield stamped and he's alright those that remember it bottle of Lucasade so we know that Mauro Engel's car is still in the pit lane still refueling down the Her Acht sorry the Dossing Her beg your pardon gone mad um comes the Vulcan Horse Motorsport BMW and David Pittard pressing on through those final sweepers when will that number 6 Mercedes be released it should be released now no. but of course he's got to get up to speed well, I seem to recall he did his pit stop halfway down the pit lane so he's got further towards pit yep. exit out of the final corner flat chat down the start finish straight it looks like the BMW is going to be in front Mercedes still not yet level with the end of the pit wall. Jinking around the gold BMW we saw in the pits earlier. Goes David Pittard. He's got a lead of about uh, five seconds, I would suggest, because, of course, it's stretching as the black Mercedes number six tries to get up to speed. Oh, how slow that pit lane speed limiter must feel. And for David Pittard, I'm sure there's a whoop of pleasure. Not only did he not have the black Mercedes come out level with him, but he was going past at far greater speed, so he's stretching his advantage all along so just remember the gap between them well of course we can't give you an accurate one because Mauro had tripped the uh, timing beam to start another lap before he pulled into his pit stop uh, to his uh, refuelling area at the end of his pit stop but uh, the visual is what you need to know 
and it's the metallic blue uh, BMW bouncing off the kerbs and pulling ever further clear. But we've got to, we've only got 28 minutes remaining until the chequered flag can be flown. It will probably be a fair bit longer than that. I've got to do the maths on um, how many laps we have to go. Well, if we call it multiples of eight minutes, we'll get quite close to the truth on that. That's 32, so uh, another 32 minutes of racing. Thank you very much. about to leave the Grand Prix loop. David Pittard diving up the inside of a Porsche Cayman from one of the junior classes. Nice and neat and tidy. The traffic may have a, a role to play in this uh, final sprint to the finish of this opening four-hour race for this year. But uh, as we keep saying, Peter, it can work in your favour. It Absolutely. can work totally against you. But what I'd say in the case of, of uh, David Pittard, he's got a large enough handful of seconds as a buffer not to have to make those decisions that he was making the early laps of the race when he was diving down and around, not only down the inside of things, we saw him going around the outside where the track was griefy, round, uh, griefy, greasy <laughs> of Raffaele Marcello. And so that the risks, maybe they will yield that fruit. It was a mixture of greasy and leafy, was it, I take it. Uh, yeah, as you said, just, just beautifully preempting that actual manoeuvre. Um, as you said, what do you do at the beginning of a race like this? You haven't raced for a while, but back in real cars... Uh, do, does passion take over? Does common sense go out of the window? Or, you know, not saying anybody does that deliberately, but uh, all sorts of emotions change. And it, it, it's very different suddenly getting back to what we took for granted for so many years. The world has changed completely. And suddenly we're back out doing it again. And as you said quite rightly, driver's mentality, four-hour race. Do we take it steady? Do we take risks? Do you not take not too many risks on an opening lap, etc., etc.? And we, we sort of, we talked ourselves into the, you know, the, the, the smart cookies would be, you know, measured, calm, first race back, get a finish. So yes, so. boss. Yes, and then boss. David Pittard just went, nah, I've got other ideas. Yeah. And, uh, and tell you what, I'm going to go around the outside of this. And like you, I didn't think he was going to have an off. Didn't think that for a minute. I just think he didn't think he'd pull the manoeuvre off. No. I just thought it wouldn't work. There'll be a compromise Laws of exit. physics yes. would defy the BMW. And, and it didn't. And David Pittard, I say, obviously he's working to a different rule book on that uh, opening stint. And it was, um, I, I, I do... I'm not taking anything away from uh, uh, his, 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 as well. Teammate has done an extraordinary job uh, in that car, um, young uh, young Mickle. Uh, but I think uh, the foundations for the position they're in now, not tempting fate too much because there's another 25 minutes to go, but the foundations for where they are now and where that car is was laid by uh, the man that's in that car now, Debbie Pittard, in that first stint, which uh, I wasn't expecting for the first race of the year after such a layoff. No. No, entirely so, um, but he's been keeping himself sharp doing the uh, digital series. Maybe that has given him uh, a small advantage. But uh, one person I've just spotted, Yannick Fubrich, last year's champion, along uh, leading the way, not leading the way, third in the Cup 5 class. So he's got to get a bit of a move on, but I think they're in their final sequence. So, if, uh, yes, his two rivals haven't made their pit stop, so he could be putting up yet another strong performance here on the Nordschleife. So, Yannick Fubrich, such a good year last year, but at the moment it's. Uh, well, we're waiting for the timing interval to be proved at the moment. It's saying it's a four-minute gap, Mauro Ingalls leading the race. We know he isn't. That's because he crossed the timing beam mm. in the pit lane and then had to pull over for his uh, refueling part of his pit stop. Two-part pit stops here in the NLS until further notice. First part in the paddock, having driven through the pit lane. The second part in the pit lane, having emerged from the paddock. I'm going to throw a curveball in here. Social distancing apart... Pandemic apart, I quite like this two-phase pit stop. Yeah, 
I actually, I'm really, a bit like you said with the digital stuff, amazing how easy I've taken to it. I quite like this phase one, do that, talk about that bit, somebody gets out, do they, don't they change, round the roundabout, come back up the other way, and then refuel. I, I, I go with that as well, because also... Adds a rhythm. Many is the time when they've got the traditional pit stops in the pit lane, very crowded, the car yeah. you're looking for may be yeah. hidden behind another car, but you go, did someone get in? Did they change? So it does, does make it not, not just from my point of view. No, I, no, no. I, I, I actually, it, it, it adds a, a dimension and a rhythm that I, I, I really like it. Ooh, there we go. Two-phase pit stops. There you go. Some, some, somebody tell them... Um, I was going to say Bernie. No, it's not Bernie anymore, is it? <laughs> very <laughs> much. Very much not. Um, officially, no association. Go to Terry. Go and tell Kerry. But, Final round. Can you imagine that in Formula One, having to not do your ultra microsecond pit stop? No, you're going to have to wait 22 seconds. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, social media <laughs> meltdown, wouldn't it? Oh no, ab- absolutely. But you know, sometimes out of change, out of necessity. circumstance, necessity, yeah, a necessity comes change, and I, I think an awful lot of changes will follow in motor racing. Not per se the tweaks in, in the pit lane and the paddock, but in mm. terms of what sort of cars will be used for various championships. But the beauty, one of the many beauties of the NLS is that a lot of the cars that uh, will no longer have championships will come and play in this. So it'll increase the diversity and freshen the stock. We're talking of freshening the stock, our first sighting of a GT4 Toyota Supra. Various mm. teams have got them to go racing in European championships as well as Japanese series that haven't started yet. But... Uh, for novel racing with uh, ring racing, shared by Andreas Goulden and Michael Tischner. Looking very natty indeed, car number 170. So it started the race going well in the race, so uh, good to see that. Another body shape. Well, that, that actually looks really quite different in, in the metallic blue with the yellow nose. Doesn't it's it? It's running in. I'm sort of used to seeing that in its testing livery of white. Maybe okay, it, lo- it looks red. almost sort of Datsun 260, 240-260Z era, uh, for those that you can remember those. I know Bruce and I can, but yes. I'll find I'll find you a file photo, Bruce, and show what it was like back in the day. <laughs> but no, I, I agree. And at least it's a super that justifies a, one of those rear wings on it, unlike those previous ones. <laughs> You're going back to the, uh, the the necessity and breeding change and whatever, and it's uh, uh, all that sort of stuff. It is amazing there how much um, of a oh the super just slowed a bit there all of a sudden. Let's just let the car pass back through again, so I don't know if there's an issue for a moment. Um, yeah, so, so much of it now is digital signing on, briefings, come by video, etc., etc. And I think uh, some of those things don't need to change back again. Um, it, it's no, no bad thing with in this day and age to make things a little bit more online. And I think it makes the, the day, the event, potentially much slicker, because so much of it can be done pre-event. Yes, no, no entirely. I mean, it did always used to sort of be a point of mirth where you saw someone who'd forgotten to turn up on time for driver's briefing sprinting through the paddock but it's just a, a, an extra confusion on the day if you, as you say you get your paperwork done you've got enough to do at a race circuit a lot of the time without any further complications right yes. so on to lap let's take my shoes and socks off so I can do it lap the 24 adding. lap 24 goes David Pittard what will the gap be looks about 3 seconds just waiting for confirmation Two, 3.3 seconds yes so Maro Engel, I think, had the better You've of that. Still got now. it, Bruce. Yes. Glass eye. <laughs> so with uh, so a four-hour race with 20 minutes to go, and we've still got a 3.3 second gap between first and second. Not 
not too not, shabby, not too shabby at, all. at all, is so it? So I'm just no. waiting to see how far back Michele Beretta is, if indeed it will be him in coming through. Or will it be the number two Mercedes? More it's like... No, it's, 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 no he's Brett's in fourth. Gone, yeah. Beretta's just up ahead. Across the line, yeah. So they're four, 37 seconds off the back of Engel. It's a two-car race. That's all we need. Slow zone at Hatzenbach. Just keep an eye for that. So I think we can safely say it's a successful formula. The Adenauer Rundstrecken Trophy, so successful it's the 51st running, but I think it probably has had very few changes as marked as it's had to have with this to enable us to go racing while the coronavirus pandemic continues, but hopefully is now a thing on retreat. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We have beautiful weather. Cars are racing on the Nordschleife. It's been great racing too. And... Uh, clearly now a two-horse race to the end of the event but for 34 for Wolverine Horse Motorsport it's looking good but 3.3 seconds of in and among traffic that can change all competitors on the Nordschleife knows it's an event it's a circuit where variables um, there are plenty thereof and um, we'll have to see how it unravels through the remainder of the race but in terms of uh, their pace on their previous stints Pittard and Engel pretty much even match but Pittard has shown particularly in the early stages of the race he's prepared to take risks to not just get to the front but to stay there and for BMW if they take victory it'll be the first win and since the opening round last year but that was back in March the Westfalen Fart in uh, 2019 that was Rover racing that time Nicky Katzberg John Edwards and Marco Wittmann this time around it's the duo not the trio and uh, David Pittard and Mikkel Jensen uh, have been doing a very, very good job. But in terms of outright pace, I think the number six Mercedes just about has the edge. But then again, that's down to the driver pairing of Patrick Assenheimer and Mauro Engel, who are... You said it's a very, very, very strong pairing, you yeah. said, didn't you? Yeah. So we are into the final... Minutes, 17, just, yeah, just 18 minutes to go. Code 60 upgraded from um, slow zone at Hatzenbach, so someone has just got it wrong going out onto the Nordschleifer. And again, I just mentioned, Peter, of course, you can have many twists in the tail of this event. and. Um, Out, uh, who has got it wrong and uh, hopefully how, how quick it's going to be for the Code 60 to be downgraded, cleared. Mm. We really don't want any of these interruptions to uh, affect the battle of the lead. 3.3 seconds, Mario Engel behind David Pittard, Mercedes behind BMW. Track in perfect conditions, in fact day that started grey has warmed up but uh, still pretty comfortable conditions to go racing. I don't think they'd have cared what, what conditions were. It's the fact they're going racing again. It really counts. The vast majority of people on the circuit, helping around the circuit, helping with all the teams, prepping them, planning them. And let's face it, trying to keep the sponsorship flowing in for them. Well, that's the point, isn't it? It, it isn't just me. We're talking about the racing because um, that's, uh, that's what we like to talk about. But it, it, it's a business. It's commercial from, from so many revenue streams that people have 
say the circuits, the operators, the organisers, the teams, the hotel, the leisure industry, uh, everybody, and, and not to mention, as we said quite rightly earlier on, the um, uh, predominance of, of gentlemen drivers and paying drivers that are in this form of racing um, these days, well, especially these, and they, they are the backbone of it. And as you say, probably the pros that are getting paid are going to be thinner and thinner. It's going to be much more uh, for the, the gentlemen drivers, those that are paying. So. Uh, all their businesses and it, it's affecting it and how they can go racing or not uh, it's great to see so many cars out there that still there's there's some strength in the world to say that you know we can do this because effectively it's a it's a pastime and a hobby for, for the vast majority of people out there absolutely and another element of, as we've got slow zone at Hocheichen so they're working their way around the lap <laughs> but uh, one thing I just want to point out is I think what you might have is more lineups that go from Pro-Am to Am. They'll go, okay, yeah. I'm not going for outright victory, but I've got a, a good friend, and he's also Am, and we'll race together. We'll yeah. do what we can. But Join it's great forces. they've got yeah. the Pro-Am yeah. class to aim at and the Am. And I think instead of having, let's say, two pros and an Am, we might go to a, one pro and two Ams. Green flag at Hatson back now, so the slow zone's cleared. She's now got a code 60 at uh, Quiddlebacker instead. <laughs> As you said, it's just swapped on from somewhere. Incidents still occurring out around the circuit. We're deep into the final half hour of this. The opening round of the 2020 delayed opening round of the uh, NLS. But it's been a, a cracking debut race for the season. It seems strange to say that the final weekend <laughs> in June. We've got, a, we've got a hunt to the finish. 3.3 seconds was the gap between first and second at the start of this most recent lap. And uh, a similar margin. 3.6 seconds between second and third. So it's Pittard and Engel fighting for the lead. BMW ahead of Mercedes. And Beretta and Schiller. Audi ahead of Mercedes fighting over the final position on the podium. So what you have to say, really strong driver lineups uh, for the top two crews. But it's notable that their teams have got the tactics right today. But they haven't had the same tactics in terms of stint lengths. And certainly the HRT, the new team headed by Hubert Hout not racing for Black Falcon this weekend. It's now a lot of the personnel running as HRT, the Hout Racing Team. They've really uh, took a different tactic, and this could be a sign of things to come. They do things differently, and uh, clearly it could yet work. 3.3 seconds, waiting to see what the gap is between them when they get to this, the end, the end of this, the 25th lap. But uh, the clock is counting down. We started at 11 o'clock. UK time, 12 o'clock Central European time, and we are counting down towards the finish of this race. But um, be some cracking racing in the early stages of the cool, race. Hasn't there? Just. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, it, they will very easily fill a highlights program. And um, you'd, you'd have to say that just what a great job the drivers have put up. Drivers would have had a good excuse for being slightly rusty, what I call ring rusty. <laughs> oh. And uh, I should have tried to elicit a laugh with that one. But. <laughs> They've, they've stuck it down together. 141 cars. Sometimes we have a few more, but I think, uh, you know, in the wake of all that's gone before, an exceptionally good field. And uh, they've really behaved well on the circuit today. We've had a few little incidents, but they've all been cleaned up with typical Nürburgring Nord Schleifer yep. efficiency and uh, enabled everybody out there to get some good, solid racing, which is really what the doctor ordered after the, after the shutdown of the first three months of the season. So into the final short period of this race. We will we have 13 minutes, 12 and a half minutes left on the clock. Let's see who comes out on top.
chase it through to the end of the race. Will it be David Pittard and BMW or will it be Maro Engel sharing with Patrick Assenheimer, a driver who won all but half of last year's races? So we are back for the final run to the finish. The final 12 oh, minutes and gap. change. Look at that gap. I will now look at the gap. I can move one screen to the other. It's down to... Oh, it's not even point, point 0.2 point of a second. Exactly. 0.18 of a second. Pittard has got his work cut out. He knew he would have, but that was a really, really good lap. Were there any assists from traffic? The lap distance between them in, in times was 3.1 seconds, but we know you can be interrupted on the Nordschleife. We didn't get to follow the car the whole way around the lap there. And the order has changed. It's changed, yes. The BMW is back in second place. He's down by about... And that's before they've even got off the Grand Prix loop. So was, the move I, was probably made down around turn one. I was just going to say that, uh, no disrespect to Debbie Pittard, done an amazing opening scene in that car. I still think he's the man for the job. But to have Moro Engel breathing down your neck with the last, what, last two laps of a four-hour race at the Nürburgring... It's some pressure. I know it really is, but I suppose there's one thing for the two of them. They're not being involved with anybody else. They're, they're 38 seconds the good over Beretta. Beretta's only got 1.2 seconds advantage over the fourth place, Fabian Schiller. So that yellow Mercedes number two from Team Getsby may get back. But look at this. At the moment, we've got three marks of cars in the top three positions. And it could be an absolute fairy tale debut for HRT. It could. What lies ahead? Ten and a half minutes till the chequered flag can come out. Uh, the yellow Audi in Michele Beretta is uh, going to have to work very, very hard indeed. I'll run you down the rest. Rene Rast in car number 32. Wasn't on my entry list, but Robin Fried, so he's taken over from Christopher Haaser, who didn't get to compete in the race, and Nicky Katzberg. They are fifth and sixth. So that's not a bad. We've got two Mercedes, two BMWs, and two Audis in the top six mm -hmm. positions. Then the best of the Porsches, Julian Andlauer in seventh place overall, ahead of Dennis Olsen. So two works Porsche drivers, seventh and eighth. So a couple of seasons ago, it's Porsche singing the song, naming the tune here. And uh, this time around, it's very much the pendulum has gone the other way. But in terms of the BMW battlers, the one in sixth place is Rover Racing, the one that's uh, done a lot of the winning, but Walken Horse really have found a very strong driver lineup in David Pittard and Mikkel Jensen, a Brit and a Dane. Just want to set our eyes on what is happening between the driver now leading, Maro Engel. Is he still leading? And David Pittard, first yeah, and second at the start of the lap and now second and first because their positions have swapped around. Pittard now in second, Engel in the lead of the race, Maro Engel for Hubert Hout's new team, and the, that deal was only announced within the last fortnight, so things changing fast. Black Falcon deciding its business model didn't stack up to run all the SP9 cars, it's running cars in the Porsche Cup class, and a uh, couple of other entries in the SP Pro category as well, they've got a, a car running in that, but... Uh, Right now, it's all about, is it going to be BMW fighting back into the lead or will it be Mercedes having got there, staying there? But the clock is counting down and I think we're going to get this lap and one more. Yeah, I would think so. It's uh, nice to see what's just happening at the front there. Say point one nine eight of a second between them as they went across the line. And uh, by the time they'd uh, come back into our view on camera, they, uh, they had indeed swapped positions. Um, 
But again, I, I really feel that, that the Mercedes we've seen it time and again seems to have a bit more punch out of the final corner onto the start-finish straight, got into the slipstream, dived up the inside into turn one. It just, just seems a slightly stronger package as, as a car, doesn't it? Put the driver to one side for a minute and, and Mario Angle is, uh, is a supreme talent in that car. And David Pittard's no slouch either, as he proved in his first stint. But in terms of just, just physicality of the car, that Mercedes just seems a slightly stronger package and it just, just does what it says on the tin all the time, every time, doesn't seem to have, appear to have any weaknesses in the race there, does it? Nowhere on the circuit has it got a bit where, oh, it's really good here, but not quite so good there. It's just the same all the way around. The the M6 just didn't quite look to be that consistent. And we're talking fine details, I know. Um, so it'd be a great idea, but maybe swap the drivers around and put uh, put Engel in the BMW next lap and, and next race, and uh, David Pittard in the in the Mercedes. Wouldn't phase them. Wouldn't phase them. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. But would it? Not one bit. Dan, who was the far, said and done? Who was the fastest driver in qualifying? It was Maro Engel. Yeah. So that car clearly good without too much traffic around in its way, and but he's got to keep it going. He's got to keep it going for seven minutes plus change. Of course, we get to the end of four hours, and then we go on to. Uh, if we haven't got to, four, if we've got to four hours and we haven't finished the lap, that's the end of the race. But if they get there just before, they go round one and more time. Yes. But with them being this close, unless the performance really is with uh, Maro Engel, we know there's still going to be traffic all the way to the end of the race, right in front of them at various points. Anyone can slip up, but for David Pittard, he's got to be able to stay in the slipstream, stay and get whatever aerodynamic toe he can get from Maro Engel's Mercedes. Weather conditions absolutely set fair. Started grey has got better and better, so uh, nothing untowards with the weather. Good to see Huber Motors, Huber Racing. Uh, it was Huber Motorsport. Start, I was right to start with. Uh, mm. Still running at the end. Real mix of drivers. Marco Holzer taking that back to the finish, sharing with uh, Lorenzo Rocco di Torre Padula and, and Patrick Cole. But it's, you know, it's good to see different people joining the mix here in the NLS and uh, for all concerned in fact for every team it's just a pleasure to be out there it's Marco Holzer in 14th position overall third in the, the Pro-Am class so they'll be pleased they'll get up on the podium and for a lot of drivers that's what it's all about very very busy out on the circuit for the number two Mercedes that's Fabian Schiller he's got the face full of the tail end of an Audi but that's not the Beretta Audi that's no, it's the not. 32 it's car Rennie Rast has yeah been. No, he's listed as 1 minute 45 down. No, they're, they're fighting for the position. Schiller's through. He's got that position. So, one more lap to follow. Five minutes and a little bit remaining in this race. Is it going to be the HRT Mercedes taking it through to the finish in the lead of the race? It's rest, wrestled the lead after running a different... Uh, set of lap strategies race strategy to Balkan Horse Motorsport but between them there's now about two seconds but importantly for the Mercedes crew there is no slipstream they've broken the toe down the Dossinger Hur going past uh, one of the other Balkan Horse Motorsport BMWs but that was the one that went into a little rotation yes it did and got stuck facing the wrong way and any toe he could, if he could drop back a little bit and give his teammate Pittard a toe it might give him half a chance but in fact again that was a foreshortening shot and uh, Number 36 BMW is uh, closer to Engel than he is to his teammate, who could have done with the toe, will not get it. And it looks like it's about four, maybe five seconds to the good for the, the race leader, for Mauro Engel, going on to the final lap now with uh, four minutes and 
15 seconds to go, crosses the start-finish line. His gap to second place, David Pittard, 4.4 seconds. So, last lap. Last lap, indeed. It just looks so the pace of the HRT Mercedes is too strong. It was something we sensed in the early stint of the race, the opening stint where... Patrick Assenheimer was 9.7 seconds clear at the end of the opening yeah, hour, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Those behind have been fighting far more fearsomely, but uh, he, he seemed to get the better of traffic, but always seemed to just have that tiny bit of an advantage in terms of uh, lap time. Just just seemed to have that, w when needed, that little bit extra, didn't it? It could just almost like a... Uh, I'm not suggesting there's a boost button, but metaphorically, there was a. If you just needed to pull out a little bit more, could just just have that. There was that little bit extra you could just draw on when needed, whether it just be a, a sector uh, or a couple of corners or something, and it was just had that slight advantage all the way through, which I think has played into their hands over over the duration of four hours. One car we've seen a fair bit of, um, picking up quite a lot of interest is. We talked to Black Falcon not running cars in SP9, but mm. they are running one in SP Pro and yeah. 350. We see quite a lot of that. Eric Bockman, Tobias Muller and Carlos Rivas, but that's apparently been in the pit lane for a while, so uh, may not still be rolling at the end of the race, may not get back out there, so that's uh, in fact tumbled way, way down the order. So, um, then again, it's down to, hold on a second, no, sorry, I've, I've taken, gone for a bit of a bump steer there, we mentioned that, it's actually listed as 13th overall, just trying to see if it's gone for an extra pit stop, no, not sure that it has, slight red herring there. Anyhow, that battle for third place. Audi versus Mercedes. It's still Audi ahead of Mercedes. Michele Barretta going really well for Phoenix Racing, and he's got a two-second advantage now over Fabian Schiller. And again, if they're going to sort it out, it's on this final lap. Mm. So as you say, top uh, top cars, Mercedes, BMW, Audi. Mercedes, Audi, BMW. Good pushes. And uh, a strong run to ninth there at the moment. It's, I know it's the last lap, but... Uh, yes, I thought it would. <laughs> I felt it in my bones. Oh... We, 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 we love a convert. <laughs> so what can be done as we go into the closing, closing stages? Two minutes until the four hours come to the end, but the time that really counts is when Maro Engel or David Pittard gets the chequered flag. They're on the 27th lap, 4.4 seconds between them, so a four-second gain for Maro Engel. In fact, he just put in the fastest lap of the race, 8 minutes, 6.464 seconds on that wow. lap. He means business. We've got a slow-moving car on the dotting of her. It's on driver's right. Looks like a Porsche Cayman. Hold on a second. I'm wondering if that's the Cayman that was really well-placed in um, Cup 3. I'll have to little, have a little scroll down because we saw yeah, a great run obviously from FK got, performance. Got it has it gone, so it's clearly, say, keeping out of the way and trying to warn everybody that, that car you know, is indeed in trouble. But they say rolling along nothing obvious coming out of it or any liquids or anything like that so it does look like they're going to try and get that uh, back to the end of the race uh, but no no indeed as, as soon as I said I was about to say it's got the incline coming up and at that moment he's pulled it onto the grass out of the way one thing of course you have to remember the race isn't four hours it's four hours and finish the lap and if, the, if, the, if yeah. they haven't added had an extra lap of fuel the whole lap yes they are that could be very very embarrassing not saying that's the case not saying one two six Ferrari Peter didn't think it would get in the top ten, but I, I always <laughs> felt it would. And uh, Simon Trummer, ninth place at the moment. I'm so glad these things are recorded. <laughs> well, I say it's not, it's not over yet. But what a, what a stunning lap there on that, uh, that late in the race. I, I know new tyres, etc. But the car has done, it, done its four hours. Uh, the tyres, drivers are very tired. But uh, well, uh, I tell you, I, I, angle there, a, a, the f first 
and not just into an 806, half a second into it. Yeah, I know. And in fact, I just looked at the lap pace. It was a 807.9 minute lap for the for the Ferraris. That's right on the pace mm. at the moment. And the, the car that was slow on the dotting of her is 949. It's Team Avia saw Grensport, their Porsche Cayman, seven by Torsten Kratz and Friedheim Meme. But nobody, none of those will be getting to the finish at this rate. So, just to refresh, with the car, the clock at the top of the hour, four hours completed. The final lap needs to be completed, but Mauro Engels started the lap with 4.4 seconds to the good over David Pittard's Walken Horse Motorsport BMW. Michele Beretta making it three manufacturers in the top three positions in his Audi, but he's another 37 seconds back. So it's all about the top two, and really, through the course of this race, it has been all about... The number six, Team HRT, that's Haupt Racing Team. It's race debut, and it's going to be a winning one, surely, for the team headed by Hubert Haupt. But we still have probably about 15 kilometres of racing to go for the top two. Let us see which way it falls. And then Michele Beretta holding off 1.8 second advantage in his Phoenix Racing Audi over the chasing Fabian Schiller. Looks though like he may have done enough, but at this point in the race, the bugs are on the windscreen, making it harder for the drivers to see. Uh, but the track conditions have been fabulous through the course of this race. Wave blue flags yet again as the front runners work their way through the traffic, still waiting for the sight, presumably of the black nose number six Mercedes to come into view. Well, I still think we've got a few more minutes before we get to that point. Three or four more minutes, I think. I didn't remember precisely when they started the final lap, but start it they did. 4.4 seconds. It's been a great day to go racing again. The NLS, one of the first series worldwide to get going at this point of the pandemic. And a, a welcome fillet for all concerned. cars crossing the start finish line they still will get this lap to go but uh, the laps are really really counting down for our race leader he's on that final lap he's halfway around the final lap other battles up and down the field but we know our top three at the moment it's Engel, Pittard, Beretta it's Mercedes, BMW and Audi but we could still have another Mercedes in the top three positions if Fabian Schiller can find a little bit of time in the number two car from Get Speed Performance. It was only 1.8 seconds wasn't it? It yeah, was indeed. Going for that last lap. Well we said it could well be a, a, a nail-biting finish or building to a crescendo and, and boy did it without going on to that last lap it was uh, what was it less than two tenths of a second and within yeah. two corners that had changed as well uh, which I, I thought it was a possibility that Engel could get past Pittard on the last lap not quite so early if you know what I mean I thought that was going to be a, a bit of a dice and that could have been a. I, I expected there might be some swapping actually and it, you know, two or three changes and whatever And but he, he just got the job done didn't he and yeah yeah that was it but again we talked about the, the thump of that car onto the start finish straight uh, and uh, it's uh, it's the cars now coming down the dotting Ahoa for the final time headlights ablaze And it is Maro Engel in the background, even further behind than before. I'm afraid 4.4 seconds at the start of the lap has gone out a little bit more. But either way, 
And as I'm just hearing that perhaps the race leader has got a time penalty. Oh, my golly. Well, let's take uh, pay attention to the gap between them over the start-finish line. And as the information comes, oh, dear, what a crook. Well, we don't know what it's for. But anyhow, at the moment, coming up to the finish... Too, too short, short to pit stop time. Uh, well, <clears throat> that's where the mechanic has to remember to count, get his fingers in the right order, pushing it across the line. So first the finish by Ismaro Engel. His advantage, I wonder if Walkenhorst know they oh, have to push say. on. How big will the, will the gap between them and how long will be the time penalty? So over the finish line, more like about eight or nine seconds, I think. Let's have a look. Same. 27 laps on the board. The gap between them after 27 laps. They need, need, they need a five-second penalty to win it, don't they? Ten-second no, lose. 9.9 seconds is the gap oh. on the track. Ten-second penalty. <laughs> that would make it one of the closest finishes <laughs> of all time in the NLS. So how do we How would we need to find out what that penalty is? Um, yeah, keep looking at other screens. It's yep. a lot of many, many screens. Well, what a twist in the tale. So um, would have been a fairy tale story for victory first time out. May still be. Had it happened, it may still be. But uh, we, what we can tell you over the start-finish line, it's 6.34.15 getting home in third place, waiting for that timing to come. No, it not getting home in third place. What has happened to 15? It's slowing Punch, and it's crabbing. It's crabbing indeed. Puncture. the dotting Ahoa. The car in third place with Michele Beretta is now in fourth and will lose more positions Left rear, Left rear issue there, I think, for that car. Will that get through at least in fourth place? No, it looks so. Number 32 has come home in fourth. So, no, waiting for that. Yeah, no, that's gone through in fourth place. So, oh, dear, puncture there. Very, very cruel for Phoenix Racing. I did say we might get two Mercedes. Having had the three you manufacturers, did. You did. We, yeah. we made, that's the one that made change. But, oh, dear, coming through about five degrees out of true. What an agonising moment. And it's a 30-second time penalty for the race leader. I was going to say, so... Victory for Vulcan Horse Motorsport then. First time out, but uh, those teams have really shown their colours today and uh, set fair for a season of interest. But we're racing and we're underway all over again. That is the most exciting thing for me and thousands besides. So all change. Nicky Katzberg makes um, his BMW fifth at the end of the race and Paul Pichelli Beretta is going to maybe lose a few more places maybe Junior Andlau will get his Porsche past him but he was uh, several moments behind at the start of the lap but what you need to know the first car to the finish number six Maro Engel but unfortunately his 9.9 .9 second victory at the flag has given him a 27 second deficit because with a time penalty added for not the correct amount of time not hitting minimum pit stop time it's a, a variable here and maybe someone got the, rums, the sums mm. wrong but either way, the pit stop time wasn't sufficient. So Walkenhorst wins. And it was a 37-second um, penalty that they had to serve, which actually would tally yeah, 27 seconds behind as the finish. So 34 wins from sixth. Number six. And that's the message. Well, as they get flagged into the, the winning position in the pit lane, maybe the message has got through. But maybe the Walkenhorst driver, David Pittard, thinks he's just going to the podium. But, uh, he will get more than that. 9-11 does move up past 15 into sixth place. Why, why 30, if it's 37 seconds, why? It's a random number. I'm intrigued. Well, it's to do with the, the amount by which they skip the pit. By that short, that's simple as that. Yeah. 
And the number 15, Beresikar, has made it back yep. to the pits, but he just ended up in seventh place. Lost a position with that puncture. Well, lost many positions. He should have been coming home third. He's ended up in seventh place. Eighth place goes to Dennis Olsen. Second Porsche in the top ten. And then just waiting for confirmation of uh, 126, Octane 126, their Ferrari. Will they get into the top 10? They're ninth on the final lap, so you feel fairly sure that will be completed. But then again, I felt fairly sure Michele Beretta would come home in third place, and he's come home seventh with that late, late puncture. And then we're just waiting to see who will take the Pro-Am on, as it looks so it's going to be car number 30, which is Alex Muller bringing that home for Fricadelli Racing Team. And the SP9 Am honours should be going to the Racing One Ferrari, the, the two colours of blue with Stefan Kohlhaas at the wheel in 14th So cars coming in by the droves, but then again, you start with 141 cars. That's the sort of, they will come in in droves. We've had a well, good exactly, clean race. Yeah, yeah Beretta's body language there, just uh, getting out of that Audi and just utter dejection. You say he should have come in P3, ended up being seventh on that last lap with uh, not that far of the lap to go either, and he's just. Uh, I won't say he's kicked, but he's certainly placed his racing boot against the left rear tyre of that Audi and placed it almost, almost in a sort of a, uh, a car sales lot, tyre-kicking yes. manner of, um, I, I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't buy this piece of junk type of thing, because it, it's just cost him the podium, basically. Um, uh, David uh, Pittard, on the other hand, the other extreme of emotion, uh, just slapping the roof of that uh, M6 um, BMW with both hands, as in, can't quite believe it, uh, they, they pulled it off, and uh, a race win for the number 34 uh, Welkenhurst Welkenhurst Motorsport uh, M6 GT3 car. Join us again on the 11th of July for round two of the NLS. Thank you very much for joining me, Bruce Jones, and Peter Snowden. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.